Tom. And you're listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2012. It sure is. Uh, this is the year, this is the podcast where we put on our magical time ray bands and travel back to a year in musical history through the old ARIA charts, Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and look at the top number one songs for that year, all year, and this year is 2012. 2012. So um, cast yourself back a decade in the past. And get comfy. Did someone predict the uh, the world was going to end this year? I think I've, I think I've asked that question before. I feel like in this period of time, there were several years where someone said the, the, the you know you don't get it much now. I don't see many news headlines about that. But I feel like it, around this period, it was like oh yeah, t- 2012. That's it. We're done for this year. Yes, I believe it was the Aztec. Or Mayan calendar supposedly predicted that 2012... 2012 we were done mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. They were off. So but. the sophisticated minds at uh, ISL Crystals for a Living HQ uh, <laughs> overlaid the Mayan calendar yep. written, I don't know, a thousand years ago onto the modern Judeo-Christian calendar, which has been changed several times yep. over the last couple of thousand years and came up with the year 2012. And they decided that the only thing to... Only yep. way to cope with the impending apocalypse was to make a high-budget uh, John Cusack vehicle. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> predicting the coming ecological uh, meltdown. That yeah, And yep. much like the film Armageddon, it was all too true. And, yeah. You know. For sure. I mean, if, if, you're, if you've purchased a Dawson's Creek 2012 calendar and you're crossing off the days, <laughs> counting from, you know, like a mm-hmm. thousand... You know, you've got some other... You, you started off with sort of a, an A-team calendar from 87 and then you've sort of crossed the days off and you've counted forward and you've got to the point and you're saying, <laughs> end of the world's today. You probably, you want, want to make sure that you're not missing any days, you, you know, you've accidentally carried the one, you've done something wrong because True. those guys got it wrong and here we are. We're here to talk about it today, Tom. Yes. They're off. Sure. So there we go. Back then, conspiracy theories seemed a lot more harmless than they do now. <laughs> People predicted the world was going no, to end. Nobody and it didn't. got nobody got shot over that. No, nobody no. died. Yeah. It was it, there were people that believed it was going to end, and then everyone else just laughed yeah. at them. And everyone, are oh, you fucking yeah. idiots? Whereas nowadays, yeah, there's a lot more stabbings, isn't there? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, well, what was happening in the world in 2012? You ask. Mm. Um, London held the Summer Olympics, and the UK even won some medals, which okay. was fun. Uh, and of course, we all remember the famous London Olympic mascots, don't we, Ben? You remember them? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Tell well, me about them. As Tell you no them. doubt clearly yep. recalled, they were called Wenlock and Mandeville. Yeah. And in a throwback to Atlanta, uh, both looked like giant silver one-eyed sperms with legs. They were no Vucco, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, absolutely. The Sarajevo guy. Yeah, they yeah. really hit it on the head in 84 with that guy. On the other hand, I thought the logo was cool, even though it copped a lot of shit. Some people even suggested that uh, it looked like um, Lisa from The Simpsons giving someone a blowjob. Not yeah. sure what those guys had been smoking, but <laughs> give me some. Uh, I mean, what was the Sydney Olympics logo? I don't know. Like a banana or some, some sort shit of boomerang. Look, um, I recall at the time before the 2012 Olympics, um, 
I was living in the UK and my, my wife, she'd gone out one night to a pub and a dude was like, I don't know whether he, he might have been trying to hit her, I'm not sure, but basically said, oh, you know that um, I designed the Olympic mascots. <laughs> she was like, this is before they were announced. She said, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I've got a picture of them on my phone if you want. So she showed them. Uh, sorry, he, yeah, she was shown them by this guy. She said, can I take... And the guy's like, no, it's completely, you know, <laughs> confidential. They haven't been announced yet. And she was like, you sure it's that? Like, they look fucking garbage. And then she tried to explain them what they were. And then maybe a few months later, they were announced. And she's like, oh, you know, that's what the oh, guy... That oh, was so actually the photo. He did have them. Wow. And then I was like, Man. oh, yeah, they are fucking garbage. So Shouts out for the weirdest pickup game I've ever I've seen, I know. <laughs> I designed these fucking garbage dump mascots. So that was great. Um, and my wife wasn't... Act- she was able to describe them to some degree, but not perfectly accurate because if you've ever seen them... I mean, what the? F- I don't even know what the fuck that's going on with that. But. Yeah, like a lot of uh, Japanese uh, city-destroying monsters, they somehow manage to look like people wearing rubber suits even when they're just drawn it's, yeah. it's hard to explain yeah yeah I know what you mean <laughs> they look somehow fake even when they're not real um okay what else happened oh Winnie the Pooh became leader of China oh, yeah. and immediately launched a wide ranging corruption inquiry which in an astonishing coincidence put all of his political opponents in jail or in, in an unmarked grave yep uh, Piglet couldn't believe it, but Eeyore said this was just only the start and that the honey-obsessed Ursine would soon elect himself dictator for life and start annexing islands in the South China Sea. So, you know, Christopher Robin was really disappointed <laughs> there, you know, in the behaviour of his that silly old bear. I like when someone um, is, you know, sort of, despite the fact that they're the leader of, you know, the biggest country mm-hmm. on earth population-wise, that they're so insecure <laughs> that when someone on a fucking social media network says yeah. it looks a bit like Winnie the Pooh, it's like, we're banning Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. That's where that's banned now because you can't... It's sort of like, yeah. why don't you just go, oh, let, the, let them have their fun and whatever, you know. But this is where... The, you can tell when something's starting to turn into a dictatorship the minute <laughs> yeah. they become terrified of any criticism of the leader. You know, communism's not supposed to be a dictatorship. You should be able to theoretically criticise the leader, but no. And same is same with Putin in Russia. If, yeah. if you're actually in a democracy, then you should be able to criticise the leader. When you criticise the leader and you start showing up with poisoned baked beans for breakfast, yep. then you know you're not actually in a democracy Did anymore. you know, Tom, that it was around this time that uh, time travel films are illegal in China. You oh, really? You couldn't, yeah, <laughs> you couldn't show a time travel film because the the, the idea was that um, people might get the idea that they could travel back in time and uh, destroy communism. <laughs> so you didn't want to plant the seed that, hey, if you could invent a time machine, wow. which we know is you know scientifically impossible, that you may be able to travel back and then you know destroy the system that we have I now. I suppose so there's one other possibility, which is that China actually has invented a time machine and they're, true, they're true. hedging their bets they are. just in case it escapes Wuhan style. Exactly. And, you know. But they've got rid of that now. I think you can watch. I think one of the superhero <laughs> films had a time travel component. They went, ah, oh, we sure. can't. You know, let let people sort of think about that. They're certainly not afraid of citizens discovering the possibility of flying. Cars if uh, the Fast and the Furious film success exactly. in China is exactly. easy. Uh, what else? Uh, yes, in the US, Obama was re-elected to president despite winning a clear majority mm. of votes, uh, although his opponent, Mitt Romney, still managed far more votes than Donald Trump did when he lost to Hillary Clinton uh, at the next election. 
Uh, much like Corbyn or Malcolm Turnbull, Romney was hampered by a lack of support within his own party due to his ability to experience the human emotion shame. <laughs> he ne- really never recovered from that. No. Uh, yeah. The top ten movies of the year comprised of seven sequels, two adaptations. <laughs> seven of the ten yep, sequels. Fun. One reboot and zero original ideas. Good. But there was... For a change, one genuine, legit movie hit song, oh, yep. uh, which was Skyfall by Adele. That was number five in Australia and a number one all over Europe and two in the UK. So, Where does that rank on your... I know that you have a definitive Bond song <laughs> list, Tom. You carry it around in your wallet. I've seen it several times. Where does that rank? Well, I know some people would put that, like I said, I think I might have said last... But like definitely like top... Top of the, uh, certainly of the millennium, uh, oh, yeah. possibly of the 90s as well, unless you've got a hard-on for um, gold. I don't mind uh, Goldeneye by uh, Tina Turner, yep. written by The Edge, I think. But Good. yeah, uh, yeah, really, realistically, other than that, you know, unless you're a big fan of Cheryl Crow doing... I'm not. Die Another Day. <laughs> and even no. that looks pretty good when you put it next to Madonna. No, sorry, Madonna doing Die Another Day. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, this, this, this has two of the worst. The last, the last 20 years have two of the worst, which are Die Another Day by Madonna and people absolutely loathe the Jack White and Alicia Keys one. Oh, yeah. I don't hate that, but it is a weird choice for a Bond song. What was going down in the newest Bond film, Tom? Who was who was involved in that one? Uh, the last one was Billie Eilish. Oh, okay. Doing, yep. Yeah, it's kind of a minimal one. It's yep. sort of, it's inoffensive. Yeah. But it's still better than the one before that, which was that Sam Smith bullshit. Yeah, that sucked, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, Has um, Billy Idol ever done one? Speaking of uh, people named Billy, that would <laughs> no, have been great. No, he hasn't. But there are some great. There's some great stuff in the eighties. Yep. I'm a big fan of the two, uh, the two Timothy Dalton ones, which were Living Daylights by Aha. Yep. And uh, what is it? Licensed to Kill by uh, another. Duran Duran didn't synth- pop that. That one did they? <laughs> no, <good>. no. <laughs> Duran Duran did uh, View to a Kill. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, hang on. Who did License to Kill? Sorry, this is all extremely relevant to um, the, uh, the Aria charts. Of, <laughs> yes. Oh, look, I feel like um, people need to know about the very finest in the Bond songs. So. Uh, yes. Oh, God damn it. Gladys Knight. Ah, yeah, but it's fantastic. it's all synth all the way, plus some mad strings. I love That's a great song too. I mean, there have been shitty ones, don't get me wrong. Uh, okay, what else happened? That was about it. Uh, yeah, friend of the podcast, Whitney. Friend of the podcast, yes, yeah. She passed away tragically, aged forty-eight. I remembered her being older than that, but yeah, yeah. I thought I thought she was, but yeah, it was a sad day. It really was because she died. Sort of, you know, a lot of these people, you know, your, your people like uh, your Robin Williamses, your um, your bloody uh, the Joker guy, Heath Ledger, and stuff. They. You know, they're struggling in private and then they suddenly pass away, you know, but, you know, even Bowie sort of kept his sort of cancer under wraps. But Whitney was like one of those public tragedies like Amy Winehouse where everybody knows what's going to happen and it's completely predictable, but nobody seems to have any power to stop it fucking happening. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, for fans of timeless musicianship and powerful vocals, uh, their spirits were lifted in 2012 by another artist who rose to take Whitney's place. Uh, that Korean guy who did Gangnam Style. Of course, definitely. Uh, yeah, who has, you know, spanned the world the same way that Whitney once did. Yep. Yeah. Let's hope he never meets Bobby Brown. 
Indeed. Look, um, it was sad, you know, when Whitney passed away. I think I just listened to um, How Will I Know, just on loop, like an endless loop. Great song. Such a great song. Um, Written by my favourite artist of all time, Boy Meets Girl, as we've talked about before, Tom. So, um, I'm a big Somebody Who Loved Me fan. And let's not forget that Osama Bin Laden was also a big Whitney. (laughs) He was. Who would have thought all these people united together in one... Uh, yeah, one I sort year. of, I, I, I really hope that um, when that one of the two planes was flying into the World Trade Center, it was just sort of like Osama bin Laden playlist, just cranking out <laughs> for the passengers. So at least when that plane crashed in and everyone died, they were listening to some, you know, mm. Whitney. I think. Yes, that's some early period. I think yeah, dance bangers. Yeah, hopefully, you know, not. You don't want to die crashing into a building while listening to the theme song from The Bodyguard, I wouldn't No, have not the second side of the album, no, certainly. definitely. Um, <laughs> what were the big films of the year? Did you... Did um, you... Well, Skyfall was one of yeah. them. Um, I'm sorry, I did That's have right, a they're list. all sequels. We don't... We don't it was all nonsense. If you just... The last two fucking years... Just um, sequels ago, go. Yeah. So it's not a new phenomenon now where we just look at the oh, top no. films of the year and say it's all superhero shit or some sequel yeah. or whatever. They've been pumping that out. For at least 10 years to start. Um, they were The Master. Oh, Argo. Um, Argo, Les Miserables, The Dark Knight Rises, Django Unchained, Moonrise Kingdom, Silver Linings. Hang on, these are not the top 10 films. These are just ones that people These are just people like, being yeah, fine. sorry. That's okay. Look, I think it's safe to say that um, no one cares about any of the films in 2012. Did, <laughs> did the film 2012 come out that year at least? Did the John Cusack end of the world vehicle uh. come out that year? I, you know, I assume that they at least timed that. It must correctly. have, surely. Yeah. Definitely. No, it didn't. It came out in 2009. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that shows what my fucking memory's like. Oh, yes. Okay. Cool. The All top right. ten were the Avengers. Oh, yep. Sequel, The Dark Knight Rises, sequel, The Hunger Games, Adaptation, Skyfall, sequel, Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part 2, sequel, The Amazing Spider-Man, Reboot, Brave, Original, The Hobbit, uh, An Unexpected Journey, Adaptation, Ted, A Film About a Talking Teddy Bear, and Madagascar 3, Three. Europe's Most Wanted. Good, good, good. Yeah, so unless you count um, the dwarfs uh, doing the washing up song at the start of... Um, the Hobbit movie, then Skyfall was really the only song. <laughs> but as we've as we've said, like whole years go by now when there's really no there's no movie songs worth speaking of. Really, no, exactly. nothing that troubles the charts. Anyway, exactly, exactly. Hopefully, Brian Adams is you know working away at home, oh, tinkering, tinkering until they so. come calling, and then yeah. I'd like to think that he, Rod Stewart, and Sting are still at the nursing home. You know, <laughs> walkers in a circle, snapping their fingers as best their arthritic hands can manage, and yeah trying to come up with another banger oh indeed look should we uh move on to the yeah, music please let's actually get to the music all right cool so second of oh, jan sorry one yeah. thing yeah i always forget to say this if anyone's listening and you want to follow along hit up the youtube link in the uh description that will take you to a playlist of all of the songs if you want to actually interject with uh bits of yeah, we'd like to put them in here. Maybe one day we will, but at the moment, the cost of uh, One Republic CDs is simply too high. <laughs> it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, that's right. Um, all the video clips are there so you can watch them and see how fucking garbage most yeah. of them are. So. Or if you need to remind yourself what the fuck LMFAA were yeah. over in you. 
God, so here that's we are. L M F A O were. That's a lot of vowels in quick succession. So second of Jan for two more weeks. Yes, it is L M F A O. Sexy, and I know it. We talked mm. about this last week. Tom, they you got were anything not sexy else to say? And they didn't know it. Uh, well, yeah, no, we covered them pretty well last week. After this, they packed up their joke wigs and leopard print budgie smugglers and fucked off into the sunset. Never to be seen again, apart from their inevitable 2025 reunion tour. So keep <laughs> an eye out for that. that. Um, look, last week I forgot to um, look at the Spotify and Discogs prices. I don't know what happened, but um, so because I didn't do it, LMFAO, 7.6 mil on Spotify. Wow, I assume that's that depressing. Sexy, high. and I know it's on some fucking oh, garbage they, they dump both playlist. Would be. What and, was the other one? The fucking, uh, they had two. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, I've forgotten. Yep. But yeah. Whatever the other one. Uh, and this will cost you $6.84, which seems like a yep. bad investment <laughs> um, in these recessionary You'd times. You'd be better off spending that on leopard print budgies. I think frankly. so, exactly. So two weeks of that. Um, so on to the first new song of the year, 16 of Jan, for one week, Tom. It's uh, Foster the People Pumped Up Kicks. It sure is. Uh, yeah, straight off the bat with the rare thing for the number one charts and at our, you know, annual, if you're lucky, indie breakout hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was at number three for eight weeks on the US charts, but it started as a free online download, uh-huh. which led to a multi-album record deal, and it was the first alternative chart number one to crack the US top five since Kings of Leon back in 2009. Yep. So this doesn't happen all that often uh, anymore. Certainly. Yeah, a bit of a yeah, three-year break there. And even now, it's pretty rare to see an independent artist without a record deal. Yeah, make it to... It, it, it was much more common in the 90s when they were sort of... Record companies were deliberately seeking out this kind of stuff. Nowadays, yeah. you pretty much have to have 200 million... Uh, Instagram followers before people are leaving to it. Uh, Yeah, uh, Mark Foster wrote the song in five hours shortly after he formed the band that same year while working as a jingle writer for advertising. Yeah, look, interesting, Tom. Look, I'm calling it, and you can agree or disagree, but 99% of the time when there's an indie crossover into the mainstream... Um, it's worse than what the mainstream dishes up uh, <laughs> quite often. It it's might... certainly no guarantee of quality. No, no just certainly. because. Exactly. But yeah, you mentioned yeah, working as a jingle writer. This was actually, um, this was the most streamed song on US Spotify. Oh, okay. Um, so, so that just year? For, yeah, so Spotify launched um, July 14, 2011 in oh, the US. Oh, okay. So, so that's, it's only that's a year it's, old uh, at this point. Yeah, so from the time that Spotify launched um, in July 2011 to the end of that year, yeah. um, so that six-month period, this was the most streamed song wow. on Spotify. Okay. So in its, yeah, its first 12 months, yep. sorry, first six months, I guess, because only half a year, this was this is what the people wanted. Um, and another Foster the People track, uh, uh, Helena Beat, was the fifth most streamed song in the same period. So that first period of Spotify, Foster the People, That's that was the band that everyone okay. wanted to hear. So there sure. you go. Yeah, um... Uh, on the day of recording, Foster debated between songwriting in the studio and going to the beach. Ah. He says, he explained, I really didn't have anything to do that day. I was standing there in the studio and this thought came in my mind like, I'm going to write a song. And then I was like, uh, I don't really feel like writing. I don't want to write a song. I was a block away from the beach and it was a beautiful day. I kind of just wanted to be lazy and go hang out at the beach or whatever. But I just forced myself to write a song. And by that time, the next day, the song was finished. Mm. Now... 
Um, I've heard a lot of other artists talk about this as well. Like, I'm not inspired right now. I've got writer's block, he continued. I'm just not really feeling anything. And I felt that way too, just not being inspired and wanting to wait for inspiration to come before I wrote. But I wasn't inspired when I wrote Pumped Up Kicks, and that's what came out. So it just solidified the notion that perspiration is more powerful than inspiration. Yep. Hmm. Thinking that he was just recording a demo, he played all the instruments on the song and using the software Logic Pro, he arranged and edited the song himself. That demo was ultimately the version of the song that you're listening to on the album. Okay. So he really did kind of... It's not quite Taxi Club because he didn't come up no. within 15 minutes on the way to the studio while someone else did the hard work. But he, but he really did himself with yeah. all instruments in basically a day. Yeah, and that's what you're actually listening to. It's like pretty... Kylie's vocals on that song, the one where they just went, no, the, the first... First, first take's fine. Yeah. Done. Cool. No, that's not That's bad. impressive. Yeah. It's, what do you think? I, I still kind of like this song. It's catchy and weird. I reckon. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, um, when, I, when anyway. I said before about the sort of indie thing, I wasn't necessarily referring to this song. Like, yeah, often there's oh, that yeah. crossover, and sometimes it's like, oh, it doesn't sound like pop music, but it's a bit, you know, sometimes it's garbage. This is like, yeah, yeah it's it's a weird, unusual-ish song to be number one. Um, I just remember at the time, uh, you couldn't go five meters out of your house without hearing it. So I never yeah. need to hear it again. But, oh, um, sure, yeah, no, but, fair <laughs> for that reason. But <laughs> at the time, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I wasn't like oh. Fuck this song. So yeah, it was fine at the time. And uh, yeah, look, I think you're right. I think it's sort of um, compared to some of the other shit we'll have to talk about yeah. later. So it's, it, it's it a lot really better. Does. It kind of reminds me of the '90s, you know, back yep. when your crash test dummies or your fucking. Um, that guy from the kids soundtrack you could just have some weird ass yeah you know song. there was a feeling anything yeah anything could get to number one whereas if, if you had a catchy chorus even if it was bizarre you could you know yeah yeah, yeah. What, what about you, Tom? What do you do? You like the the whole concept of him just putting it together himself in a in a very brief period yeah. of time? Yeah. Well, on the one hand, I kind of hate that story because it reminds oh, me. Tell me more, please. <laughs> sure. It reminds me of all the times uh, when I was too lazy to do something creative and just went for a bike ride instead. How I could have actually been writing a hit song and becoming attractive to women for the first time in my life. You know, I mean, I've said before that the curse of the lazy creative is just gradually watching over the years all of your best ideas be made by someone else, you know, not because they copied them, yeah. unless you're some weird tinfoil hat person, but just because there's only so many ideas in the world and if you don't do something with it, eventually someone else is going to come up with the same idea unless it's the fucking special theory of relativity or something yeah, that you're exactly. keeping to yourself. There's only so many song ideas and TV show ideas. What if a stuff? high school teacher had to sell drugs? <laughs> That's right. To, for his his cancer. I thing. came up with the idea that a guy touched radioactive waste and got special powers. God damn it! Yeah, you owe me a lot of money. The entire cinema industry of twenty twenty two. Yeah, but on the other hand, what if the hit song that you did come up with when you forsook your bike ride or yep. trip to the beach and instead stuck in the studio what if the hit song was My Humps or Where Is The Love <laughs> yeah, exactly you know then all the roots in the world couldn't erase the karmic debt and you'd end up racked with guilt and strung out on fentanyl in a giant purple mansion shaped like a cock yeah. print style yeah, you know so. now which of those options is better for the world in general Ben do you reckon bike ride or fentanyl overdose um, after for, riding for My, my humps. humps it's definitely a fentanyl overdose <laughs> I think you know you sort of there's a lot of the time you mean when... bike ride possibly <laughs> 
do I? No, I mean... Oh, sorry, bike because ride to not fin- write the song. <laughs> yes. oh, damn. Fentil overdose, we still have to put up with the fallout. If only Will I Am had gone for a bike ride <laughs> and had a fentanyl overdose. That's but, right. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you do look at that and sort of think to yourself, I could have just created something so shit that, you know, it's not sort of really worthwhile me of creating anything at all. Yeah. For this song personally, look, I don't hold, you know... Look, I, I do hold a bit of a grudge, but um, and that it's it's a personal thing, though, Tom. The reason sure. that I, they hold that grudge is um, it's a little bit too close to home to a song that I wrote um around this time a few years earlier about my experience working uh, in the marketing department for the manufacture of um penis enlargement equipment. Um, <laughs> I wrote a song about that experience called "Pumped Up Dicks." Um, <laughs> sure. So. And I feel like that, that this band stole that song title. They stole the lyrics. They even stole the band name. My band at the time was called Foster the Penis. Um, <laughs> sure. And no one in the band was really impressed. So I think just to paint it... Especially since your surname's not even Foster. It's not, just, no, exactly. To Foster the there. Penis. And, and I guess, you know, just for a bit of context. So my job at the time was I was working in that marketing department where... I was looking at um, regular erections and then <laughs> erections that had been pumped up with, with the manufacturing equipment that the company sure. I worked for made. Sure. So, and then sort of looking at the, the pumped up dicks versus the regular dicks and then trying to find, you know, you mm. know, before and after shots, yeah. like weight loss, etc. So it was effectively that, like trying to find the best dicks, both regular and pumped up, and <laughs> sure. then sort of... Sure. Putting them into a you know a pamphlet, mm. a catalogue, mm. so that people could see the handiwork, and they'd go out and buy that. So that's what the job was. So, um, you know, and I, I, from what I understand, that was sort of the same scenario that inspired the Fergal Sharkley hit, "A Good Cock." These days, it's hard to find, yes. perhaps. But anyway, so that was the job that I was doing, and you know, I wrote this song, and my band. We thought we were going to be huge, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Foster the people come along. They've stolen the whole concept. <laughs> they've stolen everything about it. Wow. Um, and I think when you're in a band, Tom, sometimes, you know, you can have the talent, you can have the songwriting chops, you practice a lot, and one thing can come along and sort of destroy all of that. True. And Foster the Penis broke up pretty soon after Foster the People had their big hit because me and the band would go into places, you know, you'd be in a supermarket, the song would come on, you know, you'd sort of... Mm-hmm. All of the, you know, you'd be, you'd turn on Rage, you'd turn on, you know, you know, Channel V, whatever you were doing, you'd hear this song because, as I mentioned, it was everywhere. And I think it just got a little bit too much to handle for the other band members, knowing that that we could have been the ones that made it. And for me personally as well, you know, I was walking around um, all day with just images of of erections in my head um, because, of (laughs) of course, the their song was reminding me of my work as well. So it was just sort of, you know, um, yeah. So. When I hear their lyrics, all I can think of my lyrics were all those other kids with the pumped up dicks and mm. realise that it is just sort of very much what I was doing. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the end of the band. And um, I guess I do have a little bit of a sort of, you know, ill feeling to yes, foster the people. sure. So, so mean... that's me. So I don't <laughs> like the song, but that's that. You know, I can't really be objective, Tom. What about yourself? Um, yeah, no, I don't mind it. I must admit... But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have an ill-fated project that, no. you know, was forced off the radio due to its similarity. You weren't looking at pumped up dicks. Or, and that's the other thing. I mean, I, we did take them to court and the judge once again said, mm. there's an absolutely no way anyone on the planet could have possibly heard this quote, so-called music, end quote. So that was just another fucking kick in the guts. 
Perhaps if he'd uh, gone into partnership with them and released a range of, you know, dick expansion equipment. Yeah, yeah. Well, the com- the company I work for prohibited me from doing so. Ah, so yes. A, you know, when you leave a job and there's that sort of, <laughs> con- you know, they, they put a, so you can't do the same things for yeah, too long. You know. It's like those patent farmers you read about. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> so how are they doing? Uh, what, what are the lyrics of this song about, Tom? Oh, sure. Sure. Um, well, as mentioned, their uh, all writing and production credit goes to one guy, Mark Foster. Um, uh, and now, as you probably figured out, the song is about a school shooting, a uh, school shooter. Uh, yeah, he found a six-shooter gun in his dad's closet with a box of fun things. I don't even know what, but he's coming for you. Yeah, he's coming for you. All the other kids with the pumped-up kicks, you better run, better run, outrun my gun. Uh, which I'm assuming, I think he's talking about the rich kids at the school. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, due to the song's lyrics, it was temporarily pulled from circulation on certain US radio stations in response to the Sandy Hook mm. Elementary School okay. shooting. So, you know, phew, uh, glad they banned that song. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's your favourite school shooting song, Ben? Uh, Teenage uh, Dirtbags? Like yeah. uh, Jeremy by Pearl Jam, I Don't Like Mondays by Bob Geldof, <laughs> Smooth Operator by Sade, uh, read between the lines, it's there. <laughs> probably Teenage Dirtbag, I think, that snare sound alone, but um, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, probably, it's hard to know, there's so many great ones, isn't there? And I think it's, it's you know, a genre that's going to continue to increase because the US don't seem to be interested in... Uh, yeah putting any sort of stop to people's access to weapons but it's kind of nuts when i was in high school i remember uh my brother was a big fan of the barkman books do you know the barkman books yeah yeah stephen king did a collection of uh a bunch of short stories written under an assumed name uh you know because they weren't horror and you know that thing that board writers sometimes do where they want to prove that they can get successful even if people don't know their JK Rowling or whatever and one of them is one of the stories I think it's called Rage and it's about a kid who goes into class one day with a gun and basically takes his class hostage uh, due to his feelings of rage at you know the way he's been unfairly treated and so on and it turns into this kind of siege situation and the kids end up sympathising with him and I think he kills his teacher or something like that and yeah back then that was considered a weird turn of events, enough to write a whole quarter of a book about. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like you couldn't get that published because it was like it's too close to home. Like yeah, it's just too normal. Not only that, but I think Stephen King's actually disowned it because he said, you know, I wouldn't write something like that nowadays because back then that was a rare enough occurrence that, you know, it was an uncommon... It was not even rare, but it's an unheard of thing and that I could make the character sympathetic. Yeah. Whereas nowadays it happens once a day and I certainly wouldn't write a sympathetic story about a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. I should point out that um, Pumped Up Dicks wasn't about a school shooting. So I think, um, you know, (laughs) long term, it probably would have had more... You sure, know, uh, you know longevity. I think, well, so. pumped up kicks like teenage dirtbag is more about the uh, preempting the school yeah. shooting, whereas Jeremy and I don't like Mondays are very much the aftermath of the shooting. So I suppose you could argue that no one's actually been murdered in this song yet. 
No, but they just if they can't run fast enough, they probably are. Exactly. Always exactly. remember to fully inflate your rebuck pumps before trying to outrun a school shooter. Oh, indeed. Well. You don't want to go down the hallways underinflated. No, exactly right. Agreed. Um, so, Foster the People, 12 million Spotify wow. listeners a month. They must Still? have had other songs, uh, that other hits that people like, yeah, or not, albums not that, that I people like. But yeah, uh, they were the original Spotify band, though, as we learned. Sure. They were yeah. in the very infancy of Spotify. They were super popular, so there you go. And this would cost you $5.78. Oh, okay. So all the CD singles now are costing a bit of cash. <laughs> yes. You know, it's not like the old days where you can pick one up for 23 cents. I'm kind nowadays, of surprised so. they're still printing CDs at this point. Oh, but exactly. I suppose not. I suppose Spotify only just came out last year. So yeah, yeah fair exactly. enough. Exactly right. All right. I wonder cool. when Tidal comes out. I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Uh, um, okay, who's up next? Well, up next, Tom, it's a friend of the podcast, <laughs> Flow Rider, um, featuring uh, Sia. With uh, Wild Ones. Wow, yes, six weeks. Yes, oh yeah, six fucking long weeks. This is a big one. I remember (laughs) this one, yeah. uh, This is uh, homegrown Aussie girl Sia's first appearance on our charts to date. Yeah. Although in grand pop dance backup vocal tradition, she is mimed by a more attractive woman in the video. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unusually, as, as stated before, I think this has only happened once before, it's a white singer being mimed by a more attractive black woman. Normally, yeah. it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, according to Sia, this was another taxi club. Uh, she wrote the non-rap part of the song in 15 minutes, but didn't want her vocals on it. <laughs> no. Uh, then quote they asked me to record the vocals for Wild Ones over and over for almost six months eventually I said okay but don't put my name on it I was angry because we'd already had this discussion my manager said to me I don't think I really believed you that you didn't want to be credited or get the recognition you deserve Um, yeah so he put it on anyway (laughs) so yeah uh, again that kind of already happened with uh, the blowjob anthem of Uh, course (laughs) was that Flowrider as well yeah Flowrider featuring Kesha and uh, yeah she didn't want her name on that one Uh, well it at least this wasn't a song about begging people to send you dick pics. Yeah, like that. You know? other, yeah, yeah Look, like you only really need one song about perching yourself up on the seat of a public toilet in such a manner as to get the perfect angle on that snatch selfie, Tom. I think that's, that's sort of a, right. I think it's a yeah. one-time deal in terms of songwriting. I mean, I know how they feel though. Like yeah. I was equally upset when Kevin Bloody Wilson insisted on crediting me for the bongos on Living Next Door to Abos. <laughs> I mean, it never looks good in a job interview, no matter how many times I explain that it was purely for tax purposes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, I, how do you rate this one? I, I know you're a big Flo Rida oh, fan yeah. compared to some of his earlier work. Uh, Look, I, Blowjob I, anthem, yeah. send me dick pics anthem. Yeah, you're right, Tom. I'm a massive Flo Rida fan. Um, what I like about Flo Rida is, A, it's a great name, but it's also <laughs> just Florida. With a, with a space between mm. Flo and Rider. Mm. So it works on a couple of levels, Tom, <laughs> um, for those that didn't pick that up before. Uh, to be honest, Tom, this isn't Flo Rider's strongest material. Um, I think I would sort of call this a weak as piss club banger or an alleged... Yeah. It's like an attempt at a club banger, but it doesn't really quite get there. Look, I'm not surprised that C didn't want her name attached to this um, you know, yeah, she's done better vocals, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and look, as you mentioned, she's one of Australia's most successful musicians, at least from a writing perspective, since you know Shawnee B. I think on that yeah. uh, that TV radio song. But um, look, here's what I like about about Sia. Hey, she didn't want to be part of this song. That's that's very smart yeah. to begin with to sort of be like, look, I've heard the end result. Don't put me on yeah. there. Um, and look, the other thing I like about her is that when she realised that 
she was getting she was getting too famous for a while. She was getting a bit too famous oh, or, okay. for her own content levels anyway. So yep. basically, she was re- recording songs, performing. She was getting yeah, kind of a bit she, bigger, and then she got the TV awards and yeah. stuff. So yeah. she wasn't feeling it. So she decided to step away from doing that and just write songs for other people, which was cool. Um, and she, also, she stated that uh, when she was younger, I think in her early twenties, that um, her partner passed away. I think she had oh, okay. a, a partner that was in a car accident. Um, and she said she went on a drug and alcohol bender that lasted for six years. Wow. So, but she was still able to enjoy the life of six years and then get away out of that to still have a successful I career. So. I also did that as well. Uh, I didn't have any partner <laughs> died. I think it was just called being the ages of 20 to 26. Yeah. yeah. So, that you know, I do respect that when someone's like, look, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a bit of time for me. I'm just yeah. going to drink a lot, do a lot of drugs. I might do that for five years and then I'm going to get back into music. She always music. seemed very uninterested in her personal fame. Like, she oh, consciously absolutely. hid her appearance. Yep. Not in a wacky Lady Gaga, you no. know, way. Like, oh, now you see me, now you don't. I mean, in an actual... I don't want people to know what my face looks like, particularly. <laughs> yeah, she's very she's very much a... I like music. I write... I like writing songs. I enjoy that. That's, yeah. you know, my creative outlet. And I like singing songs. I like performing. But that's... That's the bit I like. The, yeah. the fame bit and the drive around the limo. In, in I couldn't her, give two fucks about her that. biggest videos like Chandelier and yep. um, what's the one about the There's one with Shia LaBeouf in a cage. to have fun tonight. Yeah, <laughs> her videos don't usually feature her anyway. It's like a kid dancing or it's Shia LaBeouf in a cave or it's yep. you know Flow Rider. Absolutely. And in 2015, um, she in an interview with Rolling Stone she, about this song, she said, "Quote: It's 100% cheese." Um, oh hell yeah! <laughs> explaining sure that while it helped her launch her career as a songwriter, it was not something that she would record herself. <laughs> and I respect that—the fact that she'd done the work. She realised it's garbage, but she doesn't want to throw it away. She wants to monetize what she's done. Oh yeah. But doesn't want to be associated with it. Take the paycheck <laughs> and just go. I don't want my name on this. So massive respect. Sure. To that. Although I guess if you are on this as a songwriter, then you'd get more money, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But the fact that things. she's like... But songwriter credits, people often don't bother reading those. So it's, you know, she didn't want the featuring yeah. bit on there. Um, but there is, you know, they're the things I like about her. There are... I don't like everything about about her. Here's one that I don't, one thing I don't like about Sia. Um, at one point, she was a backing vocalist for Jumeriquoi. That's it. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so if you're at Woodstock 99 Garbage, and yeah. you had the choice of on two different stages, you've got yeah. Jumiroquai or the Umbilical Brothers. <laughs> Who are you going for? I'm going the Umbilical Brothers, Tom. It's a controversial move, but I'm going to go and check those guys out with their wacky brand of sound effects, visual comedy. Yeah. Sounds, sounds very good. They're like mimes, except yep. they make noises. Yeah. You know? So they've thought, what do mimes need? They need... <laughs> It's an element missing from miming. The fact that the Umbilical Brothers were booked for Woodstock 99, it still it still perplexes me to this day, Tom. So. I mean, whoever their agent was that got them that gig, I mean, I take my motherfucking hat yeah, off to me. Yeah, Unless sure. he was on Heron and he saw them live or something. Yeah, else. Or no doubt. powerful pharmacological agent yeah. and thought they were the next coming of Jesus. So, yeah, I'd yeah. struggle to explain that. Oh. Especially given that they are the only non-musical act yeah, on course. the entire... Of gig. course, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Completely fucking bizarre. Now, look, so she's written this song. Sure. She said, I'm not feeling it. I don't want my name associated with it. So yep. it's obviously not, in her mind, one of her best songwriting yes. credits. Um, 
I'm interested to know what she probably thinks her best songwriting credit is because for me, uh, in terms of the best song she's written for another artist, that's clearly the song she penned for Kylie Sexercise, Tom, <laughs> which is a song about staying in shape through boning. And um, that explains why Kylie Minogue, at the age that she's is now is still in impeccable physical condition mm. has been in physical mm. condition great physical condition for her whole life because I can't imagine there's ever been a time in her life where she's struggled to find someone to deep dick her so that's written by penned by Sia performed by Kylie if you've seen the music video it's just Kylie Minogue in not a lot of clothes um, on a fit ball um, oh, okay. Sort of implying what it might be like to, <laughs> for you to dick her. Um, sure, so, yeah. I, that sounds like some of Kylie's uh, earlier racier work, yeah. like your uh, Michael Hutchins era or her, you know, early aughts era. But yeah. yeah, definitely. Sure. Definitely. Oh well, I didn't know she'd worked with Sia, but they're both from Australia, so hey, yeah, absolutely. I guess it makes sense. Did you watch the video for this one? I did. Does not yeah. feature Sia, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, it's good to see that uh, old Aunt Flo has gone from humble origins, as previously discussed, of doing a video standing on a rotating podium <laughs> in front of a TV showing royalty-free images of other countries <laughs> to yep. the point where he can now film a party video on location in Florida and the real Dubai. And what he's been... What is Dubai been, if not the Florida of the world? Yeah, correct, know? Tom. Look, Dubai appears to be an attempt at building a cultured city um, constructed by people who have never been to a cultured city. No. Um, so in many no ways... have interest in living in one. Exactly. <laughs> have unlimited wealth. Yeah, in many ways it's identical to Miami where, you know, somehow galleries, you know, museums, live music, good restaurants, cultural events have been replaced by jet skis and glow-in-the-dark cocktails. But mm, I assume mm. cocaine probably has a lot to do with it. Um for in the Miami sense, no excuse what Dubai, yes. you know, don't really know what Dubai's excuses for constructing what they have. But look, Tom, this might be controversial, but I blame the Prophet Muhammad. So <laughs> there you go. Well, the Prophet Muhammad just uh, put a chick in jail for 25 years. For using think, Twitter, mm, right? for yeah. saying something mildly critical about it, the Saudi government in another crazy, country. He's a crazy fucking yeah. guy, that prophet he's moment. A so, real look, he's keeping chap. bacon prices low for me, though, which <laughs> sure. I enjoy. So imagine, imagine if there was extra demand on that bacon; it'd be yeah. through the fucking roof. So Just thank to, you. Yeah, run down the. Um, look, sorry, the opening scene of oh, the yeah, video please. clip, Tom. It's Flo Rider jumping out of a plane. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it is. And it only gets hotter from there. What else can you tell me about it? Um, well, that, uh, to run down the Florida Flowrider product placement video <laughs> checklist, <laughs> yeah. uh, that the company that's sponsoring them to jump out of the plane, uh, number one. Then we've got Nokia Blackberry. Uh, no, just Blackberries. Nokia's version of a Blackberry. BMW motorbikes, Grey Goose Vodka, Dom Perignon, Twitter, the Dubai Tourist yep. Board and women's asses quite heavily promoted as well in yep. the video. But yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good uh, list. Yeah, look looking at the music video, Tom, would you consider Flow Rider to be quote a wild one, end quote, <laughs> as the as the sort of song implies? Because looking at the music video, you know, I look at that and to my mind I'm thinking a, you know, a really wild, out of control person that, you know, has sort of no mm. moral 
boundaries. They don't really care what they're doing, you know, doing massive amounts of drugs and alcohol, you know, picking fights with complete strangers, maybe throwing a Molotov cocktail through the window of a clothing store you have a minor grudge with, looting the premises, stealing a Maserati and driving it off a bridge into the ocean. You know, these are (laughs) sorts of things that a wild one might do. Uh, You know, it's not quite the same as driving around in a Jeep with a woman... Going, I'm a wild one, is it? You know, no, it's not the same thing. Not really. And that's I what mean, this video is effectively, just flow right in a Jeep. <laughs> Look at me, I'm a wild one. Like, that's right. You know, I mean, there was a time in the early 70s where a man wearing a white mesh vest in public might have constituted the behaviour of a wild one. But yep. by the by the, <laughs> by the early 2010s... Florida loves mesh, doesn't he? He does. Hell. That's probably yeah. the Florida climate, though, I imagine. Oh, it's just anything. white clothes out the wahoo. And, yep. I mean, even jumping out of a plane... It's hardly fucking Johnny Utah. They're all strapped to another person. They haven't bothered to get their skydiving ticket or anything. No. It's all just, you know... And even the whole video doesn't even take place in Dubai. It's like they ran out of money halfway through and fucked off back to Florida. But yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen wilder things, sure. <laughs> Robert yeah. Downey Jr.'s uh, non-Hollywood period was considerably wild. Uh, exactly. <laughs> he yeah. could make a video for her, I'm sure. Fortunately, back then, there were no such things as cell phones, so he still gets to have a career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that, uh, what's that do? Who? I don't know. Everyone's been cancelled. Rob Lowe. Days, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's uh, the lyrics, though? They must be oh, fucking great, look, I imagine. It's about how wild they are. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am a wild one. Break me in. Saddle me up and let's begin. <laughs> okay. I am a wild one. Tame me now. Running with wolves and I'm on the prowl. Mm. Show you another side of me, a side you would never thought you would see. Excellent grammar, see it. <laughs> Tear up that body, dominate you till you've had enough. I hear you like the wild stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, after last week with Rihanna and then uh, Winter Gordon, it became very clear that the early 2010s was all about sadism and masochism fetishes entering mainstream pop music. Uh, Flo and Sia are just riding that wave on leather surfboards with leg ropes attached to their nipple clamps and butt plugs installed beachside before every paddle out. I think Uh, either that or Flo Rider is a werewolf. (laughs) That's possible interpretation of the lyrics. What do you think Flo Rider's favourite fetish situation is? Because I've heard he likes the wild stuff. Yeah, look, I'm not sure about their history, um, but I can imagine Flo Rida would be all in if the offer came from Rihanna to anally penetrate him with one of her signature <laughs> strap-on dildos. Mm, so um, that's mm. what I'm sort of thinking there. But you're right, there's a lot of there's there's been a few songs in the last few weeks that are clearly about some um, some wild wild shit happening yeah. in the bedroom. Every so. fetish gets its time in the sun yeah. for a little while, even if only sort of tangentially. And it seems like S and M is definitely either having its time to shine or it's making a little comeback maybe from that sort of Madonna Vogue yep. uh, 90s period. But yeah. What was the Rihanna song about pegging? <laughs> Mr. Big Cock or something? What was it called? Rude Boy. Was rude it Rude Boy? boy? Yes. Rude Come Boy, can here. you get it up? Yep. Come on, Rude Boy, boy. You're big enough. <laughs> take it. Can you take That's it? Right. I believe so. Sure. Absolutely. Look, um, so anyway, that song, not, not one of Flo Rida's better ones, no. but... This guy, I mean, you know, he's, he's a heat factory. There's no doubt no, about that. No, so, can't argue with it. It's like uh, him and Pitbull are having the uh, yep. biggest white vest now, Tom, in Miami contest. Tom, um, out of Flowrider and Sia, who's got the most Spotify listeners, Tom? Who do you think? Mm, that's a tough one. Flowrider was really huge for a while. Yep. But then Sia had a lot of critical love. Maybe Sia? 
Um, Flow Rider Tom, 22 mil. Wow, okay. And Sia, 35 mil. So oh, you were right. Well, fuck shit, people yeah. fucking love that shit. This is going to cost you $4.26. Still what I would consider to be a poor investment, but <laughs> better than paying whatever the fuck better it was. Better value than LMF. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Exactly right. So look, that's, um, that's that one. All right, Tom. So up next, 5th of March, one week, it's Ass Back Home. Gym Class Heroes featuring Neon Hitch. Yeah, this was my uh, annual song that I completely forgot. If, if I've ever heard of it, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I doubt I've heard, I've this, heard this in my life because I, yeah. I, like you, was just like, "What the fuck is this?" I've certainly, I certainly never heard of Gym Class Heroes or Neon Hitch. No, if they did anything since then, I've never heard it. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so, what can you tell me? What can you tell me? About this? Um, well, this was the second single from the fifth album by Gym Class Heroes. Okay. So, in the song, uh, the song was essentially "Ask Back Home" refers to. Uh, his partner trying to get him back home, saying, when are you coming home? You've been touring too long. So when he's talking about that, it's not a brag, uh, because just because I haven't heard of them doesn't mean they don't have a lot of fans, especially among the US college audiences where they started out. Uh, they're called gym class heroes because, yeah, they met in gym class, supposedly. Uh, that said, <laughs> com- comparison-wise, the song is perfectly timed. This is the sort of shit that reminds you of the skills uh, Flo Rider and Dr. Luke do have because this is the B-tier knockoff of their recent type of shit uh, in that it's sort of hip-hop combined with kind of lazy electro stuff with a chorus from a, you know, a ringing uh, female vocalist. And once again, this is not fit to sit on the shelf next to the average 1993 Eurodance no. single. Give me Melody MC over this any day of the week. <laughs> so never mind Flo Rider or Dr. Luke. Uh, I mean, to tell you the truth, I don't mind Travi McCoy's raps and delivery, uh, but the dance music part of the song, which is most of it sucks ass and Neon Hitch is no seer, even, you know, in lyric writing terms oh look to me this sounds like an off-brand black eyed peas with like a poor man's Kesha thrown into the mix for the chorus yeah now I I couldn't tell you a lot about gym class heroes Tom but I could tell you even less about Neon Hitch (laughs) I mean I was like who in the living fuck is that now she's on this uh, all I can tell you about her is that yeah she's on this song Um, Neon Hitch was apparently Amy Winehouse's roommate Okay. I was able to find that out from the sure. internet and uh, her debut single was called Fuck You Better which was a song about how she broke up with a dude and he started dating a model and Neon Hitch not her real name it's uh, uh, Neon O'Grady I believe <laughs> um, it's not I don't know what the fuck I saw it coming and I still laughed <laughs> <laughs> Um, O'Grady it's a fucking weird one isn't it anyway so Neon Hitch so basically said to the boyfriend, you know, she'd broke, he'd broken up with her. Yeah. She's dating, he's dating a model now, sorry. And, she, you know, he's like, oh, look, I'm dating this model now. And she said to him, uh, she may be prettier than I'll ever be, uh, but she can't fuck like I do. Uh. So props to Neon Hitch for that. Um, <laughs> so apparently she fucks well. Uh, I don't know, Flowrider might want to hit on that action. Maybe even Rihanna might want to get in on sure. some of that. Or so maybe she sounds a bit like one of Eamon's ex-girlfriends <laughs> yeah, exactly you know, fuck you don't want your back so neon hit story yeah exactly she has a number one hit song as a feature 
Rain, Amy Winehouse's roommate, and she fucks really well. Oh, by okay. Rain so that was a so. number one. I think I've, I think I've heard "fuck you" better. No, I, that wasn't a number one. This is a number one. Oh, this okay. This is our only number yeah. one featuring on this. So yeah. yeah, I think I've heard "fuck you" better because I remember that stupid title, but I had no idea who it was by or anything. No, no. She is. She. I think um, for me, off-brand Kesha is sort of my perfect descriptor. Yeah, yeah. Her, she's so. no fucking Amy, Amy Winehouse. No, that's no, for that's, sure. That's yeah. completely true. Um, look, I watched a little interview clip about this song uh, where Travi McCoy, the you know the vocalist. Sorry, uh, Tom. I'll just stop you there. Um, is Travi McCoy in relation to Paul McCoy from uh, <laughs> no, Can't Wake Up? No, nor is he in relation to Travis McCoy. Yeah, all the real McCoy. All the real McCoy. Okay. Yes. Right. Um, Damn. No, no, it was Travis Barker. Sorry, Travis. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Travi. Anyway. I don't know why it's not Travis. Maybe his real name is Travis McCoy. Anyway, Anyway, he talks quite smartly about the basic idea of the song, but also about the more specific and a bit less cliched sort of adjacent subject of uh, how an artist, if they really do want to follow their dream, you know, regardless of which creative field they're in, having to say at some point to a prospective partner, you know, look, it sucks, but you can't always ask me to put you above my art you know no matter what our relationship is if I'm going to do this properly sometimes I'm going to have to put this stuff above you whether it's touring or time spent apart or time spent doing something else Um, he wrote another song about that called Coming Clean e.g. explaining this to a partner and that is definitely a more interesting song than this one even if it does sound like he's been listening to quite a lot of Eminem recently I think his sort of Eminem mode is more listenable than this kind of Attempt. I haven't listened to enough of their stuff to know whether this this might just be a one-off. They might have just yeah. thought, "Hey, this mate, we can do this flow rider shit as well. We'll just get a female vocalist." Yeah, stuff. I mean, it's hard to know whether this is representative of their greater body of work. Or yeah. not. But look, the thing with with Travi is at least when he's sort of saying to the prospective partner, you know, look, you know, I'm going to choose my art over you, or you know, I can't, yeah. sorry, or or I can't always put you ahead of my art. At least. At the end of that, he can point to this song and say to the partner, "Look, you know, I've got, I've got this, I've got this with an off-brand Kesha," and she's sure. like, and the girlfriend would be like, "Oh, okay, I'm glad that you, you know," which is okay. But for you know, for me, it was hard to you know for my wife to say, "I'm choosing my art above you," and she's like, "What have you got?" And then I play a pumped-up Cox, and she's like, mm. "That's fucking garbage." It's like so. I'm touring with Bonus Storm. Yeah. And by touring, exactly. I mean I'm going to be spending a lot of time at a pub. Yeah, so I'm sure. <laughs> Do you, do you think the ex-partner feels good about the fact that she was ditched for this? Is that like... Uh... Yeah, well, I think, frankly, the ex-partner might be onto something because this motherfucker needs to take his own advice and go home. Yeah. I'm telling you what, that tour, that interview takes place on a tour bus, a moving tour bus, and Travi looks like he's been smoking weed and eating Cheetos on that bus for at least yeah. 18 months. <laughs> he's got fucking... He's got eyes that would make any goth go, Jesus, I need to dial it back a bit with this makeup. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like fucking Danny from Wizenall and I. It's yeah, it's if not only if only Will I Am's love one had said, I think you need to choose me ahead of the art sometimes, you might have a few less shit songs, but I mean, granted to be honest, there are some kinds of art that ask more physically from an artist than other ones. Like yeah. doing endless low paid college tours around America. Asks a lot more of you physically than say being Radiohead, where you can make you know half a billion dollars doing ten dates a year, or tour where you can charge two hundred bucks a ticket or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I guess you're right. I guess to the point where if you're playing to five hundred people 
at you know twenty bucks a head mm. versus I'm paying to twenty thousand people for two hundred dollars a head, then just by sheer <laughs> economics you can play significantly less yes. shows every year. But look, this was their this was Gym Class Hero's biggest hit in Australia. They had a few other top ten hits here and abroad. Oh, they do. Um, yeah, but they yeah. did that thing, Tom, where as you mentioned, they were five albums deep. I think you said. Yep. At this so point. yeah, they did that thing where. They've, you know, five years of no one really knowing, well, sorry, me not knowing who they are. Maybe they had a big underground following, college shows and stuff. So they get their big hits and then after that they're just like, oh yeah, we're done. So they sort of, I think they split up pretty soon after this. Um, so I'm not sure whether the individual members went on to do their own thing. I couldn't be bothered looking that up. But mm-hmm. um, certainly, yeah, they, they hit big and then disbanded. So Yeah. Or went on permanent hiatus. I don't know. Well, hey, maybe they just needed to fucking go the fuck home. I think, look, <laughs> might have been that. Um, maybe Red Foo, when they do that reunion, um, they'll tap these guys on the shoulder yeah. and say, Jim Class Heroes, come out with us. Um, is Neon fucking whatever her name was? <laughs> is Neon Hitch available? Oh, she's about, don't worry. She's just been sitting next to the phone for eight years waiting for, for the call. So. Sometimes I suspect that these bands that have a huge college audience simply are. Uh, just keep thinking that they can party with 19 year olds for way too long you, yeah. you can't party with 19 year olds 19 year olds have got no class and they will throw up on your shoes after drinking half a bottle of black sambuca but yeah. they can they have a level of fucking uh, persistence and energy that no 30 year old can hope to identify you can't smoke bongs with 19 year olds every night it's just yeah. you know it's not going to happen well that's that's the thing i guess you know if you're playing a sort of very college rock or whatever sort of style of music eventually you're going to have to try and grow a bit because otherwise yeah you, you're right yeah. when you're 35 and you're playing to 16 year olds it's sort of probably a bit weird so yeah either that or you have to do that boring thing where you stop taking drugs yeah that's that's true <laughs> you have to finally admit that your dream does not involve getting fucked up every night even though you always thought that was the funnest part of it secretly when you first came up with the dream <laughs> Yeah, you can always start a straight edge hardcore band when you're 45, I guess, and just sort of do that. But yeah. I like that. Li- I love that line in. Um, do you remember in Almost Famous? You know, there's that bit where they argue about the t-shirt. They're like they're all pissed off at each other because they're annoyed at the guitarist for getting too much attention because yep. he's the, considered to be the handsome, talented one. And then the guy brings in their new t-shirts, and he's at the front of the on the shirt, and yep. everyone else is just kind of out of focus. <laughs> and then they have this big argument and stuff. And then one of them says, uh, "You know, you're not supposed to be the lead singer. That's not your responsibility." And he says, "Didn't we all get into this to avoid responsibility?" <laughs> you know. It's just a pretty good line for exactly. a rock fan. Anyway, um, lyrically speaking, uh, this was written by David Silberstein, Robopop. Let me stop you there. That's sure. a fucking great... It's um, a great name. name as a songwriter, Robopop. It's probably my favourite uh, oh, Paul Verhoeven-inspired music producer <laughs> after DJ Starship It's way better than other dudes. It's just like going, MC oh, let's, let's call ourselves The Matrix. That's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's fucking stupid. That's right. At least he changed one film. letter. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Robopop, Emma Malik, Benny Blanco, Matt McGinley, Eric Roberts, Disashi and Travi McCoy I think half of those people are just the band yep. anyway uh, Robopop worked with Maroon 5 30 Seconds to Mars Owl City uh, and the poorly named singer Keith Urban uh, <laughs> much like Alex DeKid and Stargate uh, if anything I'd say his name is too interesting for the level of production <laughs> excitement he actually delivers Yeah, it seems to be a weird same as The Matrix there seems to be this kind of oppos- oppositional ratio between the more exciting the producer's name is the 
less exciting there. If your name's Wookies. Gary Smith, you're writing the best shit on the planet. Yeah, if exactly. You're fucking Alex the kid that he's writing garbage. Yeah, and you, in the middle of you've got Timberland. He's like, well, he's named after some shoes. And yeah, he's all right, you know, sort of on the... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but it's funny, though. You look at those references. You've got Alex the kid, which is like a Sega <laughs> Master System yep. fucking reference. You've got Stargate, you know, <laughs> which is obviously <laughs> the second best TV show that uh, yeah. Richard Dean Anderson was in. And uh, then The Matrix, which is a pure knockoff, so I don't know. There was that other one. I can't remember what they called. They sound like a fucking DJ, uh, uh, ZX Spectrum programmer or something. There's oh, a there was another couple that were terrible production. Yeah, they were all, they were all just three Swedish guys anyway. Oh, exactly. Um, what are oh, these lyrics, hot lyrics, uh, though? And you've been nothing but amazing, and I'll never take you for granted. Half of these birds would have flew the coop, but you you truly understand it. And the fact you stood beside me every time you heard some bogusness, you deserve a standing O because they'd have just been over it. Uh, it's basically a hip-hop dance version of your old school Thanks for Not Breaking Up With Me Because I'm On Tour All The Time song, mm. uh, which reminded me of Eminem again, which was not great because Eminem already wrote a whole bunch of better songs about that exact thing the last decade. As, as I said before, I suspect this guy was pretty influenced by Eminem. Uh, given the age that they started out, I'm yeah. thinking that they were probably listening to his first albums when they were his age because he yep. started out pretty young too or at school or whatever. But yeah, maybe when they were in gym class, yeah. Anyway. So look, you're in the gym class here as Tom, let's imagine for a second. You can do it. You can do a US tour, yeah? Yeah. I don't know. Do you know which part of the USA they're from? Not sure? Uh, doesn't, no. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? But... You can tour around the whole... I think with America, you could legitimately say, I'm doing a nationwide tour. I'm going to be gone for like six months, yeah? Yeah. Because there's a lot... America's fucking big, and there's a lot of big cities where you can sort of do that. So, you know, you don't... You can play all the big cities, obviously, but if you're saying, look, we're going to play anywhere where there's a couple of hundred thousand people, you know, in America, you could be gone for literally six months. So maybe... So saying to the girlfriend... I'm, I'm going to be gone for six months. I'm touring around. In Australia, if you're doing a nationwide tour, how long, Tom, can you legitimately say to the girlfriend, <laughs> I'm doing a nationwide tour. I'll see you in yeah, like well. a week, <laughs> two weeks maybe. Oh, but I mean, if you wanted to, if you're not famous overseas and you want to earn money in Australia and when you're not on the charts, then you better be on a permanent that's, nationwide yeah, that's tour. True. I think Grinspoon is still touring off yeah. Dead Cat three times right now. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. No wonder he got a meth addiction just yeah. to keep himself awake in the Tarago, I think. I think so, yeah. If you're only taking in major cities, correct, you've only got about five to choose from in Australia. But yeah, if you're going for anywhere with 100,000 people, you're probably going to stay yeah. on that tour for a while. So. By the way, yeah, so he's... Uh, Travi McCoy is 41 now, which means yep. he was 31 then. Yeah. And if this is their fifth album, that means he's, they've he's probably been, been touring since he was 20. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, I think his girlfriend was, you know, giving him good advice there, telling him to fucking go home. Absolutely. Look, Jim Class Heroes, today in 2022 despite breaking up not long after this song I believe or at least going on hiatus um, they've still got 11 million listeners yeah um, Neon Hitch has 100,000 which doesn't surprise <laughs> me probably all for this song which is on some playlist uh, this will cost you 72 cents so that's sort of back in the territory that we're used wow. to um, there you go Okay. so that's a bargain if you want pick that up for 72 <laughs> sure. cents um, don't pay a dollar for it at an op shop you can go online and collect it for a lot less Cool. Um, What's up next? Tom, 12th of March for three weeks. We are young fun featuring Janelle Monet. 
Now, what is the fun story, Ben? Or, oh, sorry, fun full stop. What's their story? Oh, who gives a fuck? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, to be honest. <laughs> Look, I don't know about you, but when I hear the words, we are young, uh, my first thought is, heartache to heartache we stand, mm. no promises, no demands. And that's not good for this song because Love is a Battlefield is the apex of 80s pre-ironic OTT love metaphor power ballads, was a number one in Australia and the US and is a lot more memorable than this song, uh, even though probably there are quite a lot of Gen Y and Z who haven't heard it. Uh, exactly zero people will be discussing We Are Young by Fun full stop in 40 years' time on a podcast. My question is, what will Gen Z be doing in 40 years instead of listening to podcasts, do you think? My guess is enjoying 3D virtual podcasts using the technology from the film The Lawnmower Man 2 colon Job's War slash Beyond Cyberspace. Uh, Either way, it will not involve any songs by Fun Full Stop featuring Janelle Monet. I don't think. Um, I'd forgotten about this. And yeah. it'd been 10 years. And I, I remember probably haven't when I'd thought heard about it, it but for eight yeah. years. So it, I dare say that in 40 years' time, people won't be talking about this in no. a podcast. But look... Um, At all, first I was confused with Forever Young. Then yeah. I was like, oh, hang on, We Are Young, wasn't that? No, We'd wasn't, already done another Forever song. Young on yes. another podcast. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, look, Tom, to answer your question, though, in 40 years' time, it's a good question as to what people will be doing. But when you look at... I think any sort of creativity, like sort of outlet for creativity, um, you just want the very best people in charge, don't you? You want creative yes. minds thinking about how we can harness the technology that we have and how that we can create new things. And when I, what I mean is that obviously there was a long period of time where, you know, cinema was the best thing that we had so we had all of you know people that you know directors and, and writers and music sure. it's the art Cine- form cinema, of the 20th century cine- yeah, it, was, it was a where you could com- you're the director yeah. you say I'm going to get you know some, some great musicians I'm going to get great actors great writers I'm going to put all that together and then when video games came along Tom obviously mm-hmm. that gave another creative outlet the and you art want form of the 21st century exactly and you perhaps. want the very best people Yes. Working behind that and sure. saying, "Hey, you know, let's try and get the the best creative minds to create something in that that world." So mm. I think in the future, Tom, um, we're going to have another thing. Um, obviously, the metaverse. Unfortunately, we've got one of the best creative minds <laughs> of, of, of probably of all time working on that um, by Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. So I think yeah. that you know, with his creative vision, um, mm. uh, you know, in charge of the metaverse in forty years' time. We're going to be sitting around. Um, it's going to be like uh, uh, MS Messenger, but um, yes. you're going to be inside MSN yes. Messenger. It's going to be like that. So like, it's going to be so be great. Permanently locked in a virtual world with uh, everyone who currently has a Twitch stream on the internet. Oh, it's going to be. I, I can't think of a, be better, so good. a better end result than being trapped inside. A computer with uh, PewDiePie oh, for the rest of my yeah. life, particularly we're both wearing weird, uncanny valley avatars that look like sort of deformed Mark Zuckerberg heads. Yeah. You know, so had, hopefully we can only cross our fingers for the oh, future. Instead, I mean, instead of sitting on a couch, you're going to put on your VR headset. <laughs> you're going to be sitting on a virtual couch. Sure. Just, you know, and you're going to be sitting in there and it's going to be so great. And that's because we've got visionary Mark Zuckerberg it's, working on, it's on that. It's so. mental. It truly is mental, isn't it? Like, the, I, I remember when Facebook acquired the Oculus hardware about 
15 years ago, I think, when it, it first came fucking out. ages ago. And I mean, VR's not even a new idea. VR is like 15 years old by that point already. It's just that the technology didn't exist. And then when they acquired this, I was like, I was wondering for ages, you know, as people struggle to make, you know, to, to, to effectively use VR technology, even for video games, which is ostensibly what it was designed for, and then thinking, well, maybe, maybe VR isn't, best suited for video games maybe the best application for vr is some other thing that we haven't even figured out yet you know we're going to need some steve jobs like figure to truly harness this technology in a way that simply means that all the people who currently have qualms about the idea of virtual reality will just have to go out and buy it you know the way that we got people to play video games who never played video games before in their life you know and then you know, thinking, well, maybe Mark Zuckerberg behind the scenes, he's figured out something and, he, you know, he's the visionary guy who invented Facebook. He's got something, some way of using this technology and then it turns out he does and when he finally releases it, what is it? It's called fucking Second Life. It's a chat room that came out in 1995, except you wear a helmet to do it. Yeah, the dude sucks. He's always sucked. Um <laughs> He's only ever had one good idea and he stole that from someone anyway. So the fact that this dude is in charge of the metaverse, Uh, fucking hell. Um, But look, what I can say, Tom, is that if Mark Zuckerberg, I know he's a fan of the podcast. If he's listening to this, look, no offense, Mark, but look, um, what we've just said, it's all in jest uh, because, you know, we don't want to get banned from fucking, you know, Instagram or whatever the fuck. But look, if someone is able to allow me to say, Tom, I need a new couch. And I can put on some VR headset <laughs> and then I can see the couches that Ikea have or whatever the fuck. Mm. And I can look at that and see it at the wall and go, that looks okay. You know, and then I can order So I can order it, comes to my house without having to physically go to the Ikea and walk around that yeah. thing. That's going to be amazing, except for the part where I have to sit on it and go, oh, it's uncomfortable as a motherfucker. Yes. Now I've got to send it back. So I think there's a few problems that you, may you'd come You'd think he would have learned a lesson from... Elon Musk, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, because they're contemporaries at this point. Yeah. You know, you'd think he would have learnt at least the basic lesson is if you've got a dumb shit idea that people have already done a hundred times and all you can do is struggle to try and make it again and hope that the sheer tidal force of the amount of money you've got behind you is going to push it over the line. Yeah. Then don't before it's been released, show how crap it is. Yeah. Just make shit up. Just lie. Just promise it's going to be the best thing in the world. You can do that for 20 years while building up investor income. Oh, exactly. You know, people will just keep giving you money indefinitely. Just, than- what is it? Thanatos style or whatever that, oh, yeah. that fucking blood. Like, don't show us. Don't go on TV and show how crappy it looks yeah. and, and then reveal how dumb it is, you know. <laughs> Do you think Elon Musk would have gotten all that Hyperloop money if he'd shown pictures of one car slowly trundling down a tunnel from downtown Las Vegas to Las Vegas Central? Oh, exactly. (laughs) No, he had to say he was going to make, you know, 500 kilometre an hour space trains flying around the world at supersonic speeds, you know? Just lie, just make shit up. You know in in Minority Report where Tom Cruise is like, just does all the you know like yes. he doesn't have a screen he just looks at the wall and the screen's projected on there and he's like swiping shit off and doing that yeah I'm not going to see that in my lifetime no uh, no because exactly, uh, exactly. people that are working on this shit are just this is what I'm trying ridiculous. to talk about like the supermarket thing for instance you can just tell people you'll be able to 
see a sofa in your lounge room and touch it and feel it and smell it, you know, virtually, and then you'll be able to see exactly how it'll look and sit down on it and stuff. None of that stuff's coming true in our lifetime either. No. But you can just say that. And then when you reveal the shitty Nintendo Wii version that you've actually made, yeah. then you can just say, oh, look, that's coming in later updates. You know, yeah. we'll... <laughs> This is just the early version. And then, I mean, that's Elon Musk's entire life. I think he's going to die before some of those Teslas come out, before the Cybertruck rolls off the production <laughs> so, line. Exactly. But, but that's okay. You can just you just do one shitty model and then, yeah. But, I, yeah, because the, the, the thing he's trying to sell, is, it will come true at some point. There will yeah. be a sort of equivalent, whether people actually want to use it or whether it's enticing to people is another thing. But it, yeah, but that the version he's got now—it's the technology clearly still isn't at that level yet, you know. Oh no doubt. No. I mean, they still haven't figured out how to make virtual reality not make people want to spew. I well, mean, yeah. step one: yeah. <laughs> conquering the nausea factor. Putting that headset on for more than fifteen. Yes, minutes. a headset that weighs under two kilos would be number two. Yep. A headset that doesn't have wires connecting it to. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Look, let's, look. Let's not get into I, virtual reality. I remember when I was uh, not that old, um, a teenager, and they brought out the uh, Nintendo Virtual Boy. Tom, you remember that one? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this a hot, was a hot two months there. And was. the Nintendo Virtual Boy, for those that may not be familiar with it, people might only be familiar with the successful things that Nintendo have done, i.e. the Super Nintendo or Nintendo 64, GameCube, etc., whatever mm. they've got now. The Switch, the... Well, the Virtual Boy was made the virtu- by the guy who made the Game Boy, yeah. which at the time, in fact, it may even still... It, for, a long, for a time, it held the record for most... most video game things ever sold you know the The Game Boy yeah yeah. so people were you know clearly as the Virtual Boy demonstrates he was given pretty much a blank check to do whatever the fuck he wanted yeah exactly (laughs) Um, that was one of those things that had a lot of hype and I don't think anyone could wear it for more than about 15 minutes before just having to take it off and say I'm not going to use that ever again so that was the problem Mm. Um, also the technology wasn't there but you know yeah it was sort of like a virtual reality ahead of its time video gaming multiplayer interactive 3D solution with the sort of uh, visual fidelity of staring into a magic eight ball really close with one eyeball pressed up against it for hours at a time and that magic eight ball is super glued to a table so you can't move it around in case your neck's getting stiff exactly yeah it had a similar range of software as well if I recall correctly so anyway we digress from fun Tom (laughs) what um, what else can you tell me about this song well uh, this song proposes an interesting question yeah what's the minimum level of work you can put in and still get a featuring credit on mm. a song to think. Mm. Mm. because as far as I can tell Janelle Monet sings exactly 12 words in this entire song or rather four words carry me home tonight three times it's a good question Tom mm. because um, she does sweet fuck all on this yes. um, I didn't even know that there was a featured artist on this until I looked back at the thing and it said featuring the person yeah. I was like where the fuck does it even come in so the band advised Tom that they wanted um, Rihanna on this and they said that she, <laughs> this is a true story sure. so they said we, that we want Rihanna on this uh, <laughs> apparently luck. she was uh, into the track but quote Tom wires got crossed yeah, mm. that old story. You know, um, <laughs> whenever you hear wires got crossed, what that means is we sent her the song and she fucking didn't get back to us. <laughs> Do you really think Rihanna would want in on this? I mean, Jesus Christ. So apparently the beat for this song, and I use beat in inverted commas, uh, according to the band as well, when this was written, 
it, the beat almost ended up on the Kanye Jay Z Watch the Throne album. Mm. Um, but Maybe some wires. I think the wires got crossed <laughs> on. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. So that was purportedly. So when I was yeah. reading about this song, they said, "Yeah, Rihanna was going to do it, but some wires got crossed." And then, um, but yeah, this, the actual backing mm. track almost ended up on that Jay Z Kanye. <laughs> but the wires, the wires. So yeah. look, this is also classified as the first rock song to reach the top of the Billboard chart since Nickelback's "This Is How You Remind Me." <laughs> so firstly. They're using a pretty fucking loose definition of rock song, as this is deemed a rock song. I mean, holy shit. And secondly, that's the first one in over a decade, you know, and the previous one was Nickelback, so it's a sad state of affairs. This is about as rock as pumped up kicks, frankly. I know. know, In the sense that somewhere on them are some instruments, kind of. I I mean, there's there's a guitar in it, maybe, but even, yeah, so that's, you know, so that was a weird thing that Billboard said, yep, Rock. God, We've got a rock song. Depressing. To this is how one. you remind me. Was two thousand and one. Yeah. So that's eleven that, yeah, years exactly. prior. Christ Almighty. Yeah. So look. Speaking of Zuckerberg, um, this was the most listened to song on Facebook in two thousand and twelve. Now. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Did Facebook have a music player at some stage that I've just completely what? forgotten about? Honestly, or, I didn't know. I mean, or do they mean just this is the so links? You know, you can put a link like on embedded yeah. links. So either yeah. embedded links or just I've just put on my wall. Oh, check this out, and I put a link. Maybe to, so. they tried to have a. Maybe, music player yeah. for a bit I'm not sure yeah. but I think that I think is, what that it means that is not a good I think it's just links <laughs> mate. it must just be links because I literally can't remember Facebook yeah. doing it because you know MySpace had that embedded music player yeah. but I don't know anyway so for look while, if that's the case I mean, for instance I think uh, the white nationalist group Stormfront had the most watched video on Facebook but I'm not sure if I'd be using that to publicise the <laughs> <laughs> video capabilities of Stormfront or no, Facebook. No, no. Um, remember that Billy Joel Stormfront tour? That was a, <laughs> a good one, wasn't it? Thanks, Billy. But yeah. Look, the popularity of this song, um, though, Tom, what I will say is that it, it grew quite organically. So sure. um, this is one of those songs where it wasn't, you know, one of those sort of things where, you know, they were a, a big, well-known band. You know, yeah. we, when you asked about the fun story before and I said, who gives a fuck? Look, I, I couldn't give a shit. But what I can say is that this is their first sort of release. You know, they had, they weren't a band that were around forever. No. They sort of three dudes that were in previous other shitty bands, I assume, got together and formed fun. And this was yeah. like one of the first songs they wrote and they released this. So, yeah, the, the success of this song did grow organically. Um, and the, the, the sales in the song yeah. sort of spiked after a while. And it grew organically through uh, being featured in a Chevy Super Bowl commercial. So oh, okay. That was that. So that got picked up. They played that. And then it sort of went from there. So Yeah, yeah they don't look like your manufactured no, no, band. no. E- even for a band that is actually singing and playing instruments, they they do look kind of organic, like they look, yep. you know. I think it was just dudes that were like, oh, I'm in a band and you're in a band and oh, whatever, yeah. my band broke and up, oh, do you want to do something? Commercial, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, look, uh, lyrically, uh, yeah, um, in an interview on Rolling Stone, uh, the writer and singer of the song, Nate Ruess, said that the song was inspired by my worst drinking night of all time. Uh, quote, the okay. cabbie was demanding all this money and all I could do was stand on the corner with my head against the wall. It took me another day before I was a functioning adult and could actually write down the verses. 
Now, Nate is an American, so I'm assuming that this occurred after the first time he drank two cans of low-carb beer and was immediately <laughs> followed by a trip to hospital, then rehab, and then a publicity tour, then a lifelong forswearance of all alcoholic beverages, low-carb or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, my lover, she's waiting for me just across the bar. My seat's been taken by some sunglasses asking about a scar, and I know I gave it to you months ago. I know you're trying to forget it. But between the drinks and subtle things, the holes in my apologies, you know I'm trying hard to take it back. So if by the time the bar closes and you feel like falling down, I'll carry you home tonight. Now, that sounds a bit suspicious to me. Yeah. Sounds like the last person you should be letting carry you home is this dildo. He's going to drop you onto a broken bottle and give you a scar so bad that strangers are asking about it in public. Maybe a couple of black eyes as well. Who knows what happens once you get home. Look, being young is no excuse for criminal negligence or domestic violence, Nate. If you need someone to get you home, I'd ask that guy from the cars. He seemed extremely (laughs) concerned about getting you home. That's also a much, much better song than this. Oh, significantly better song than this. Look, um, what do you think of the the punctuation at the end of fun? Does that add to the quality of the band? (sighs) Detract from the quality of the band? Or does it really matter? I guess it's kind of... I suppose it's something, you know. It's not it's not super annoying. It's a little bit pretentious, but it's, you know, no more pretentious than your average boy band, I guess, yeah. sticking weird punctuation. Does it make it hard to uh to Google the band? Is I that, imagine it would. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate downfall for them. Just Google fun and see what pops up. I suppose it's designed to offset the fun, you know. If it was called fun exclamation mark, oh, that'd be yeah, trying too hard. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Definitely. So look, um, fun. I've got eight mil listeners. People must still be listening to this for some fucking reason. Two mil for Janelle. Um, Six dollars fifty-two. Mm. This will cost you. That's way too much. Yeah. Anything else to say about that? No, no. What if, what's up next? Second uh, of April for five weeks. One of my personal favorites, Tom. Carly Rae Jepsen. Call me maybe. Yeah. Five weeks. This uh, was a big hit at the look, time. Look, this is a banger. I'm not sure if you want to. You know, look. At my funeral, Tom, um, <laughs> this or Hammer Smash Face by Cannibal Corpse, I'm not sure just sure. yet, but oh. I'll keep you posted. John Turner um, beatboxing, yeah, as look. previously discussed, <laughs> yeah. modern day poets on back <laughs> Joel, Yeah, Joel Turner or Carly Rae Jepsen, sure. probably probably both in a sort of a back-to-back, <laughs> he I'd can, say. He can beatbox yeah. through this. Um, Carly Rae, she placed third in Canadian Idol, so usually we, uh, we shit oh, on wow. those people, but um, look... It's Look points up. off for that. I'll save her from the axle alarm yeah. because I genuinely didn't know that. She's actually a... But points on back own. on for this song. Now, hmm. her first album was some folk bullshit that no one cares about, but then she obviously realised that, you know, pop bangers sell. Yeah. And uh, this is way more fun in a live setting than fucking some dickhead on a stool strumming yeah. an acoustic guitar singing about dream catches or some bullshit. So she knows what's up. Um... Is this Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter or not? <laughs> I don't think I it don't is. Think so. No. I think that's uh, Miley, Miley Ray Jackson okay. yep. or Absolutely. Fingery Ray Jackson. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, look, yeah, she seems to have managed that difficult to pull off, some might say organic trick of someone who had a background tra- transitioning to pop music yep. from a different song 
type while still maintaining maintaining some of the a hint of the credibility of the original like getting taken slightly more seriously than your average completely manufactured pop star yeah you know like pink or someone like that yeah but but um and i think it's also to do with the fact that taylor swift style i'm pretty sure she writes her own stuff too unlike most i think yeah she definitely co-wrote this i believe so yeah yeah yeah, uh, I, I do quite like this too, I've got to admit. E- even if you hate this song, you have to admit that it does have that catchiness oh, factor. it's catchy as it's fuck. It's incredibly I mean, catchy. Holy shit. Like, yeah. It's the kind of song where the chorus gets stuck in your head after you've heard half of it one time and then you don't even know who it's by and you walk around with the fucking chorus. In yeah, your Tom, if I, you know, I think we mentioned this before, but if I'm at the checkout at Coles and this comes on Coles Radio, I'm, I'm fake <laughs> pretending I didn't get any eggs and I'm duck, ducking back in the supermarket... <laughs> For three it to five to, minutes till I can you, hear the whole song, then I'm going back to the I don't want to worry, out. Ben, but you do seem to spend a huge amount of your life at Coles buying <laughs> eggs. <laughs> the whole or time. rather, forgetting. I'm Maybe just, you yeah. should write down eggs on your hand when you go into Coles. Yeah, I should stop going to Coles because I've got that... Um, Either that, that or they should be selling eggs at the checkout. Yeah. Certainly, they're missing a dream. <laughs> They've got that um, black bean chili oil that, you know, means I've put yeah, on five kilos in COVID. Grandma, fucking hell. that shit. Fucking yeah. hell, it's like crack. But, that um, sure is. Um, anyway. Sorry, so what about the video? Uh, oh, look, the video is kind of fun. Um, on the one hand, it's a sort of artificially quirky indie pop thing set in that same suburb where every teen film since American Pie takes place. You know, that sort of yep. typical suburb where 25-year-old supermodel hot high schoolers have nothing to do on a Sunday except wash their 80 grand cherry classic hot rods in the driveway and check each other out while acting with a grade nine level of emotional intelligence, like, you know, trying to get someone's attention by washing your car in a sexy way and then falling over in a pile of soap suds. So that's fun. Uh, On the downside, they also do that pink, Averill Levine thing where a band try and visually rock <laughs> yeah. up a song which is clearly 80% electro production and audibly does not feature most of the instruments or notes being played in the video. Oh, there are no drums on this yeah. at all and the music video, you know, it's, would imply there's a dude on the drum it's kit. very bad. And probably no guitar at all. Like it's it's, it's badly of... done to the extent in this one that... that I was starting to wonder if that's really her band. I assume that oh, it is think, yeah. because she probably does have an actual band because yep. you know she's maybe not they pink. play it in a live setting, play it live, but yeah. there's no really yeah, or they just play on other songs. But yeah, no, they yeah. they're they're really struggling. They actually look vaguely embarrassed at even trying to do it. Yeah, uh, the punchline at the end, anyway, after she's been you know trying to get the attention of her hot next door neighbour while he washes his, you know, <laughs> his car show car. Uh, the punchline at the end, spoilers, is that the 26-year-old Calvin Klein model that she's trying to mack on finally notices her, walks up and gives his phone number to the guitarist in the band instead, and he's a guy! Holy shit, now. Oh, but a boom. Absolutely. Look, it's sort of funny, look at that and go, oh, wow, that's like a big, oh, that's some sort of crazy prank, something that's different. <laughs> but, um... The first gay reveal was at the end of the uh, Olivia Newton-John song, Physical, 1981. <laughs> so that, they pulled that out. I forgot um, that. Just 40, when I thought that video couldn't get any gayer than it already 40 is. 40 years ago, yeah. Um, and while we're at it, uh, R.I.P. O.N.J., pull Ooh. one out. Uh, 
she passed away sure. very recently. She finally um, stopped getting physical. She and did. became ethereal. She did, yeah. Uh, an Australian icon. So, yeah, but anyway, so Olivia Newton-John did that 40 years ago. Now, look, yeah. the video clip, yeah, I agree. It's pretty fun. It matches the, the funness of this song, which I do enjoy. Um, however, the chest tattoo uh, on the, the model, from shoulder to shoulder that reads the sky's the limit oh god I didn't <laughs> notice that in cursive font oh, man. Um, really only a taster of how bad tattoos would Ugh. get and it looks like that um, down the side of his torso he either has a full bible verse or the lyrics to perhaps this is how you remind me by Nickelback <laughs> I'm not sure didn't get it I, I tried to freeze frame it and read it but I couldn't tell oh um, the sky's so, the limit really wow but <laughs> the sky's the limit so oh, I bet you pretty it's fucking bad. Too. But look, he did avoid the face tattoo, and I feel like if this video clip was made in 2022, the edgy dude would have like some yeah, sort of face tattoo. He'd have so. like a neck, or he'd have like a little um, post Malone teardrop or something. Exactly like that. right. But the sky's the limit. Um, <laughs> that's about as bad as it gets. Just to get a bit Luke Heggy here, uh, yep. what the fuck is it with Bogans and? People, these people who've been avoiding the written word their entire life since, you know, grade four when they left school yep. and in the form of every <laughs> book yeah. or piece of written literature since. And then suddenly you get them into a tattoo shop and they cannot wait to get some fucking choice words from the English language permanently yep. inscribed on themselves regardless of spelling, where they came from, what they mean. Oh, exactly. How big they are. I, I saw a I dude today with his postcode tattooed on the arm, which I wasn't sure which was sick or fucking <laughs> stupid, but, you know, I was depends all for how, it. Depends how cool the place is, I guess. Uh, if it's it was, Bernie... It was make... three nine something, so not like... <laughs> I don't know where the fuck I, that I was is, once but... at a bar where a, a, a young and uh, quite heavily tattooed young lady, about the same age as Carly Rae Jepsen's... Yeah. Uh, bisexual love interest here was uh, came back to the bar with a brand new tattoo that she'd recently gotten which was across the top of the chest yep. in that same in the in above the, can area where yep. the guy had that and it was uh, don't lose hope yeah. written across there except the guy had written don't lose hope <laughs> and <laughs> that's equally as I which think, sounds yeah. like I'm making it up but that was a real thing and she was going like is it like good bad or is it bad bad <laughs> It's sort of like, eh. <laughs> don't lose hope's bad, but don't lose, lose hope's spelt wrong we is would, particularly I didn't bad. want to say that, like, what the fuck are you getting that for in the first place? That's moronic. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you can get it touched up much like well, Travis Barker's uh, blessed face tattoo. As you'd expect, the guy, the tattoo artist, would say, I'll pay, for, you can get the whole thing lasered off if you want. You know, they must have insurance for yeah, that thing. But, no idea. Yeah. Fucking Look, hell, don't um, lose hope. I mean, Jesus. Fortunately, though, Tom, Michael Bay wasn't directing this music video as we've seen him do in the past. <laughs> Otherwise, Carly Rae probably would have been hosed off in that car wash sequence. Yeah. I assume, oh, she so. would have been completely naked. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, look, 2012 was a special time, Ben. I mean, it was late enough that this seemed a little bit hacky, but kind of, you know, like a sort of slightly... Like, gay marriage still wasn't legal no, no. then, you know, yeah. in most of the Western world. So, you know, I guess you could say it's kind of vaguely progressive. Uh, ten years later, and the scene would be mundane enough not to really work as a joke or yeah. even possibly be considered offensive via some tortured logic I don't give a fuck about. 
10 years earlier and it would have been played not as a sort of amusingly awkward scene but as something the audience would be kind of grossed out by you yeah. know the fact that he's into a gay dude and 10 years before that they wouldn't even show it on TV and if you were Tasmanian you could get arrested for acting it out in public oh. so you know I'm not sure whether that means it counts as progressive or not but I do remember watching it at the time and I think possibly because of that kind of high gloss American pie visual style at the end going oh I actually wasn't expecting that I think that so, I I wasn't you know, it was it was I didn't a, fall off my chair with a you know smoke cloud coming off my feet cartoon style but no, it was was it an M night Shyamalan <laughs> level twist at the end Tom or I'd you say like, it's oh, a, a late period M night yeah. Shyamalan <laughs> yeah. level twist you like know. where the beach where everyone gets old or some shit well, you but go, um, this is yeah. a, exactly as interesting as it would have been if there was no twist here yeah but, look yeah. I think yeah back then it was played as a twist I think now you'd just play it as not a twist but just oh disappointing for Carly Rae because the guy she was yeah. into is not into her yeah so and it's, it's and the guy in the band just kind of looks sort of looks you know yeah. like he doesn't know what to say he doesn't kind of go and then run away or he doesn't run off to the shower and hose himself down while desperately clawing his skin off the way uh, Jim Carrey does in Ace Ventura Pet Detective when he finds out he's made out with a yeah. trans person well, that's <laughs> true. in a 10 minute long sequence that's lasted exactly as well as you'd hope yeah look I think but what we don't know Tom is whether the guitarist in the band um, he may have been gay or bisexual himself. He may have just been not into a dude with the sky's the limit tattooed across his chest. Sure. So we don't we don't know whether. If you were going to make it now, you'd have to add something else. And like you say, the guitarist would have to go off with the dude, and then just be like, "I'm not into your sky's the limit tattoo." Yeah, or something like that. There'd have to be another element, otherwise it wouldn't even qualify. Yeah. As, you know. But, but you're yeah. right, Tom. Look, it was a special time. It was a special time before Carly Rae teamed up to duet with Our City. Um, oh, God. A song called Good Time. That's twice they've popped up this yeah, fucking year. Which, I thought which, we'd seen the last of Owl City. Yeah, so the Owl City, Carly Rae, Jepsen, uh, Duet. Um, it's fucking garbage. Not that I need to see that. But the video of that song, Good Times, is them having a party at an old bait shop in the middle of nowhere. Looks like it's closed, but there's a fully functioning Slurpee machine there, so <laughs> which really makes sense. And then Carly Ray and a bunch of friends, you know, they're just sort of hanging out. They go yeah. to that sort of bait shop. Then they're camping out. It's a bit of a camping sort of thing. The music video is them all out in the sort of forest camping. And Carly Ray is sort of saying to her friends, oh, look, you know, I've invited a friend to come along. And the friends are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So, but can you imagine going on a camping trip and you're just chilling out, having a bit of fun, and then all of a sudden our city shows up? You'd just be like, oh, fuck God. that. The only positive is that as an electronic musician, he's not showing up with an acoustic guitar, annoying the living <laughs> fuck out of everyone. We're going, I'm a musician, here's a song for you. You know, you can't do, you know, fucking anything with a MIDI keyboard out in the forest, can you? That's so, true. which is fortunate. So, look. Well, I can yeah. only hope that that video wasn't directed by Michael Bay either, or you know that slurping machine would have ended all over someone's oh, hands exactly. before the end Carly of the Carly Rae's tits, yeah, look. <laughs> I don't usually agree with Justin Bieber, Tom. You know that me and Bieber have, you know, we, we, we're, at, mm. we're, at, we're buttheads quite often. Sure, um, sure. But Bieber did tweet this back in 2012. Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen's possibly the catchiest song I've ever heard, LOL. Um, it is pretty fucking catchy. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Beaver. I'm for not that. sure he's the number one authority on. Yeah, but yeah, he doesn't say best. No. I'll give him that. No, he's he not. Says... He's not making claims about. Yeah. Now, Tom, uh, Ukrainian singer Azza. You're a big fan of her work, sure. I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, or Azza, A Z A. Um, massive fan here. She filed a, lo- a lawsuit um, in LA claiming that Carly Rae Jepsen stole her song. 
uh, her Christmas song, Tom, <laughs> Hunky Santa. Now, <laughs> for Call Me Maybe or yes. she, for her own? No, for this. She, oh, claims, okay. she claims that Call Me Maybe is a rip-off of her song, Hunky Santa. How do they compare, Ben? Um, if you get a chance to check it out, the video clip for Hunky Santa, please do so because it's totally <laughs> fucked. Um, and also, tip to Uzza. Um, here's, I'm going to give you this free advice, Uzza, if you're listening. If you're going to accuse someone of ripping off your song, May I suggest actually listening to that song first, <laughs> as these two songs couldn't be more fucking different. So, I, I, I listened to them back to back, Tom, and yeah. then I sort of uh, took a bit of pause, sure, and then listened to Carly Rae Jepsen. Bit of pause, listened <laughs> to this other song again. Stepped away for a bit, mm-hmm. went about my day, came back in the evening, and said, "Let's let's do a side by side again." Mm-hmm. Uh, they are so far apart, <laughs> it's effectively like going, oh, wait a minute, did, uh, you know, Two Unlimited rip off Kurt Cobain when they did mm, No Limits? Sure. Um, is that just a reworking <laughs> of uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit? That's effectively how different they were, so I don't know. Look, anyway, in 2017, Billboard named this song uh, the one with the greatest chorus of the century. What? To this part, they of said the 21st century. Yep, 21st century. They said this okay, is so the, uh, 17 years into the yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 17 years. Bold they went, this is this is the best chorus so far. Sure. Um, and they <laughs> maybe they hadn't heard Hunky Santa. They, yet. I don't think they had yet. But they were, they said this is number one, competing with the, the couple the couple that they referenced. <laughs> they said this just beats out uh, Dynamite by Teo Cruz. What the fuck? <laughs> and uh, Teenage Dream. By Katy Perry, what so the fuck? so that's what they said were the best three um, Billboard. So Billboard are on. Not even crack. I kissed a girl or something. No, no. Oh my goodness. Um, they obviously hadn't heard "Flaunted," you know, TV rock featuring Shawnee <laughs> B. Um, that's true. You know, all those you know kids on disco <laughs> biscuits or whatever the fuck he was talking about. Anyway, so yeah, I, I do enjoy this song though. Um, what do you got yeah, for the lyrics, Tom? I think it's better than that would even suggest that level of stupidity. Um, lyrically, uh, hey, I just met you and it might seem crazy, but I'm almost famous, so fuck me, baby. Oh, damn, sorry. Uh, sorry, those lyrics are actually from Fuck Me Baby by Huey Mack. Uh, sorry, hang on. Um, Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy, but here's my penis, so touch it, maybe. It kind of slants right at you, but... Oh, shit. Sorry, sorry. Those are from Call Me Maybe Bracket Dirty Parody End Bracket by Tim Chantarengzu. Right, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. Here we are. And all the other boys try to chase me, but here's my number, so call me maybe. Before you came into my life, I missed you so bad, and you should know that, so call me maybe... I missed you so, so bad. I missed you, so give me scabies. Give me scabies. Damn, sorry, that was from Give Me Scabies by Kitty. Damn. <laughs> As you might know, it's not just Hunky Santa that this song influenced no, heavily. A, l- a lot of other people. Quite a few of parody versions. Yeah. Look, um, I did read... I'm pretty sure Weird Al would have had a crack at it at oh, some point. Oh, no doubt. Look, uh, I read um, an interview with Carly Rae Jepsen where she said, and this is... I find this kind of depressing that she said numerous dudes have approached her since this song's released and oh, used course. the line, you know, I've just met you and this sounds crazy. And of it's course. sort of like, and every single dude thinks they're being super original. And she's like, for fuck's sake, just get of out course. of here. So, yeah. um, the first guy that tried it, <laughs> maybe give him props for that. But if you're trying it, 
more than two weeks after this song came out, you got to assume that someone else has said that. Yeah, so. that's pretty bad. That's like sending dick pics to Kesha <laughs> this time. She's seen them, buddy. She's seen enough dicks for a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. But has she seen a pumped-up dick? Um, <laughs> she, I assume she has. So Depending guess, on the new technology. Yeah, well, that's I assume, you know, since I did you my see, dick I, work in 2012, yeah. there's probably been a lot more technology in the pumped-up dick Zuckerberg space. Zuckerberg had put his efforts into that instead of this kind of half-assed, 3D second life bullshit yeah. and you know we could be looking at I can't imagine revolution. what kind of pumped up dicks we'll be seeing in the metaverse I mean <laughs> that'd be massive so sure. um Carly Rae Jepsen 13 mil mm-hmm. which doesn't surprise me I mean I, I probably listen to this song 13 million yeah, times a she's month still on my own she's still putting in albums and yep. she still has lots of fans but I think this is the high watermark yep. of her oh, pop no doubt. Uh, chart career. and this will cost you two bucks two bucks which I man. think's probably fair yeah. Um, not too low, but not too crazy. Two dollars so worth of song. If yeah. I went into a shop and I saw this for sale for two dollars, I'd probably part with that. Um, given that two dollars these days gets you half a, a cauliflower, maybe a third of a, a third, cup of coffee in third, Melbourne, yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless you go to Seven Eleven. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So up next. 7th of um, May. 7th of May for fucking eight weeks. Eight weeks, two Can you full believe months. This? Um, this is fucking Whistle by Flowrider. Wow. Back again. Oh, yeah. Now, this is, I mean, this is as popular as you're ever going to get, I think. Yeah, now listen, Tom, I, I just want to start this off, okay? Sure. Because um, I don't, I don't, I want to, well, I, I will preempt you here because before you said I know you're a big Flowrider fan, mm-hmm. and I am, and I'm willing <laughs> to admit that. Sure. You know I'm a big Flowrider fan, but can I just start off by saying um, that this is fucking terrible? <laughs> yeah, it's not great, is it? Because uh, I know that, that your default position is it's Flowrider, Ben's going to love this, so I'm going to go to him, he's <laughs> sure. going to tell me all yep. about it. But this is fucking woeful, and I'd just like to say, eight weeks, fucking oath. I know, it's it's nightclubs, I reckon. It's shitty, yeah. shitty nightclubs is what you've got to blame for this kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, truly, like this is worse than that Blow My Whistle Bitch song that we mentioned That's what before. I was going to say. That's, that's actually like an off-brand like, yeah. And that's the song that I declared to be the worst song of the last decade. It's pretty crap, and this yeah. is somehow worse. Like, At least that's just a straightforward dance song with shitty lyrics. This isn't even that. It's no. like you couldn't even really dance to this no. the same way. Like, on top imagine, of that, imagine being a knockoff of DJ Alligator, oh, but God, like a I worse know. version. Yeah, anyway. I know. Like, look, uh, this is Flowrider's second blowjob <laughs> anthem <laughs> no. to hit number one. <laughs> so clearly he's a fan, although whether giving or receiving, I'm not sure. Possibly uh, both, know. you know. Uh, the line, girl, I'm going to show you how to do it and we'll start real slow, suggests that Aunt Flo has a lot of technique that he's hoping to pass on. So, oh, you know, absolutely. maybe he's worried that she's not up to his standards. Uh, no, definitely. He's not up to his standards. Look, completely agree. Look, Kesha obviously learnt the first time and didn't want to take part in no, it. So I gather no. they asked her to do it. She went, no thanks. Um, you think Flo Rida's doing the whistling? Or do you think they had to get someone in for the whistle bit of this song? <laughs> you know, is it an uncredited Paul McCoy? Because, you know, mm. all I can say is that when I listen to the whistling, I don't know if that's Flo Rida whistling. What do you think, Tom? No, me neither. It could be some sort of electronic whistle. <laughs> it could, could be, be a sample of DJ Alligator. Fucking who knows. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Could be TV rock. 
yeah. you know, that guy from TV Rock. Didn't we? Wasn't there a song that we did in this podcast early on, and the and the whistling wasn't yeah, someone whistling? Um, it was CGI whistling. It or, was the Bangles. Yeah, yeah, not CGI whistling, but yeah, it was like it was a whistling a effect. Yeah, yeah like really, hell. you couldn't find one member of the band couldn't whistle. You know. Yeah, yeah. Flowrider may have done that here because when I, I don't, I you know, as someone that's an avid Flowrider fan, I think that I know. Uh, the timbre of his voice quite well and when I hear mm. the whistling I'm like there's something not quite right about that I think that Flo Rida's got someone in so anyway. what was the famous whistling song of the 2010s that <laughs> it's not called the whistle song it's oh I don't know all I know uh, is that um, if it's not winds of change I don't fucking care about it so it's yeah. called the kids or something or the fucking Oh, look, there's some, yeah. there's some great oh, whistling tracks over the years. I hate I'm it sure, when I, but why do I bring up things? Just don't when bring I it up. Can't Tom. remember. I know it's, <laughs> it's fucking fine. stupid. It's like I think that it'll suddenly occur to me. All right. Um, okay. During an interview with MTV News, uh, Aunt Flo revealed that the lyrics of the song are sung in a metaphorical way. Okay. Uh, well, put your own swing on it, he said. But for the most part, I keep it clean. But if you listen to it, you can take it another way as well. When asked how does he know where to draw the line between sexually suggestive and downright dirty lyrics, he said that he writes lyrics in a two-level mode. No, he didn't. Sorry. That was... Um, who was that? Derulo? Derulo. He's got two musical modes, Tom, yeah. He's got party anthems and he's got dark <laughs> faux... Club thumpers. Club thumpers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. When asked how does he know where to draw the line, he acknowledged that when he's in the studio... I have my boys in there and they'll tell me and give me their suggestions and what they think. If it's too much, I'll go back. From that, we can clearly tell that there was originally a much more authentic and gritty original version of this song before Flo's boys gave him suggestions. Now, how do you reckon that original song went? Um, Look, I think it's either um, I'm in fuck mode, I'm about to explode, work that whistle and swallow my load. Mm. I think that's that one. Mm. Or I love the sluts when they're choking on my nuts, when they're choking on my nuts, when they're choking on my nuts. Sounds, One of those two. Sounds so, right. I'm not sure, but I think that's how Flo Rida would have done it. And then the friends, <laughs> no, as yes. hit makers would have said, dial it back a notch, let's yep. bring it back a bit and just do some whistle suggestion yes, shit. some yeah. subtle whistle equals blowjob mm. things, which mm. nobody's made, certainly not in a black and white famous film noir <laughs> that people still <laughs> reference from about 1952. <laughs> but yeah, since then, nobody's come up with it. So no, good no, work, no. guys in the studio. Yeah. Uh, look, this sounds quite a lot like moves like Jagger in that they're both catchy a bit. They both have whistling. And after about 90 seconds, you're quite sure you've absorbed everything the song has to offer and are ready to listen to something with a bit more balls like Carly Rae Jepsen, for instance. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. A bit more musical integrity. Exactly. Look, um, the music video for this sees Flo Rida performing pretty close to the edge of a cliff, Tom. Uh. Um, he's, he's almost too close, so I'm glad that he didn't fall off into the ocean. Um, yeah, it's he, weird when they do that, isn't it? If yeah. you're going to try that shit, you really need a prop yeah. slash style. You need a guitar, because yeah. otherwise you just look like someone who's 
precariously posing on the edge of a cliff. Slash on the edge for of no a cliff obvious reason. with a guitar. You're going, he's going to rip out a fucking guitar solo. Yes. That's sick. But Flow Row in a mesh singlet, it's like... Yeah, bare feet bouncing yeah. on the edge of the cliff. You're like, did you get lost on your way to the rollerblading shop yeah. to get to the boardwalk? <laughs> now, what I will say is that Flow Rider, for once, isn't on a jet ski in this music video. <laughs> but um, several of the bikini-clad chicks are. There's a lot, uh, of, a lot of fucking chicks. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I saw a jet There's ski. There's a heap here. of jet skis <laughs> and chicks in bikinis in this one. Look, And the other thing is, I didn't realise until this video that Flow Rider has a sick full back piece it just says flow rider with a hotted up car underneath that's fucking radical like that's on the back like imagine that so when Rihanna's pegging him um, with her strap on dildo she's mm, just looking at mm, his mm. back and seeing flow rider written on there and a hotted up car he also has a tattoo of Jimi Hendrix on one shoulder Jesus on the other God, pick your king Tom um, I don't know which one it is for you Jimmy or Jesus and he also has Ray Charles and Marvin Gaye on the chest because they're all of his musical idols all I can say is Flo Rida just be thankful you weren't a big Michael Jackson fan because a massive MJ on the chest um, that's probably aged about as well as that uh, Call Me Maybe video clip but oh god anyway. almighty yeah <laughs> what song lyrics are the highlights to this? Is um okay, <laughs> a lot of a lot of blowjob work, I guess. So. Uh, yes, um, lyrical spotlight. Uh, well, like all the best songs on this podcast, it took six adult men to write this. Mm. Flo Rider, David Glass, Marcus Killian, DJ Frank E, Brevin Isaac. Oh, I love the Brevin Isaac story. Sorry, or is that Brett? Brie and Isaac, sorry, and Antonio Brev and Isaac would be a great I had to name. look at it up close Rayan. weirdly enough, my computer thinks that that's a spelling mistake because it's not a real fucking name. What I love uh, about America, Tom, is they've got a lot of, got a lot of names that we oh don't use down God, under, which they is sure fantastic. Do. So. just bonkers. Yep. They'll fully call their son, you know, Chaswick without a, <laughs> without a flicker of an eyelid. Yeah. Um, okay, yes. Uh, lyrics. Look, I'm betting you like people, and I'm betting you love freak moves, and I'm betting <laughs> you like right. girls that give love to girls and stroke your little ego. I bet you I'm guilty, Your Honour. That's just how we live in my genre. <laughs> Who in the hell done paved the road wider? There's only one flow and one rider. I'm a damn shame. Order more champagne. Uh, dude, you've had quite enough champagne. What the fuck was that shit? <laughs> I'm betting you like people. Who the fuck are you even talking to? Us? A woman? What the fuck is freak mode? What's your genre exactly? Blowjob anthems? Why would you make the imaginary chick you're trying to cop one off a lesbian? Why are you talking about the council's road widening program? Is wider really the only word you can think of that matches your own fake name? What about vagina? Yeah. Look, here I was, Tom. Well, I thought this was a blowjob anthem, but it's really just about taking a two-lane highway and making it a (laughs) four-lane highway, just so it's easier to get to the airport. Um, So thanks for that, Flowrider. But uh, I like the fact that he he started with, uh, I bet you like people, and then, oh, yeah, I do like people, and then he's sort of narrowed that down. And you like girls? Oh, yeah. And freak mode? And they're like going, whoa, whoa, just step it back, Flo Rider. So, <laughs> look, um, he is a lyrical genius. He's probably one he of the sure finest of our yeah. generation. Um, 22 million people on Spotify aren't wrong, Tom. You know that. Fine. And um, at 76 cents, dare I say, 
This is my pick of the week <laughs> purchases. Well, price-wise, sure. Price-wise, <laughs> yeah. Good value. Oh, exactly That's right. That's nearly one cent per allusions to getting your dick sucked, I it, think. Yeah, no doubt. Um, look, Flowrider, um, he's had a lot of hits, and I can't he believe sure that has. two of them have been effectively blowjob anthems. So, <laughs> look, power to him. What's your favourite flow? Is this better than Round Round or is this... Uh, mm. I mean, this one's entirely original because that was sort of just a slight reworking of, um, you know, You Spin yeah. Me Right Round by Dead or Alive. But uh, it's it's a tough call. Of the two, I'd say I'd go that one. But like, yeah. yeah. I think... I, need, I mean, I know the bar's not super high, but I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> no. done better work than both of those songs. <laughs> oh, well, look, I'm a big fan of... Um, that one that he does with uh, T-Paint. I mean, that's obviously, you know, a classic. Sure, so, yeah. yes. All right, Tom, um, any more to say about Flowrider's Blowjob Anthem? No, number no. two. All right, up next, 25th of June for one week, Stay With Me Baby by Carice Eden. Oh! Oh, that's actual... Give me some up. reggae, Tom. Tell me, what's the Carice Eden story? Well, the reason that uh, Axel is popping up there is because uh, Stay With Me, often credited as Stay With Me Baby, is a soul song uh, co-written by Jerry Ragavoy and George David Weiss, first recorded in 1966 by Lorraine Ellison, who's a soul performer who'd been singing in gospel choirs since the age of six, and produced by Ragavoy. The 1981 Book of Rock lists mm. called Ellison's version possibly the best female vocal ever. Okay. Uh, surprisingly, a chick from Gosford who won the first season of X Factor knockoff, The Voice, did not manage to improve on that. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know 1981 was a little while ago, and there have been <laughs> some pretty good female vocals since then, but still, that's quite a high bar for a chick from Gosford who won the first season of X Factor knockoff, The Voice, to live up to. However, Absolutely. I would say, call me fucking crazy, this is still a pretty good version of a pretty good old song. Yep. I reckon. Carice uh, Eden loved Janice Joplin, and her voice has a bluesy similarity to Janice's abyss, like, you know, in, in a sort of general sense. And Janice herself covered other songs by um, Lorraine Ellison back in the 60s, so they were both obviously fans of uh, the original performer. Uh, this is probably my favourite Idol cover that we've had so far, just because the original is so rad, and Eden obviously likes it as well. Absolutely. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Um, look, I don't share your enthusiasm. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. But listen, the reason for that is, Tom, don't get me wrong. The reason I don't share your enthusiasm is because um, I watched the live, the voice version of this. Ah, yes. Um, when I was checking out the song. And look, the reason I don't share your enthusiasm actually has nothing to do with the song itself. It has to do with the fact that um, in watching the live voice version I had to see Seal um, one of the two twins from Good Charlotte oh god yeah. boring Delta and dude that preys on women just out of cults Keith Irvin grooving along to this in what can only be described as footage you know with an awkwardness level of uh, comes close to that Windows 95 launch video where Bill Gates and some other Microsoft nerds are dancing to the Rolling Stones Start Me Up. If you've seen that, um, it's excruciating. And this was just sort of like, you know, Delta and Good Charlotte and Seal and Urban going, oh, yeah. It's pretty rough, isn't it? I mean, 
you know, to be fair to the music, to be fair to Bill Gates and stuff, they never claim to be musically gifted. No, no, no. In fact, pretty much, you know, one look at them and you know that they're not. But these people are meant to be musical professionals. Because her, her awkwardly kind of yeah, her, her vocals on this are very good. I agree with that. But you're right. Oh, I what? just mean really, it's the original song. The oh, original's yeah. great, and yeah. she's got a decent yeah, enough she does. voice yeah, that she I mean. can yep. cover it. She know? does. She does a very good job of this. She has a good voice. You know, a good voice for this style. And she does it well. Yeah. But watching these fuckwits just there going like like grooving along like they're watching you know the Beatles for the first like going oh my and then like someone's probably stands up or something goes like oh yeah and it's like you know it's like watching those Jodes watch Susan Boyle perform Mm. I mean like she's actually pretty good at singing all you have to do is sit there and look impressed and yet they can't even manage that despite the fact that it's their job to react to people singing they still have to go completely off the wall batshit in a way that no human would ever actually behave it's yeah and and look at who you got you got one hit wonder maybe two hit wonder seal you've got Good Charlotte dude who's famous because <laughs> he's a twin, basically. His band's are fucking garbage. Boring Delta, who sucks shit. And um, Keith Urban, who's just a predator, effectively. Mm, um, mm, so also, all his garbage. name's wrong as well. Yeah, and a... look... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, no, it's okay. Um, and, and the other thing is, while I'm talking about how Carice Eden can get fucked, um, her debut album was called My Journey, which is an instant hard That's pass a bad for me. Name, so, yeah. But look, anyway, Eden signed with Universal Music Australia and released her debut single, You Won't Let Me. Um, it was one of the four songs recorded by Eden that entered the ARIA singles charts top five during the week of the 25th of June 2012. Yeah. So, top five, 25th of June 2012, which is the week we're talking about now. Um, four of the five songs. She became the first artist to achieve this feat since the Beatles, mm. um, who held the top six positions of the charts in 1964. So it's fair to say that Carice Eden is the best artist since the Beatles. <laughs> sure, sure. Some might say the Beatles had six and wrote their own music uh, 50 years earlier. But, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, I think she's definitely the new Beatles. Oh, I don't, I don't think that's That too means far. that, according to my friend growing up, she would have to push the proclaimers out of the way to get to that <laughs> position because they were the first new the, Beatles. The new Beatles are... <laughs> Carice Eden is definitely the current new Beatles. Um, that would that, that would be song. a fun that would be a fun uh, if you wanted one of those dumb high concept book ideas and you're a music journalist with nothing to do during lockdown. You could easily write an entire book about who people who have Beatles? been called the oh, new Beatles through history. Absolutely, <laughs> you could write a four hundred page book with two different people on each page. I reckon, and you'd still have plenty left over for the sequel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wonder. Do you think every just time- just in the first wave of British bands since the Beatles. Imagine how many of those twats, like the Trogs and yeah. Herman and the Crabs, would have been called the next Beatles. <laughs> I'm interested in bands that have been called the the new Beatles, and obviously didn't get to that, but still had like a 20 year career of like pretty successful. Yeah. Versus the new Beatles that one album in, they were like gone forever. Yeah. So. Or people people from a completely different genre and a completely different style of music who are described as the Beatles of. You yep. know, introspective one man deathcore. 
you know, or <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> melodic hard trance, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, sort of That'd be another sequel. That's three books I'm you've got sure. so far from this premise. I think one of the most recent um, ones I saw, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, where uh, Donald Glover said that Migos were the new Beatles. Exactly. So. Or, no, he said that were the Beatles of hip-hop. Oh, okay. That's that's what I'm thinking of. That's as what he, I mean. Has uh, that come true or not quite? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I haven't seen him do anything for a while. Uh, yeah. The last thing I think was mostly just racial slurs and telling women they were sluts, but, you know, oh, it so, is hip-hop, yeah, so that's definitely. about 50% of it still. Does this have any lyrical highlights, or you don't want to go there, Tom? Um, I mean, it's not her original song, but, you know, yeah, so you can't. The most interesting thing about this song, to me, uh, is that it has no verses or choruses at all. Did you see that? It's just, yep. the whole song is just 16 lines. It's one flow, straight yeah. from start to end. It's yeah. just 16 lines of a woman begging a man not to leave. Pretty much, which might be why it's so powerful, like even being recreated 30 years later by an X Factor contestant. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 50 years later. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the Joel Turner beatboxing cover myself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Maybe one of those other. Now, the guy, sorry, now if I, Karen Eden yeah. wasn't doing this, who, which version do you think would be the best version of this to hear from <laughs> one of the judges? Would you like to hear <laughs> Seal tackle this? One of the guys from Good Charlotte, uh, Delta, or Keith Urban? I'm going to say Seal. Yeah. Yep. Um, the rest you know, of them would be too embarrassing. Delta's yeah. version would be just the boring white lady version. Yep sort of harmless piano one the good charlotte one and the keith urban would be fucking embarrassing punk and country covers respectively but yeah i think if good charlotte and keith urban teamed up to do one i'd probably be into that because it'd be so terrible i wouldn't mind a seal one where like that like kiss from a rose where uh without knowing it he does half the instruments by just going do 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 into a tape player and then they use them in the song that could be quite fun that could be good yeah yeah. oh and for fuck's sake if you like this listen to the original it's way way better as you'd expect oh of course it is and it's a short song like in a 1960s pop song tradition it's about two Two minutes minutes. Yeah. yeah that's right um carice eden 33,000 spotify listeners Mm-hmm. Um, not very many, but that's okay. Uh, and Tom, we finally got there. No physical release. <laughs> wow, it's bound to happen. Wow, so, yeah. Uh, this was there's no physical copy of this on Discogs to purchase. So wow, there might have been the like a one. promo thing or something. But even Discogs is so extensive yeah. these days that it seems to capture promo singles etc that weren't available for public release so but yeah we're probably there also expecting these things to be so ephemeral she's got four number she's got four in the top yeah, ten and true. I bet none of them were physically released I bet they just went oh these are yep. all just download only go go nuts 12 year olds knock yourself out absolutely so there you go um, alright anything more to say about that all no good? no cool uh, up next for one week 9th of July shouted out by the Maston beta Oh, he's back. It's Reese. I, I had a feeling. Yeah. Now listen, caused Tom. by psychic activity and the fact that I accidentally looked ahead in the Wikipedia pages, but now, Tom, he yeah. was going to reappear despite all talent to the contrary. Reese is back. Well, that's the thing, Tom. Look, last week I did say, well, last episode I did say, um, and I quote, "We'll never hear from that cunt again." <laughs> but look, I was wrong. 
I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong and clearly could have avoided being wrong by doing what you did and simply looking at the next week's songs. Oh, if I hadn't done that, I would have agreed with you. Look, I made a mistake and I apologise to the Maston beta, um, but I will also say his pseudo-rapping in this song Mm -hmm. is at a level beyond garbage that makes me long for the days of the guy from Culture Beat. Is he rapping in this? Because I think he is. And I think it's so bad that I almost, you know, wanted yeah. to throw my stereo out the window. I guess they had to put in something to distinguish it from his other song, fill in name of other song, because I've forgotten it already, in brackets, from last year. <laughs> and because there's fuck all else to distinguish it, uh, yeah. yeah. So what can you tell me about Maston Bader in this song? So. Well, fuck, I don't well, know. You don't have to tell me anything about the song. The so- what is it? It's like it's a pop punk sort of Yeah, the other trash. one was sort of pop rock. This is kind of... Pop punk with pop you know, punk with some pseudo rapping in it. Yeah, it's, they've leaned on the same. Um, uh, they've leaned on the same sort of shouty chorus thing. Yeah, uh, it was written by DNA songs and Reese. Oh, DNA songs have out. popped up on here before. Yeah, those I, guys suck. I don't think I don't know if that was his last. It may have been his last song as well. But yeah, they're an Australian songwriting team. But yeah, uh, no, they weren't. No. Or at least they weren't the only people on it from last time. But yeah, they've, they've popped up here a few times in Australian Territory, helping out the bloody... Um, helping out idol winners and so forth. At least he co-wrote it, so I don't yeah. know how much of it he co-wrote. Uh, the music video was released on the 1st of July 2012 and stars Home and Away actress Rhiannon Fish alongside Maston on a romantic road trip getaway. Mm. It was named the, quote, hottest video of the year by Australian radio program The Hot Hits. Now, what did you reckon was the hottest part of the video, Ben? I personally like the timeless evergreen beauty of Reese's clavicle-length emo fringe, scoop-neck man blouse, bottle-cap-sized earlugs and maternity jeans. Indeed. Which were, I want to say, all the rage of the time, but I'm not even sure if that's entirely true. I think most people would be pushing one of them and they'd still get hipster yelled at them on the street. But Yeah, look, Tom, it, for me, it was the hottest video of the year by far. It's a very hot video. Um, but for me, it's one of those videos where it's what's implied. <laughs> it's what you don't see. Ah, it's what okay. we know as an audience takes place uh, from the context of the video, sure. but they don't show us, and that's what makes it so hot. We have to read between the lines, and the hotness is sort of mm. is in our own imagination. We watch the video, and we're like, Ooh, oh, goodness me. So in one part, for example, she runs off uh, to use the toilet at a service station. Yeah. Um, but quickly rushes out to indicate to Reese that the toilet is in a very bad condition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure what Kesha would have done if she needed to do a snatch selfie in there. She probably would have had to have left. <laughs> but anyway, in this, she couldn't use the toilet because yep. it's in a bad way. So that's where the scene ends. But we know um, that she would have gone and taken a shit on Reese's chest, yes. uh, which explains the subsequent costume change from Reese. So that's what makes that part hot. That's fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on a farm, <laughs> next sequence, just playing around, yep. just having a bit of fun in the farm, and then the scene ends. But we know that he would have dicked her behind a cow shed. So that's the Probably. hot part of that. It's sort of, you know, so it's, 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 in, it's in your mind. It's what didn't happen, but you know what happens. Sure. Um, there's a swimming hole part as well where they're having to swim around, and you know that in that she would have got her cans out. 
but in the music video she doesn't. Implied, so, sure. It's all implied. It's all in the spaces, Tom. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So that's why it's very hot. I think they missed out on having a trick. They could have missed out on a trick. They could have had a uh, erotic cow milking scene. Oh, possibly. You absolutely know, right. A lot of white liquid squirting into people's faces by accident. That kind of thing. They didn't do that. But no. It's sort of. It's implied that that's what happened. The so. film clip, uh, much like the song seems to maybe possibly be going somewhere in a kind of very uh, low momentum, low impact sort of way and then just ends without anything having no. actually happened. Nothing happens. Uh, yeah. Oh, and remember the Maston tattoo curse? <laughs> I certainly you brought do. Up? I certainly do. <laughs> yeah. Where the <laughs> all the employees of the particular tattoo parlour where he worked uh, ended up getting fired yeah, after... they um, did, after, after tattoo Reese, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to think that the tattoo curse was less about supernatural malevolence and more to do with an employer copying an eye full of their employees' handiwork in widescreen HD. Absolutely. Going, fuck, you've got to stop advertising our goddamn tattoos on this guy <laughs> because they all look like ass. Yeah, granddad's yeah. Indian headdress doesn't look as good on the old widescreen. No. So. He's also got just this tattoo flash stuff. There's a certain kind of pasty suburban white skin that tattoos look real bad on, you know. Yeah. Like like a 17-year-old, you know, teenager with a neck tat. It just, it just doesn't look right, you know. I yeah. Know. Do you think the Maston Beta um, has covered up any of these tats? since this time do you think he's just went granddad's headdress don't know about that like, I'd like I'd to like imagine to that now. he's gone back to the same tattoo studio for a cover up job and got more people yeah uh, fired, fired. <laughs> getting covered up from the fired yeah. eventually they went out of business well, and he had to go somewhere the dude else. that does the cover up gets fired but then the person that does the original tattoo gets rehired it's ah. sort of like a it's a it's a horror <laughs> film I'm working on. They, they all die at the end, so absolutely. The granddad's Indian headdress jumps off the arm and starts murdering mm. people. So, um, as you said, written by DNA Songs and Reese himself. Um, yep. Must be some great lyrics to this. I know Reese; he's oh, a wordsmith. Uh, so take a shot if you're feeling kind of heavy. Hit the sun with your shades and take a ride in my Chevy. Good. Uh, Reese is Australian mostly, and DNA are UK producers. Sorry, I kept, I thought they were Australian, but they're UK. That's fine. Uh, have any of them ever owned or driven a Chevy? Uh, no, no, they haven't. They don't sell those cars in either country. So why would they put Chevy in their lyrics? Well, for the same reason English songwriter Bernie Taupin put it in Crocodile Rock by Elton John, because it sounds American and therefore kind of sort of more like what a pop song should say in it according to some ancient, stupid metric. The difference is that Crocodile Rock was written in 1972, exactly 40 years earlier, which means that, as the rest of this song demonstrates, Reese and DNA really haven't advanced the idea of what constitutes a rock-tinged pop hit in four fucking decades from a template that, frankly, wasn't exactly authentic in the first place. Uh, look, there's an amazing Arctic Monkey song called Fake Tales of San Francisco. Do you know that yeah, song? I do, yeah, That's really good. I think it's the only song I've ever heard that actually investigates that topic at all. The idea of, like, generations of musicians retelling these superannuated ersatz tales of places they haven't been and things they haven't done forever and ever and ever through the form of shitty classic rock covers. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? Just say Ford, you fuckwits. Americans have those as well. 
for fuck's sake. Absolutely. So from what from what I take from that, Tom, is you're saying that <laughs> Reese Maston is the new Elton John. Yes, that's okay. exactly what That's good. That's and good. DNA songs are the new Bernie Taupin. Um, so those lyrics were terrible. There is another part of the song, Tom, where he says, rock and roll is here to stay. Now... God, if he's done any effort to demonstrate that, I've yet to hear it. I'm not certain, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Reese qualified to comment on the status of rock and roll? No. Um, maybe if the lyrics were shit Australian Idol pop songs are here to stay, I'd take his comments more yeah, seriously. Yeah, unfortunately at this point, that seems like they are. There was about five years there where I thought we'd successfully, you know, you know like the drunk guy who thinks he's successfully got rid of his hiccups. Yep. And then ten yep. minutes later, he's hiccupping again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. Look, um, Maston Beta, hundred thousand on on the Spotify. Wow. Um, there are currently no copies of this for sale <laughs> on Discogs. It's also never been sold. Um, however, there are two people that have the CD single in their want list. So, best of luck to them. Are those people um, called Reese and Maston? <laughs> if I find a copy of Shouted Out at the op shop that I frequent, and I do find a lot of fucking hot garbage there, I'm going to buy it, put it on the old Discogs for 45 to $50, mm. see if one of those two people buy it at that. Hey, look, Who if knows? you're delusional enough to go on the internet and admit to wanting a copy of this, yep. then you're probably delusional enough to pay 50 bucks for a homemade burnt CD of a copy of this <laughs> exactly. off a cassette with the name texted on the front. You could probably make a quick hundred bucks off Do you reckon if I write Maston Bader on there, it'll sell for more or less? Sure. Hard to say. I probably think that's his next nom de plume. Definitely. Uh, 16 July, one week. Uh, blow me bracket, one last kiss in bracket, mm. comedy title from none other than Pink. Than Pink. Second gobby anthem of the year. Yeah. Uh, third Rough sex anthem of the year. Unusually yeah. not by Flo Rida. Yeah, What's yeah. happened? Is he losing his touch of the shards? I'd say he is, absolutely. Uh, Tom, if you can believe this, the song was originally just called Blow Me, <gasps> but the record company said, no thanks, Pink. That's too racy. So they added one last kiss in the brackets uh, at the end. Well, that saves um, it. I'll put my monocle back where it had previously fallen. Is Pink capable of writing a song that isn't some sort of like breakup? <laughs> slash hard done by story Apparently song? not. I mean, as we previously revealed, she's been married to the same fucking motocross rider since five years ago, yeah. five years prior to this. So she's not even really qualified for that anymore. They had a bit of a break, and then she wrote a song about him, but then by the time no, she made the I video, mean. they that were back song, together. Yeah. So, so she she's, keeps writing these fucking... She's currently married to that guy. They've got several children together, so she's still doing she's doing the Weezer thing. She's still writing teenage breakup anthems at the ripe old age of whatever she is now, 40? Yeah. She'd uh, have to be at least 40. Now? She'd, I reckon yeah. she would have been 40 at this song. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. Sure. But look, um, Pink told the Australia's Today show, Tom, which is one of the, the best shows on television right mm-hmm. here in Australia, uh, quote, it's a really fun song. I can picture everyone extremely drunk dancing late at night together it's a very happy song although it's angry (laughs) now let me stop you there pink for one second firstly it's a very happy song although it's angry makes no fucking sense at all Mm. it can't be a happy song and an angry song i don't know what you're talking about now tom if you ever see me drunk dancing to this late at night you have permission to push me off the balcony of the venue or at if i'm dancing to this i think it's best just to end it right there so uh, can you picture anyone you've ever met drunk late at night dancing to this? It's like 
we've talked about this before with what was it so what and then what was the last one we had the put your drinks up song <laughs> that one she seems to have this image of her crowd as these kind of drunky punky tear away largely female you know you know adult women you know, going through some stuff and working it out on the dance floor. I'm not really sure if that actually represents her audience, to be honest. I think there's no. a lot more 13-year-olds with pink written on their pencil cases than she imagines. But, hey, she's the one on stage. Maybe she's seeing them, but fucking, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I sort of think that you get to a certain age and it's like you can still express that sort of, you know, my life, you know, sort of hard laugh. Yeah, or, you yeah. know. I'd probably just be listening to something a bit darker and gloomier than you know what yeah. I mean. Like sort of yeah. When people are going through breakups, I'm not sure whether they want to. Are they thrown on of pink? Stuff. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I don't know. And I mean, it's like again, she kind of seems to imagine herself as a punk, but yeah. I mean, if it's reflected in her music, I'm not hearing it. Other than the fact that she's going to kind of kind of a little bit of an edge to her voice. Yeah. Do you reckon I there's mean, a big crossover between pink and uh, typo negative fans, <laughs> do you think, Tom? People just want something a bit darker, you know? Well, I mean, they did do that cover of Summer Breeze. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's very uh, true. Good cover. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> good band. Look, I really don't have to say much about this. I mean... Look, I watched the video. It's by the same people. Like the song, sounds like her other stuff. The video looks like her other stuff. You know, the best thing I could say about it was I grew up watching Express Yourself era Madonna, and I have to admit that pink with her smoky eye and slicked down hair in a black power suit dancing with a hot chick is fine with me. She can do that whenever she wants. Yeah. But that's about the most interesting thing that happens in the video. Uh, what is it? She goes to court or something like that or... What is it? Or she... uh, I think I, I think I might have stopped watching halfway through and just sort of um, turned, did, went and did something well, else while listening. To if the you can wrap your mind around it, Ben, I think what happens is there's some sort of civilized occasion and Pink shows up and disrupts it. Uh, what? I know, I know. Really? It's like Holy you shit. know, it's the most original idea I've seen since the Spice Girls did it for. Um, did she chainsaw down any trees in the in the, be. In the bit of the video I didn't see? Did that happen? <laughs> probably. probably you yeah. know, she probably tripped over at some point, stood on a skateboard for two minutes, gave um, someone the finger, probably. Hit me up with uh, some lyrics because sure. I imagine it's going to be a tale of woe. <laughs> um, you know, a Shakespearean tale of woe with, you know, many twists and turns and sure. heartbreak and sure, deaths, etc. You know, you can tell that neither of us want to talk about this song that much. <laughs> we've, talked, we've spoken yeah, about Pink a lot. We um, have. I don't yeah, have a lot more She's really not adding much. And she's it. probably going to pop up next week as well, oh, to be honest. Fucking so. surely. Yep. Um, she had more hits than I remembered her having, to be way, honest. I think I stopped more. paying attention after a certain point. This was written by Pink and Greg Kirsten. Yep. And he's a pop producer who's worked with Kylie, Sia, Lily Allen, Shirley Manson, Kelly Clarkson, Lana Del Rey, No Doubt, Adele, Ellie Goulding, The Foo Fighters, and many other females. Ha ha, cop that, Dave Grohl, you big poof. Sorry, just went back to high school for a moment there. There's nothing wrong with The Foo Fighters. They're certainly not a sort of uh, watered-down Nirvana. Um, sorry people seem to have this weird love for the Foo Fighters I don't hate them I'm just not entirely sure I think it's like most of their appeal seems to come from the fact that Dave Grohl's just a really likeable dude you know he's very likeable do you know um, when anyone who's really really into the Foo Fighters like they're their favourite band uh, I, I don't um, they must exist 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've I've certainly seen um, a, a like a live concert video of them playing at like Wembley or something. They seem to be like a hundred, like eight. Oh yeah, you know, totally. They play in front of massive. They audiences. sure do. I just I haven't um, met anyone. I saw them at a music festival once, and there are a lot of people that seem like really, really, really into it. Um, everyone look, I know loves Dave Grohl, and everyone I know has got one Foo Fighter CD at the back yeah. of a cupboard, pretty much. But I don't know anyone who actually listens to them much. I think there's probably a little bit of diminishing returns. Like I think people sort yeah. of um, off the back of Nirvana, it's like, what's this guy gonna do? And you know, Everlong's like a fucking classic rock song, you know, like yeah. a really, really great song. And I always, yeah, I think it's a really, really good song. And um, I'm sure they've written some other good songs over their career, <laughs> I but I just don't know. I their very first it. single, I Don't Owe You Anything. That's yeah. a cool song. It probably sounds a little bit more nirvana than... Like, yeah, I, I probably yeah. haven't really paid much attention much, to much them like, over the past uh, period of time. Pearl Jam from about album four onwards, they seem to just have embraced the concept of dad rock. Mm. And just gone, this is where we're comfortable. We're just going to make quality... A tier dad rock yep. for future classic rock stations, you know. Absolutely, someone has to make dad rock. You know, synth, the Cynthia is gone. It's going to be every something that sounds like it's twenty years old, even when it's brand new. Yep. But we're going to make a solid version of it. But anyway, um, I, sorry, my, that's got nothing to do with Pink. <laughs> no, um, I I made the statement that um, if there's a big four, you know, big four of thrash, you know, people talk yep. about big four of thrash. If there's a big four of grunge, um, <laughs> I made the statement that Pearl Jam are the worst of the big four. <laughs> you're certainly people, your least favourite. Didn't 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 like that. They didn't like that I <laughs> made that thing. But um, they're not as good as Nirvana, Soundgarden, or Alice in Chains. So that puts them well and truly fourth on my list. Sure, of the big four, sure. So. Yeah, that's okay. Where, uh, where do Foo Fighters fall? I don't know. Anyway, it's okay. Yeah, they're not, I mean, this. they're sort of. I mean, they're, they're, they're even post grunge. They're sort they're, of. They're, like, they're basically Lifehouse. They're basically in the same same genre yeah, as Lifehouse. Yeah, unfortunately, post grunge. They're post grunge. You got to say it is. Just because Dave Grohl's in it doesn't mean that they they get to qualify as grunge. No, not that they no. probably ever want. They're more of like a rock. Dad yeah, rock anyway, that's so. what I mean. They're more just kind of straight rock. Yeah, good right. music videos though. Did oh, you watch absolutely. That? Have you seen that? That horror film they made recently? I haven't. I might actually check that out. They do seem to have a... um, Good sense of humour. Yeah, and a decent sort of screen presence. Um, He makes a very good Satan in The Pick of Destiny anyway. Oh, indeed, yeah. You guys are fucking lame! (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Shouts out to Paul F. Tompkins there for one of his rare film appearances. (laughs) The line, there's a little bit of Satan in all of us. It's a very good line delivery. Uh, okay. Uh, as previously mentioned, there's basically a holy trinity of dumb pop song subjects. I want to bang you. I'm sick of banging you. Or I'm sad you're banging someone else. Yep. Uh, Pink's creatively gone with option B here. Oh, yeah. uh, just when it can't get worse. I've had a shit day. Have you had a shit day? We've had a shit day. I think that life's too short for this. I want back my ignorance and bliss. I think I've had enough of this. Blow me one last kiss mm. I mean it's better than Reese Maston and the Chevy crew I guess the thing that surprised me is that she totally missed the opportunity to work in any oral sex innuendos yeah. other than the title yeah. you know I don't know if that counts as false advertising but I do know that a missed opportunity like that would have Flo Rider tearing his hair out if he had any tearing his white vest off possibly maybe he'd be tearing ripping. another rip in his white jeans uh, he'd be ripping apart that mesh singlet because they rip <laughs> it apart very very sure. easily so uh, I think 
I mean, th- he does like a sheer sort of mesh type ensemble. So mm. that's so that people can sort of peer through and get that that <laughs> image of Marvin Gaye on his torso. Sure. So, um, yeah, the lyrics are pretty bad, but um, yeah, you're right, better than. than Remind me how a pink is doing. Uh, 27 mil okay on the Spotify oh that's um, a lot but it's only a little bit more than old um, whoever we had last yeah uh, oh, doesn't surprise me though really... she's, she's a pretty big artist and oh this, totally this no gonna... I'm surprised it's not more to this would cost you six dollars mm, um, I think I can think too of much. better things I get too a latte much. for that that's true I would, I would purchase one latte in Melbourne for that alright um, up next time 23rd of July for two weeks <laughs> some nights by fun Fun full stop are back. They're back. Is that fun, Ben? Look, I assume it's an ironic band name. You know, like when people in Australia call someone with red hair bluey, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. Or, yes. you know, someone that's really like short, like tally or some shit like yep. that. Um, as this band is the antithesis of fun. <laughs> um, well, for what it's worth, I think this song is more fun than the last one. Uh, for whatever that's fucking worth. It's certainly weirder. Oh, it's definitely weirder, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, it's sort of a... <laughs> which destroyed. It's sort of a retro marching tune yep. with a rousing multi-track vocal that aspires to sort of martial epicness, mm. you know? Like, yeah, there was Coldplay did something a bit similar later on. They, they had did. that vivid libido or whatever, that sort of... Yeah, going like, well, we're trying to, we're all trying to make arena choruses. Let's go back to the original arena chorus, which marching, is yeah, yeah, trying to get a whole bunch of soldiers to march in time, or you know, an excuse to play bagpipes for a bit. Yeah, look, I'm not sure if it's good or not, but it's certainly a little bit more interesting than some of the shit we normally cover. Uh, they keep trying to slide guitar shredding in there. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds fucking weird as well, because it would, you know, fucking Marshall. Uh, Marching song. Uh, there's a total bullshit on purpose auto tune bit right in the middle of the bridge for no reason at all because the guy has a pretty decent voice and this bit consequently sounds like shit compared to the rest of the song. Uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, look, compared it's to Aston Bader, this sounds like Prince, doesn't it, really? So, look, um, <laughs> it's certainly more inventive. I'll give it that. Oh, you know. it's, well... It doesn't really work, but at least there are interesting components sort of sandwiched. It's inventive to a together. point, because, as you mentioned, it does sound sort of like a bit of a like marching drum yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. they've just sort of tried to, you know, crowbar that into a pop song. Yeah, and then it sounds like the guitarist's going, oh, but there's no guitar in it now because it's a marching song. And they're like, all right, you can have one solo. And then the producer's going, well, where the fuck does this go then? And yeah. Like, oh, all right, we'll just go over the top. Look, and then the guy at the back's going, look, I bought this new auto-tune machine. What are we going to do with this? You can actually sing, you know? Do yeah. You know, oh, look, we'll do a little bit of flow rider right in the middle for some fucking reason. Yeah, look, um... I'm just glad the band weren't killed in the Civil War reactive video <laughs> clip. So, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the decision to use the Civil War in the video sort of suits the anachronistic nature of the music. Of Yeah. Although, okay. if Fun made a video like this in 2022, it'd probably result in a few thousand deaths. Uh, things seem to have gotten uh, a bit tense over there lately. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can, you could have done. Yeah, that's it. 2012, a Civil War reenactment <laughs> music video. People just go, okay, yeah, it's a bit of a marching. Get yeah. that fine. But these days, I'm sure each side of the political spectrum <laughs> would find something about that that's either to be praised or to be completely yeah, you know, offended to, by. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? So, um, so look, the the lead vocalist. 
um, of uh, mm-hmm. fun. He came up with a title before he wrote the song for for some. So basically, some nights. So some oh, nights geez, is the with name. a title like that. You yeah. wouldn't want to forget it. Would well, exactly. You? So that's the name of this song, but it's also the name of the album of, of which. So this oh, is the okay. sort of um, the, the single that you know that that comes off the album with the same name. So he recalled to Billboard magazine, "quote I think we're up in somewhere in Scotland touring," and I said to the guys, "Hey, check it out. I want to call the album Some Nights." I had no idea where that came from, but they were like. That's a fantastic name for an album. <laughs> now, Tom... <laughs> These are the same guys who <laughs> named their band Fun, so I guess their bar yeah. is pretty low. Some Nights. That's fantastic. With band members so easily impressed, it explains why their music is so dog shit. Uh, fucking oath. What a disgrace. Oh, that's that's it, though. Imagine, imagine it being so, you know uninvested or just so unimaginative that someone comes in and just goes oh I'm going to call it couch and you just fucking yeah bro let's do that it's like when some they, nights do you remember when we did uh, Beautiful Day by, yeah. by and then they were talking about I think it was The Edge said Bono just came into the studio and he said I've got this line it's a beautiful day and from there we were just like wow it's just like inspiration <laughs> just struck like I don't know whether you're lying <laughs> to justify this, but you're all on so much drugs that that legitimately yeah. happened. Or C, that is like how imaginative you are and you genuinely were blown away by this. Like, some nights, fuck, man. Some nights. <laughs> Although some maybe nights. being in Scotland, maybe they heard a marching band and that's where they got the thing. That, that, some that nights? Some fuck nights. yeah, bro. Did, summer nights? Some, by the, no. no, no, some, some nights. nights. Oh. <laughs> oh, so not like every night. Nah, <laughs> no. just some nights. Not last oh, night. Oh, yeah. okay, no, just a random night. <laughs> Uh, I assume the lyrics are amazing. Oh, look, every bit is Yeah, there seems to be about uh, weighing up the sacrifices that uh, Nate's, I think it was called, Nate's made in love and in his career and in love for his career, which coincidentally is the same topic as that song by Jim Class Heroes from earlier in the year. Yeah. He goes a bit more roundabout with his uh, war metaphor. Uh, this is it, boys. This is war. What are we waiting for? Why don't we break the rules already? I was never one to believe the hype. Save that for the black and white sort of, you know, press yeah. metaphor there, you know, about the band maybe. Try twice as hard and I'm half as liked. But here they come again to jack my style. I'm not sure who's jacking <laughs> his style exactly. Maybe One Republic or something. Probably, yeah. Uh, I sold my soul for this. Washed my hands of that for this. I miss my mum and dad for this. Now, yeah, it sounds like he's been on that gym class heroes tour bus for too long. Yeah. Those guys are hardcore, man. It's like G.G. Allen all over again. Just when you start to nod off, they're all throwing feces around and giving each other swastika tattoos. Absolutely. One of those guys is the driver, you know? You're like, dude, keep your eyes on the road. He's got, I've got blood running down the middle of my forehead from the Charlie Manson <laughs> tat that I'm exactly. inspired to give myself. But yeah, no, look... Uh, eight million for fun on the Spotify. We mentioned that fuck. before. This will cost you two dollars ninety. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I've heard a note 
of fun since this song. Is that fair enough? I Did they stay together? Did they break up? We have no idea. Honestly, I don't remember this song at all. I'd heard the other one pr- yep. before. This is the one I knew of the two. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'd um, heard, I think I'd heard that other one maybe once or twice, but no, I, I didn't know it was by anyone called Fun Full Stop. So they sort of showed up out of nowhere, had a couple mm. of hits, and then just disappeared off the face of the planet. And that's how I like it, Tom, because I don't really yeah. think I need to hear any more of their work again. Yeah. So Personally, I prefer the album Big Fun by Scatterbrain, which is <laughs> yeah, absolutely. a follow-up to Scamboogery, which... Uh, <laughs> no, sorry, it was the... Album before Scamblery yeah, yeah. featuring um, Don't Call Me Dude, I think. Correct, correct. No, um, I think I've got them, bro. I'll have to check. Sorry. All the Scatterbrain fans out there will come out. They'll be fucking coming at you. <laughs> uh, 6th of August for two weeks. It is Tom Boom Boom from the Justice Crew. <laughs> fucking hell, Ben. Remind me once more how many booms mm-hmm. was the optimal yep. number and does this fit in with the theory? Yep. Um, the optimum number is three which is the number used by Paul Lukakis in Boom, 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 Let's Go Back to My Room, uh, and the Out There Brothers in the seminal uh, Boom, 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 <laughs> Let Me Hear Say uh, Where, yes. Where, Boom, Boom, Boom. So uh, yes. three is the number used by Lukakis and the Out There Brothers, whereas, um, you know, Boom, 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 I Want You in My Room uh, by the Venga Boys. Ah, uh, yes, too many. Or was that Aqua? No, Venga Boys, Boys, they had boom, boom, boom. boom so boom, they boom. had four. Um, so there you go. So Justice Crew here have used two, so I don't think they've got enough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, John Lee Hooker had a song, Boom, Boom. Yeah. Uh, yes, and as his later work with U2 showed, he clearly wasn't up to the task of being well, a Well, I think when people say, <laughs> who's the better artist, John Lee Hooker or Paul Lukakis, most people fall onto the Paul Lukakis side of the yeah, fence. Yeah, unfortunately, so. uh, the Paul Lukakis song is just Boom, Boom. In the title, but in, in, the, the, t- in the actual uh, yes, song he no, says, you're Boom, right. Boom, Boom, Let's Go and Back to My It's room, weird so. that you should say that because a similar thing happens here. Um, look... Either way, look, to me this sounds a fuck sight like a song written and performed by people whose primary talent is breakdancing <laughs> as opposed to songwriting. Uh, in fact, their attention to musical detail doesn't seem to have turned up. The fairly obvious fact that the chorus says boom, 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 not boom, boom, but never mind. So they've done a, a Lukakis. They've, they could have had the three song title, the three yeah. boom, which might have propelled this you know, but unfortunately, with merely two booms in the title, they couldn't do it. Even but I adding an extra boom for the chorus. I, I know. I see you. I mentioned you've mentioned. Sorry, they say boom, boom, boom three times in the song. I think they do that sometimes, but then other bits of the song they only do it twice. Yes. Well, in the in the lyrics, it says both. But yeah. if it's if it does it in the if it does it in the song, I couldn't hear the the double boom. It must be lower down in the mix. But yeah. Yeah. Look All anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> this the is fact important is, details that need to be. The fact is that uh, <laughs> this doesn't have enough booms for me. <laughs> no, no, extra <laughs> booms would have improved. Uh, look, prime number, Cr- prime number booms is what you want. Yeah, look, but as you said, Tom, the Justice Crew for me don't have enough booms, and as you mentioned, they want Australia's got talent off the back of their breakdancing abilities, mm. so they have no fucking business whatsoever working as recording artists. So no, I think that's the point no, we need to don't. point out here. The problem is that Australia's got talent, Tom. They realise that it's impossible to monetize popping and locking. Um, <laughs> you know, what are they going to yeah. do with that? 
release an instructional dance VHS or some shit like that. That's so I true. guess they had to say, oh, fuck, the Justice crew, they've won this thing. What can we do? Dancing's almost mm. music. Let's just make the musicians. And that explains why not only this song is so shit, but weirdly, the choreography in the video clip is fucking garbage as well. Yeah, it's because they're better at breakdancing than they are recording themselves breakdancing. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Really, so. they should have... I would much rather watch a five-minute video of a dance battle between Justice Crew and the So Solid Crew than oh, listen to yeah. any song by either of those two acts yeah. uh, recorded it's independently. It's fucking audacious, though, for the Australians got talent sort of uh, producers or whatever to say, okay... We're going to make a TV show where... Okay, so X Factor is just singing and all the other things yeah. are just singing. Let's do a show where we can have singers, but we can also have, you know, poppers and lockers, some fucking dude yeah. doing, you know, magic tricks or something, someone doing a backflip off some shit, whatever the fuck may be. And then we're going to choose the winner of that and then they win the show. That's great. But, you know, Justice Crew won. They're the best purportedly the best people on there doing their oh. shit dancing but then why do you need to sort of have to parlay that into a music career couldn't they have just said yeah. alright guys just go to shopping centres and do your popping and locking shit and people are like going yeah rad that's great that's all we need to see from these guys so, absolutely they would probably have got a longer career frankly at this oh absolutely at this stage I yeah. mean you know hang on, I don't want to fucking know if Axel sorry if you I win, think, a... I think Axel only just realised that the Justice Crew were. From... Yeah. If you win a contest <laughs> as dancers, perhaps try and use that as a career doing dancing yes. or some sort of dance yes. orientated thing. Because this song's fucking garbage. It's terrible. I mean, let me ask you this: Do you think the Justice Crew uh, had more success at turning break dancing into pop rap? than Joel Turner did at turning beatboxing into a heartfelt indictment of society's indifference towards homeless street kids. It's, it's, a, it's a good question. I think I'm going with Joel Turner. Yep. I'm thinking that Joel Turner's beatboxing skills lent themselves to pop music better than the Justice Crew's ability to do a handstand oh, and wiggle their legs around. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm a big, much bigger Joel Turner fan mm. name of this stuff. Yeah, so. I'm sticking with Joel because it's a fucking shithouse. Tom, it sounds like a sort of wafer-thin Derulu knockoff who already sounds like a paper-thin Timberland knockoff. Oh, yeah. And Timberland wasn't Captain Original himself, quite frankly, as his name would suggest. Completely, completely right, Tom. Look, this is actually their fifth single, if you can believe that. Oh, um, none of the preceding four managed <laughs> to get anywhere near the top ten, so I'm surprised that whoever signed them kept this going this long, you know what I mean? Like... You've had four singles that no one gives a fuck about. Let's just keep going. So yeah. they even had a flow rider feature in one of their previous singles, which didn't help them. So, you know, wow. flow rider brought his same energy, but I guess when, you know, flow riders first forced to work with total garbage, you're not going to get much. Well, so. flow rider was King Midas at this point. Oh, you know, exactly. He's, he's, so he was having a brief window. If, he, gonna, if he couldn't turn this into gold, then nothing. How can. are we going to break this justice crew? Get the fucking flow rider <laughs> yeah. in and that doesn't work. You know, what are you going to do? So uh, their cover of CNC Music Factories, Everybody Dance Now, Tom, <sighs> didn't trouble the charts. How and dare you? I know. I'm offended on behalf of CNC <laughs> exactly. Music Factory. They did not deserve that shit. Um, that didn't trouble the charts. They wrote did things their... that make you go, hmm, thank yeah. you very oh, much. Oh, exactly. And either did their, uh, they released a single in 2019. That's their last single. So wow. they kept recording up till then. That didn't trouble the charts either. But the single just prior to their last <laughs> one, their second last single, uh, Pop Dat Buggle, 
So, uh, yes, pop dat buckle. I gather another blowjob type sure. anthem. Yep. Um, that reached 102 on the chart, so the Australian public had truly spoken by that stage. We don't need another song from a fucking dance posse. So no, but no, look, Tom, we do. you know, while we're here talking, you know, so highly of the Justice Crew, I think it's you know fair that we acknowledge the former members of the Justice Crew. <laughs> sure. We're paying, you know, tribute to the Justice Crew. Mm. But what about those that are no longer part of the Justice Crew? I don't want them to feel left out. So, look, they don't get the recognition they deserve. So, thanks for the memories, Scrap, Kid Taz, and E-Man. Um, the latter of which was unceremoniously dumped from the Justice Crew because, quote, a star player hogging the ball or wanting the spotlight isn't what the Justice Crew represents, Tom. So, he wanted... To hog the ball, I assume that's a metaphorical ball. There's no ball in a b-boxing crew, but uh, E-Man wanted the wanted the spotlight, mm. and the other Justice Crew just went, "No thanks, you're out of here." So there maybe you go. he put forward a suggestion at one of their band meetings in the cold car park around at yep. Winnie Blue that they should concentrate on writing a decent song instead of achieving a sort of all-around level of extreme mediocrity, and then got kicked <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, I'd, say so. I'd say so. Um, what sort of justice were they fighting for, Tom? Do you know that? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but you know, if it was the justice to get way further than a bunch of bloody, you know, okay breakdancers deserve to get, they've done it. Then they've achieved that. They've achieved that goal. Yeah. Um, look, lyrically, uh, they're surprisingly good. No, no, they're not. <laughs> Damn, girl, you're a 10, oh my, and you keep looking at me. No wings, but you so fly. If you got a man, tell him bye, bye, bye. Good. I think that might be the third wings fly metaphor in the whole song. Yep. Different lines. Just It's just like that's the only metaphor any of them knew, and they all used it in their four lines. Yeah. And that's the best verse in the song. Everything else is less imaginative <laughs> than that. This is a massive step down from Paul the Carcass's boom, boom, let's go back oh, to my is, room. Yeah. Although he did give people HIV on purpose, so swings and roundabouts, but, you know... When yeah. you're listening to this song, you start thinking, well, they do have some pretty good drugs for HIV these days. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Look, much like Justice Crew having no business releasing pop music, if you're HIV positive, you probably have no business working as a male escort, but look, mm, that's okay. Mm, as you I'll mentioned, as you mentioned, so. like, good drugs in there in the HIV space, so Paul Akakis, he's probably okay by most people these days. Um... Look, uh, Justice Crew still have 500,000 listeners on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And Tom, this is going to cost you 20 bucks. Fuck. Yep. Wow. I'm guessing that's because they did release it on CD at the very tail end, but they printed about six of them. Yep. Uh, one I think for there was only one. Justice Crew. <laughs> one or two. And they're all selling their copies uh, on yeah, the internet exactly. for 20 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> so there weren't many copies available for sale in the Discogs, like one or two. But yeah, the dude that was trying to sell it just went 20 bucks for that shit. So power to that guy. Okay, Tom, up next, uh, 20th of August for six weeks. That's a month and a half. Six weeks. It's uh, Battle Scars by Guy Sebastian and Luke Fiasco. <laughs> There's Axel reminding us that Guy Sebastian is, of course, possibly our longest-lasting fucking reality TV show. 
person. Uh, he won the. Did he win the first season? Of, yeah, it was probably it was around two thousand and two thousand and two ish. Yeah. Wasn't it? So, so he's managed he's a been decade. Cranking for ten years at this yeah. point. So it's okay. on the charts, not just you know yeah. out the back of a band handing out ice cold cans for Nova FM. Yeah. Uh, I said we had Kelly Clarkson last year, yep. and she has been around since the first season of Australian Idol, like yep. American Idol. So she might be older, but she's um, American, obviously. Um, so yeah, still getting a lot of guys Sebastian work now, yep. but um, it's been a while since we've heard anything from Scandalous Tom. So <laughs> I'm sure. not sure they'll probably I'm, pop up next I'm week. Keeping I assume, an ear so, out, yeah. Yep. Or Robert uh, Millsy Mills, <laughs> um, where's he at <laughs> these days? I'm not who sure. Who's that twat who did sounds like woe? Feels like whoa. He's, I'm sure he's still <laughs> kicking it in that guy. Guy. Is that the guy Third that changed his name because he did, yep. didn't want to be associated with <laughs> yes. uh, any sort of like shit like Maston? He was one of the yep. newer generation that realised too late that being on reality TV show actually hurts was your a career. Bad idea. If yeah. you ever have any hope of credibility, exactly. Um, look, this is it, Ben. This is the high watermark of what historians will refer to as the Sebastian wave. Yep. Uh, six weeks at the top of the charts doing an okay song with a then popular and artistically credible American artist Lupe Fiasco of yep. Push Kit Push Fame. Uh, he even co-wrote it with David Ryan Harris, who also worked with him on Like It Like That, which is my previous favourite of his songs that we've covered so far, Low Bar That It May Be. And Lupe <laughs> Fiasco provided the dope raps. Uh, yeah, the Sebastian Wave crested at getting a song to number 71 on the US Billboard mm. charts with this one. And he did sell a million copies in America, which wow. is pretty decent for an ex-Idol contestant. A lot of them would be lucky to sell a million copies of anything ever. Yep. Um, and he still looks like a school kid extra from home and away well into his 30s. Yeah, indeed. Uh, um, yeah. Was Lupe Fiasco, was he forced to work on this? Was it some sort of like, <laughs> you know... No, I think it's more that... Uh, Guy Sebastian was at the very apex and Lupe was kind of dipping down from okay. this earlier. His heyday had been a few years before this. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Lupe vanished from the charts quickly enough that I thought maybe he'd been caught with his fingers in a publicist or something. Okay. But no, he's still putting out music. He just seems to care less about the charts than yeah. Guy Sebastian. He still so. works. He, he, was, he was always kind of a... I don't even know what the word is because I'm not cool enough, but the, the term for like alternative hip hop, yeah. it's kind of like like sort of indie hip hop, like non, yeah. you know, mainstream. And he had a few mainstream hits, but I don't think he ever was like, he didn't seem to want to be the next Kanye or something like that. He, yeah, so yeah. he just keeps doing sort of his own stuff. And, well, even yeah. dudes like Kanye are sort of um, operating outside of the mainstream these days. A little bit, like yeah. Him, so. He he wants both. That's the Kanye problem. He yeah. wants massive commercial success, but he also wants critical... Yeah. He wants people to think he's a legitimate artistic genius as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of... Yeah, that's it. But you're right. Like, I think most sort of... Um, not every rapper wants to have a number one hit. They're just quite no. happy to sort of... Some um, people like the gym class heroes are content to, you know, exist yeah. outside the mainstream. <laughs> exactly. On a tour bus at 3am doing bongs. Yeah, plus you can sort of... Um, you can make a, a very decent living just touring and having... Releasing oh, good music yeah. that's not, that yeah. doesn't have any sort of pop appeal. So... Um, yeah, Lupe, not sure what he's up to now, but um, as you said, still still going. Yeah, no, capacity. he's still doing stuff. He just uh, got less mainstream over yeah. time. What's, yeah. Um, yeah, look, we've spoken about Guy a lot 
Um, don't know if I have much more to say about the guy. I was going to ask if you feel like you've gotten your own battle scars from listening to a decade of reality TV hits from already <laughs> forgotten artists in 2012, let alone 10 years later. You'll see what Tim used to go with this. But, um, oh, look, to be honest, um, they're getting... Le- the, the, I think the problem is that some of them were so shit that they were funny and how terrible they yeah. were for example like scandalous scandalous <laughs> just like, that's just comically garbage um, but we've entered a period now where yeah. a, a lot of the ones we've listened to recently they're just very boring yes they've figured out how to sort of polish yeah. them polish the turd to the point yeah. where they sound sort of like C tier American stuff and it just yeah, yeah like it's kind of like oh hey what's popular now Oh, Beyonce. Okay, Gary, can you write something that sounds a bit like Just Beyonce? And it's off. like an F-tier Beyonce. Yeah. And then the winner comes in and does it, and it's like, that's just really boring. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of what we're left with now. But look, um, this one, probably, it's definitely one of Guy's better songs. Yeah, it's not terrible, you know. Uh, yeah. And I, I quite liked Lupe Fiasco at the time. Mm. Like I said, I haven't followed him since he was on the charts, but I liked his, his earlier hits and... Yeah, exactly. this isn't too bad. It's the kind of thing, and yeah, it's sort of achieved like BT, uh, not classic rock, but like um, uh, dressing room uh, playlist, you yeah. know, stuff when you go to a clothes shop. So you still hear this kind of thing <laughs> in Target occasionally, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not going to be, in 10 years' time, I doubt this will be on any, um, you know, uh, AOR radio playlist, but for now it's kind of you know it's sort Look, of. Look, Tom, I'm not hearing it on Cole's radio, and I think that's sort of um, an indicator of where it's heading. If I was at the checkout uh, trying to remember whether I'd bought eggs or not, yep. and looking at the flannies on the side of the checkout counter because I'm in Tasmania and they still sell yep. three packs at the checkout, yep. uh, then I would probably. I probably I wouldn't run back in to get eggs just in no. case I got a double load of eggs, but yep. I wouldn't run out of the store either the way I would if, say, um, Blow Me by Pink came on. I think I'd just leave it a regular sort of... Yes. You'd, just, you'd go about your business in a regular yeah. fashion. Correct. That's what this is. It's, an, it's, <laughs> a, it's a go about your business at the checkout yes. type song. Um, did Guy pen some memorable lyrics that will stay with you for life, Tom? Um, yeah, well, as mentioned, at least he sort of co-wrote this, so I'm not sure what percentage of them he did, but at least he was involved. Uh, it's a pretty standard, uh, uh, what was what my trinity? Uh, number three, uh, I wish you weren't banging someone else. Ah, yes. Song, uh. And just leave then, you shouldn't have, but you said it, and I hope you never come back. It shouldn't have happened, but you let it. Now you're down on the road screaming medic. The only thing that comes is the post-traumatic stresses, shields, body armors, and vests. Don't properly work, that's why you're in a locker full of hurt. Shout out, movie yep. reference. Uh, the enemy within, and all the fires from your friends, the best medicine is to probably just let her win. Mm. Uh, that's not too bad. That's Lupe uh, doing some raps, uh, yep. not... Um, not, not guy. Not guy doing the choruses, so he doesn't get any credit for that. I should have checked that first. Uh, much like the band Fun, Lupe was smart enough to realise that Pat Benatar was right 40 years ago when that she said that love is a battlefield. Correct, yeah. I'm not sure about love, but getting to the bar on uni night at the saloon was certainly a lot like going over the top during World War One <laughs> trench warfare, although the mudfields of Passchendaele had more hygienic toilet facilities. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why I decided to say that, but it seemed like something that needed to be mentioned. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I think I, I just always associate love and seduction with the uh, saloon bar on uni night. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of people met their, you know, wife or husband at the saloon. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I'm sure maybe. they did. Yes, I'm sure uh, many children were born there, whether or not, or conceived there, whether or not they were um, looked after by the two people <laughs> who were involved in the uh, toilets or not. I'm a lot not of sure. adopted children were probably <laughs> conceived there, I'm not sure. I did once leave there by climbing out onto the rooftop and running home over the roofs like I was Batman. Really? Mm. How far did you get? I got all the way home. I did. <laughs> where, had, where did you jump off? There was a window on the upstairs level that just went out onto the roof and I just climbed out. It was a full moon and Where'd it just looked really on that cool. Street? I lived in the city, so I just climbed across rooftops till I could get down. And yeah. Good. We tried it again later on uh, because I crapped on about how much fun it was and then we got about two roofs across from a different place and then all got in trouble because we heard an alarm go off and then we didn't actually get in trouble. We heard an alarm go off and ran away and then uh, the police came and asked us if we'd seen anyone climbing on the roofs and we uh, played played dumb, which was yeah. easy to do because we were all fucking 19 and thick as shit. Yeah. So, yeah, That's look, good. anyway, I was just uh, trying to draw allusions to the fact that he's decided to go with the battle yeah. love metaphor. Uh, yeah, it's good to hear that. Oh, I think this song is about fleeing out of the window of a nightclub, so, <laughs> um, from what I understand. Uh, two million for Guy. He's an Australian... He's, a, he's an Ike... He's a... Basically, John Farnham these days is an mm-hmm. icon. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, 4.5 mil. Yep. Double the guy. And this would cost you a dollar eighty-one, which is better value, but um, I still would not pay that much. Sure. How for many this. for guy? Uh, two million. Two million. All right, that's good for an Australian. Pretty good. Who was on reality TV. All right, Tom, um, up next for one week. Uh, sorry, first of October, six weeks. Um, oh. Gangnam Style by Psy. Yes. How's that? That's pretty good. Of course, I was joking before when I said that Korean guy who did Gangnam Style because everybody knows it was by Psy. Oh, look. um, You couldn't avoid that piece of information. I never need to hear this again in my life (laughs) um, because at the time, it was uh, everywhere for what seemed like fucking forever. Mm, Um, mm. And, but... (laughs) The reason I don't need to hear it again is because I've heard it about a billion times in my life. But this was a cultural phenomenon and a oh, real it, one. It was. Not like today where a kid jumping off a garbage bin into a pool um, mm. soundtrack by the Spin Doctors is a cultural True. phenomenon on TikTok. True. No, it, like was, just, it, was a legitimate... it was a legit thing where people were like, yeah. people were starting to Google where South Korea was. Yes. People were like, what's, what's South Korea? What is this? International hit, you know, like in a way that you really don't get very much no. anymore. No, you know, exactly. we have like, you know, you'll see something will happen in the Western world sometimes, but that doesn't mean you don't see them on a talk show in Russia and Uzbekistan and China Whereas this was just everywhere in the whole world. Yep. I, I think I lost track of the number of times I saw him showing someone on TV how, how to, to do, do that, that dance, yep, exactly. you know, um, which is pretty good for a song that's not about a dance. He just does yep. that dance in the video. It's not like the Macarena where no. it's kind of like, hey, watch how to do this. Although, <laughs> as we talked about before, the Macarena wasn't actually about how to do the song either. It was about a chick banging oh, a couple of dudes something. while her husband was in the army. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was a weird one. <laughs> but look, you could uh, battle scars, Guy Sebastian featuring Lupe Fiasco, mm. 
you could have avoided that. You could you could be at oh, a yeah. point in your life now, no. uh, ten years on, where you've never heard that song yeah. before in your life. But I don't think there's anyone alive no. that well, was alive in 2012 that didn't hear this song. No, about was 20 never... episodes ago, I mentioned we would. I think it was the first song we talked about with Guy Sebastian, and I said this song, Battle Scars, was this high watermark, and I couldn't remember. Who else was in the song? What it was called, or what it sounded like? I just remember, like, which isn't even enough to Google it. No, true. So, but so I just remember that it existed at yep. some point. Whereas, yeah, in this. twenty years, people will still remember fucking Gangnam Style. Oh, they I will. I mean, it's it, even uh, if yeah. it's only because their parents will embarrass them by doing that dance at their wedding after they've yep. had six mojitos. Or because I'm sure you're going to mention it um, soon, but yeah, I mean, obviously, it has a, a very iconic. Uh, video too <laughs> sure does yeah about. even aside from the dance mm. yeah like personally I have to admit I like you say I probably don't need to ever hear this it, like it, it's it's not an offensive song but I've I, yeah I heard it so many times that I pretty much never hear it again personally I prefer his follow up single Daddy have you <laughs> have you heard that one <laughs> I have yes <laughs> it's pretty nuts it's exactly the kind of ridiculous but ridiculously listenable four-minute dance floor banger that the 17-member team involved in Justice Crew single failed to create even yeah. vaguely. The video is also fucking insane. It's uh, size head crudely deep-faked onto a dozen different phases of his life from being a baby to an adult. Yeah. Uh, it also contains the line, you be my curry, I'll be your rice, yeah. which I'm planning to use in the vows at my wedding ceremony after <laughs> Kat Dennings finally realises she's married the wrong man. Oh, fuck, it's Andrew WK, isn't it? There's no way I can compete with that. Uh, well, maybe uh, I'll say it to myself in the mirror before I go out yeah. next time. Uh, yeah, but that said, this is a pretty rad video. I think we can agree. Yeah, I think it was directed by the guy who made Parasite, you know, or something. Sorry, that's my racist Korean joke. Uh, <laughs> what are your favourite parts of the video, Ben? Oh, look, yeah, as you said, I don't think this would have been anywhere near as successful without the video. No, um, it's pretty great. In fact... Um, I think without the video, it might not have been uh, much of a hit outside of South Korea. And the reason I say that is because um, I do remember that, yeah, as, as we said at the start, this was very much a viral thing where yes. people were like, hey, have you seen that video? Yeah. And I was like, what? You know, is it's some a, South it's Korean the elements, thing? So. It's, the, it's a, more than the sum of its parts. Yep. You've got this catchy song that's kind of weird. Yep. It's got a weird sort of breakdown chorus which happens to have English words that people yep. can sing along even though the rest of the song is in it's Korean. In Korea, yeah. It's got a weird sort of odd silly video. Yep. It's got the crazy dance that he does in the, that's repeated all the way through the song and I think I think also equally importantly he doesn't look like some, it's not like some cool K-pop guy no. with a fringe or 17 of them as is now the fashion. Yep. It's this kind of middle-aged looking guy with a bit of a chub on, yep. you know? <laughs> like, exactly. he, he really does... At several points in the video, he's wearing, like, a suit or, like, a suit with the vest off, like a, a yep. white shirt. And he looks like someone's uncle at a wedding who's yep. remembered this dance that he used to know how to do, sort of... And he's kind of leaning into that. Like, he's sort of... He knows how dorky he looks you know I get the idea that exactly yeah. so I think 2000, Those elements 2012 together, you know. we're at the territory now where uh, everyone has a smartphone yeah or if they don't yes most people our yeah. age have we're a viral ready at this so point. someone says have you seen that video there's some dude doing a wacky dance it's mm -hmm. all crazy you can at least you can you might be like oh that's not really my thing but after 10 dudes say yep. whatever 
you watch it and go, oh, that was kind of funny or whatever. Um, so everyone has seen this and then it got to the point where, um, yeah, it obviously broke out from just being a hit in South Korea to now it's been viewed fucking so many times. It's crazy. But yeah, and as you said, um, I think a part of the appeal is that yes, the typical Korean boy band is, yeah, seven dudes or whatever that are all, you know, extraordinarily, you know, in good shape, great physical yep. condition. All look about 16. Yep. Whereas yep. Um, this is, you're right, it's a bit of a sort of a chubby uncle <laughs> dad dude. Yeah. So yep. I think that's part of the appeal. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of wacky. But yeah, look, I remember when this came out, I remember seeing it going, that's pretty fun. Um, my favorite part of the video, sorry to answer your question, Tom, <laughs> is where it's, I think though it might almost be knocked off a little bit from a Blink-182 video where he's sort of sitting there, he's doing a singing and then they zoom out and he's taking a shit on the shitter. Yes, so that's that, funny. That but will they, never I think, not be funny. But, but I think, I'm pretty sure Blink One Eight Two did that in uh, what's that? Um, the one where they're a boy all band. the small things. I think like yeah. the dude sitting there and they zoom out and he's taking a shit. But um, so size ripped that off from um, the guy that believes in aliens. But sure. um, anyway, it's all good. Yeah, uh, my top three bits are. Uh, the bit with him in a tuxedo and Sonny's between hot chicks walking towards the camera in slow motion, sort of bad oh, but boy it's like style. a wind tunnel. It's like, but, is that that Yeah, one, and or? then there's a fan blowing their hair back, sort of Roger Vadura style. Yeah. But then, for no reason, someone starts feeding, like, detergent foam into the fan, and they all get totally oh, splattered yeah. with white crap. Yeah. It looks like they've flown through a bird strike or something like But that's all... But when they're walking towards the camera as well, it's just, like, garbage flying everywhere. Yeah, it starts... Off, and then yeah. they just get kind of splattered with uh, yeah. number two the bit with this sort of fairly conservatively dressed women doing an aerobics class like it's not it's not uh, call on me or anything it just looks like a normal aerobics class and then one chick bends over and Sai appears and he's so excited with her ass that he just screams at it from like three inches away yeah <laughs> Screaming this kind of terror paroxysm of terror. <laughs> she doesn't notice that happening. Um, and I like the bit in the car park elevator oh, yeah. where the doors open and there's just a guy in shorts and like those horrible kind of plastic sandals is just riding Sai like a horse. Yeah. But like waving while the doors open at, in real time and then just slowly close again. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of it. There's also a pretty good bit where Sai Passed in the background in a speedboat dancing, but yeah. it's not like some rap video speedboat, it's just like one of those little trailer sized speedboats where there's just like one little guy with a yeah. steering wheel and he's in the back. And it's not a sunny day, it's like a sort of grey day. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. people dancing and he just putters like fast in the background. <laughs> I think it's um, oh, it's got it all. This video, it's kind of it's a little bit uh, you know, what, what you would think about modern. TikTok sort of stuff where you know very very short videos but this seems sort of yeah. like a lot of short ideas of like oh wouldn't it be funny if you know yeah I was out in the water and the day was a bit shit and whatever wouldn't it be funny if I was in an elevator doing this and it's also the juxtaposition of like some of the classier bits where something's yeah. a bit fancy happening slash then that's, you know, straight into getting hit in the face with garbage. And then all of a sudden it's something else where he's like doing a choreographed dance routine in the car park. Then it's um, him under a bridge and something gets blown up. And it's yeah. sort of, so it's all these little sort of short bits put together think, where you didn't know what was going to come next. Yeah, so. I think, I mean, you probably would have heard this too at the time, but like supposedly, although it's not really reflected in the lyrics, 
but then I'm not from Korea, no. South Korea, so what would I know? But supposedly it's kind of a bit of a piss take of the idea of this fancy section of uh, Seoul yeah. where um, kind of the upmarket. In the video, there's a lot of sort of people with fascinators on, horse racing, yes. the kind yes. of stuff that rich people entertain themselves. And although there's a lot of dorky fashion, it looks like the kind of dorky fashion that's probably really expensive. You know, yep. that sort of weird, like the plastic sandals. They're probably fucking Gucci plastic sandals that cost $1,000, shit yeah. like that. And I, I think that's why there's that sort of constant repetition of people being undercut with silly behaviour, you yep. know. Yeah, and I think maybe the horse thing comes from the... Like, I know a lot of Asian countries do seem to like horse racing quite a lot. I know oh, Singaporeans yeah. and shit and the Japanese love horse racing too. So maybe that's got something to do with it. But like I said, I'm not I'm not South Korean. I just heard that in some interviews, yeah. you know. But yeah. I think gang, Gangnam's a place, isn't yes, it? Or like it a, is. It's a lot or like a, a, fa- like a, a, a local market. Um, yeah. It's part of, of yeah. Anyway, um, look, after all the viral fuss and the talk show shenanigans of the song, re-listening to it 10 years on, like, what do you think? You still, you don't need to hear it anymore? <laughs> um, I don't, but when I did listen to it, a uh, lot better than I remember. Yeah, me too. And by that I me mean, too. a lot of these songs, you know, that are, that are, vir- are viral songs, you listen to it and go, oh, that was a shitty gimmick novelty song or that yeah you know, or it's oh, got one good bad. bit that people like but this is stuff. still sort of like you know if if I'm at a party or something and someone put it on ironically I wouldn't be mad no you know I mean? no um, it, it but, sounds like effort has been put yeah, into it yeah I'm know? not I'm not yeah. I'm not sitting at home going oh what do I want to listen to I'm, no. I'm going to throw this <laughs> on but uh, you know if I did have to hear it again not too angry about it. If if someone said, "Hey, for a, if I was doing drawing and I wasn't listening, was listening to YouTube or whatever," and someone said, "Hey, let's put on a whole Psy album and see what it sounds like," I'd go, "All right, sure, I'm Absolutely. curious." Absolutely, I've got forty five yeah. minutes. That's uh, you know, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> for disposable pop dance, I'd put this well above most of the shit from the last five years. Yeah, and sure, two billion views on YouTube seems a bit excessive. But this is a fuck sight more re-listenable than One Republic, the Baby Shark song, or In Love with the Cunting Shape of You. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know when you look this up, Tom, but it's actually at four point five billion wow, views now. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that crazy. I think at the time it had two oh, billion because yeah, yeah. it was the initial the the holder for. I yeah, guess, was, was it the, f- the first song to crack to a billion? Crack a billion was it? Yeah. I think, yeah, but yeah, four point five now. I think um, what Baby Shark's the number one song now, isn't it? On yes, YouTube. yeah. But that's also because it goes for two minutes, and it's just parents putting it on yeah. a loop because their kids are yeah. like more, more. Depressingly, more. I think Shape of You was the number one actual oh, okay. non-kid well, song. song that is, yeah. Um, the other slightly depressing thing about this kind of, I think I've mentioned this before, but mm. as going back to what you were saying about. Uh, songs moving from moving into YouTube, you know, moving from like physical, yeah. uh, you know, copies, and also you know the way things are a viral hit via YouTube instead of via you know musical yeah. sales. I can't, I won't pretend to remember the exact figures, but I do remember seeing that the money that Cy made from this, people worked out or at the time anyway. The like, <laughs> even though. The majority of people would have listened to this on YouTube mm. with music sales a distant second. Then, like, the money he made from this was corporate sponsorship mostly, yeah, with CD sales a distant second and YouTube monetization a 
far distant third, you know, like yep. a very small percentage of this. So we've officially, we're at this point, reached the point where if you want to go viral or you want to get popular, you've got to be on YouTube, but yep. fuck making any money from that. If you want to make money, if you want to monetize that, you have to monetize it outside of YouTube or Spotify because they're not going to be paying. He still purportedly made... Um about $10 million, though, yeah. off yep. uh, YouTube views. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in the end, he probably yeah. did, but yeah. I mean, there are... there are. I, I realise there are other ways to make money off YouTube than just clicks. Yeah. You know, but yeah, anyway, I'm just saying. He made a lot more money getting a Korean mobile phone company yeah, to sponsor course, him yeah. than he did from actually selling records. Yeah. Which is a bit rich when 2 billion people have listened to the song. But, yeah. Now, Tom, um, after the song had gone viral as you'd mentioned, mm-hmm. and had a lot of plays. Um, it gets to a point in time where, I guess, the the viral nature of it starts to fade a bit. You reach peak viral, you mm. know, people sharing it to their friends, etc., etc. But once everyone has seen it, uh, then, you know, you can't really expand on your audience because it's just the whole world has yes. effectively seen it. Critical so mate. it started to fade a bit. So Cy thought, I need to give this a fresh coat of paint. Yeah. Um, so he teamed up with MC Hammer at the 2012 <laughs> American Music Awards to perform the song in a medley with Hammer's Too Legit to Quit. They did the routine again uh, on the ABC's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Wow. So do you think that this song, Gangnam Style and Too Legit to Quit, make a good mashup? <laughs> Should Sive also made the music video go for 25 minutes with a massive sort of uh, intro of him just going, Sive's quit the game. With James Brown. With yeah. Bill Murray coming going, you know, so, no, not even like, uh, or everyone was on that video clip, but like F grade sports stars and just sort of like, maybe Guy Sebastian going, Shawnee B going, Sive's quit the game. And everyone's going, ah. I'd like to think that Sai would have thought that was funny. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Sai, we haven't heard a lot from him since then, but he never needs to work again, does he, off the back of this effect? I wouldn't have thought so. I'm assuming he has fans in South oh, Korea. Oh, exactly. Like, he he can just... He had his moment of international fame yeah. where everyone in the world knew who the dude was. Then after that, it was obviously going to fade away. He can still crank out songs in South Korea. I'm sure he can perform in front of big audiences. That's sure. great. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, you know, if he has to quit tomorrow, he's, he's done enough of this. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I like, I hope that a lot of, because obviously this is far from being a one man show. I'm sure that a lot of, uh, mm. production people and dancers and collaborators got cash off this too as well. Yep. You know, and I mean, he's not even above trying to resurrect MC Hammer's career. No, exactly. You know, so, so good on him. A part of <laughs> MC Hammer Charitable Foundation since got he got kicked out of his uh, pumps in a bump mansion. He needs all the help <laughs> he, he does. Can get. Uh, lyrics, all right, well, written by Sai and frequent collaborator Yu Gun Hyung, entirely in Korean except for the words, hey, sexy lady, baby, and you know what I'm saying, uh, and Gangnam Style, sort of, I guess, yep. which in terms of English legibility still puts it well above the average Fergie song. <laughs> it sure but does. you know me, Ben, I can't resist a spurious internet translation of a pop hit, so here goes. Um, yeah. A girl who looks quiet but plays when she plays. A girl who puts her hair down when the right time comes. A girl who covers herself but is more sexy than a girl who bears it all. A sensible girl like that. I'm a guy, a guy who seems calm but plays when he plays. A guy who goes completely crazy when the right time comes. A guy who has bulging ideas rather than muscles. (laughs) That kind of guy. 
Beautiful, lovable, yes you, hey, yes you, hey, beautiful, lovable, now let's go until the end, Gangnam style. Nice. So, you know, I'm not sure, as I said, I'm not sure whether that's supposed to be a satirical in some way, whether he's taking the piss out of those ideas or the way they're presented or not, but yeah. Look, maybe the video does all the talking. Yeah. I'm prepared to concede that we may well be missing a lot in translating a dissimilar Asian language into English, but it sounds like the lyrics made a batch make about as much sense as the average Western dance song, e.g. not much. Um, yeah. As is also sometimes the case with Western hits, the themes of the song seem a lot more obvious when you've got the video to lean on. I mean, let's be honest, without the video, the Metallica song One is just James Hetfield growling like a dog playing tug of war for eight minutes and occasionally yelling landmine Indeed. over some shredding, you know. And I'm here for that. I'm just saying, you know, if I hadn't seen that video, I wouldn't have necessarily known it was about someone who'd had all their arms and legs blown off. No. No one would have known. <laughs> no. Well, unless they had the Parsed t-shirt with the full lyrics written on the back That's so true. your grade 7 high homeroom teacher could read it. Exactly. Um, six mil. Six mil. Okay. That's so not that much. That's do... only three times more than Guy Sebastian yeah. for a guy who was the number one hit on YouTube. But I'm not sure. I mean... Smaller audience. And also I don't know whether... Um, there's other streaming services in South Korea that are more popular. For sure, example. sure. So, or I guess know, it might be popular that possible yeah. that just no one in the world outside of Korea has heard any of his other oh, songs. Oh, that's true. Exactly. <laughs> Six minutes is probably pretty good. Exactly. I think I only watched Daddy because I lived with a girl who was quite weird, but I'm glad <laughs> I did. Because <laughs> now I've got the line, you be my curry, I'll be your price yeah. to full And $2.90. $2.90. Okay. Sounds okay. Um, 12th of November for two weeks. You ready, Tom? Sure am. Um, don't you worry, child, by the Swedish house mafia. Uh, yes, I did remember this one. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, fuck that Derulo bullshit. This is actual old school big room techno or house, I guess, if you prefer. Uh, Swedish House Mafia is a Swedish house music supergroup consisting of Axwell, Steve Angelo and Sebastian Ingrosso, formed in 2007 along with Eric Prids who left shortly after they Ooh. came together. Now all of those people uh, would be known to your Ministry of Sound types or would have been known 10 years ago. Well, we know Prids off the back of um, yep. his classic video. Sure, <laughs> yes, that's right. He knew class. Call on me. He knew class when he saw it. <laughs> yeah, but all of those people tour independently and yep. stuff anyway. As this video suggests, uh, they broke up shortly after this song, uh, which was their biggest hit, uh, number one in Australia, UK, Sweden, and top ten all over Europe. Five million copies sold in the US. Uh, that said, predictably, they reunited at the end of the 2010s and released their first studio album, Paradise, again this year, uh, 2022, I mean. Uh, yeah, did you watch the video? I did, yeah. It's um, crazy how big there were the people, like it's how many people there were. Pretty um, nuts, isn't it's it? It's insane. Yeah. Um, so they released their first album this year. So prior to that, they'd only just released singles, basically. Uh, they? Or well, something? what dance acts would often do is they would do sort of like the dance collection, dance equivalent of mixtapes, e.g. Okay. yep. A, like like d DJ sets, but some of the songs would be other people's songs with which they'd remixed, remixed or yep. mixes of, you know, or, yeah, so they'd be like, yeah, so the, an actual... So a lot of mixtapes and singles and EPs. Yeah, like and collections but, and but stuff, no but their first album. actual album, yeah. 
Yep. I know that seems weird <laughs> that your album comes out 10 years after your video documenting you breaking up. It's a bit strange. But, but yeah, that, that was the thing that I noticed about this sort of watching. That. And I remember this music video from the time when it yeah. came out. Like I remember, the, remember this song from when it was uh, first released. And watching that... It was sort of interesting. It's like they're playing in front of this insanely massive audience. Yeah, it's They've crazy. got this song and some of their other biggest hits of their career, and then it's just like, oh yeah, we're giving it away. Like, <laughs> but did people know that they were retiring? Like, was that it? Like, we're we're retiring, so everyone just went, oh, we better go to this show because oh, this is the yeah. last time we'll see them. We're going to buy a copy of this single because it's, you know, or was it sort of a bit of just, no, this was just a good song that people liked? I think it was a massive festival. Yeah. Uh, and, and so were, yeah. they decided, hey, we'll go out on a high, we'll film our yep. thing at this thing. But that doesn't change the fact that, yeah, I mean, like, well, like, oh, yeah, the video starts with a newsreader announcing the breakup of the Swedish House Mafia. Uh, you know how the 7.30 report is always crapping on about European EDM <laughs> collectives dissolving. Yeah, and then we night. cut back to the halcyon days of 2005, oh. a whole seven years earlier, <laughs> back when DJs still used CDs to mix their songs and the house mafia were only 28 instead of 35. Ah, what a time. <laughs> well, at least the video does serve to highlight, as I mentioned, one cultural artefact that might seem hard to imagine for future generations the sheer arena-filling sizes of crowds that fairly average prog house DJs were able to attract in the aughts and 90s and 2010s. Seriously, it looks like fucking Michael Jackson came back from the dead for one night only. I think there's 60,000 people in the crowd, for real. Uh, Unfortunately, their next concert in Dublin was less successful when nine separate people got stabbed for reasons that authorities are still unclear on. Uh, perhaps they shouldn't have played that collaboration with Knife Party. <laughs> they did actually do a collaboration with Knife Party. They did. But no, yeah, so yeah, this was the, pretty much the end of their... It was a sign-off. The video makes it look like their last show, but they uh, they did a Second few others. last, yeah. But yeah, and I'm sure they all kept touring. I mean, if you could get paid to tour as a DJ, why the fuck wouldn't you? I mean... Yeah, Apart exactly. from not killing yourself with ecstasy, it would be the easiest job in the fucking yeah. world. Look, um, I wasn't sure if that news report at the start of the video clip was a fake one, like the MC <laughs> Hammer video clip we talked about recently, but um, I think it was real. Like The Hammer one, too legit to quit, was definitely not real, because I don't think I've seen... Uh, James Brown James present Brown sports present, report. Exactly. <laughs> no. um, yeah. But look... Uh, I mean, it could have been... It might have been like MTV Music News or yeah. something like that, but yeah. Yeah, so as you mentioned, this was just sort of... Um, Swedish House Mafia was just effectively DJs that just got together to record yeah. songs. Yeah, so, so Which was, yeah, put their, put their collective talents together yes. um, to do this, but... Um, is this song, Don't You Worry Child itself as a song, is this a better song than uh, From Miami to Ibiza? <laughs> By the Vingles? Swedish Ma- House Mafia. Oh, okay. They do a song called that. Miami to Ibiza. <laughs> well, I mean, there, a, was a, there was a five to ten year period where it was uh, legally, uh, you were legally obligated to reference Ibiza in at least... 50% of the songs on your collection. Yeah, exactly. If you were any sort of DJ and Miami on at least three. So, yeah. I yeah. think there was an express plane flight 
that went from Miami to Ibiza where there were no <laughs> seats. It was just one giant rave party. And yeah, yeah. some people never realized they were on a plane. They thought they were still in Ibiza yeah. before they stepped out and realized they were on the front lawn outside a visibly confused pit bull's house. Well, yeah, I mean, Flo Rider was the pilot. So I guess <laughs> you're, right. you're thankful you're on that's drugs. Right. You don't want to know that. Um, what about the lyrics to this? Um, look, EDM doesn't always have the best, uh, you know, track no, record for lyrics, no, but it doesn't, uh, some suggested that Swedish house mafia were a double bluff cover for agents of the Swedish real mafia <laughs> and the stabbings at the Dublin festival were a way of finally eliminating enemies of the organized crime gang yep. by sending them counterfeit VIP contest tickets to an Irish progressive house festival and then shanking <laughs> them in the boom room when they were distracted by Distracted by three pink Mitsubishis and a podium dancer's furry cans. But yeah, those people were wrong. They were And they were proved wrong because of the excellence of the lyrics. Yep. Uh, Unlike a lot of house music, this does actually have normal verses and chorus, provided by songwriter John Martin, who's not normally in the band. But uh, there was a time I met a girl of a different kind. We ruled the world. I thought I'll never lose her out of sight. We were so young. I think of her now and then. I still hear the songs reminding me of a friend. Up on the hill, across the blue lake, that's where I had my first heartbreak. I still remember how it all changed. My father said, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. Heaven's got a plan for you. Mm. Apparently, this was something uh, that his John Martin's dad actually used to say to him. I okay. guess Heaven's plan was that he write lyrics for dance music and have a centre part with designer Stubble. Uh, I've heard worse plans from heaven, you know, like, I don't know, strap these explosives to your chest and walk into that shopping centre. So, yeah, I suppose we should be grateful that occasionally he's more on the progressive house front. Oh, look, I think if God or Jesus was more on the progressive house front, it would be a positive, I think. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, look, I'm thinking of fashioning something my dad used to say to me to a Eurodance hit. What's for dinner, child? Shit on a stick. It's uh, something along those lines. Yeah, I can what's do. What's for dinner? Uh, what's for dinner, child? Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going, child. Don't put that in your mouth. Yep. What have I told you about doing that, etc. Exactly. So look, um, Swedish House Mafia, 20 mil. Uh, John Martin, 4 mil. And um, $18.70 for this. That's what I mean. So, 20 mil. And so that's two um, mil less than fucking who was it? Who did we? Eighteen seventy is expensive, but it's cheaper than uh, the Justice Crew. So yeah, if you got twenty bucks to drop on a CD single, um, I'd go this over the Justice fucking Crew. Twenty mil um, every day of the week. So you look, just can't really yeah. f- like dance is still so popular, especially in Europe. Twenty they million. Love that shit. That's love getting it. close to like pink. For not for individual DJs, for three DJs in a short-lived supergroup mm. who put out their first album this yep. year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, what how many Ice MCs got? Must be fifty. <laughs> sure. so. All right, uh, twenty-sixth yeah. of November, one week, Tom. Um, what you've done to me, Samantha Jade? Ah, yes, Samantha Jade. <laughs> what can you tell me about this? Well, first up, uh, this was the winner's single from season four of the reboot of The X Factor oh, Australia. Fucking nice. Pause for breath, which yep. Samantha Jade won. 
Yep. The song is another nugget pinched out by DNA songs oh, of yeah. Guy Sebastian fame. Yep. Plus Tanya Doko from Bachelor Girl, if your memory goes back that <laughs> Jesus far. Jesus Christ. And the government-mandated Swedish guy, in this case an ex-colleague of Max Martin's called Jorgen Elifsson, who wrote for Westlife, Boyzone, Britney and Agnetha from ABBA. Look, this is about as generic Eurodance revival sure. as you can get, I yeah. think. So. This kind of thing shows you what Swedish house yep. mafia are actually doing. Oh, that's, For whatever yep. you think of three guys possibly not actually playing instruments of any kind at the front of an enormous crowd, at least the music is of some that kind last, of quality. That uh, last Swedish house mafia song, I think... Um, or in even that style, Gangnam is a very, style, is a very good song. Sake, you know? That's a, the the um, yeah. it's got something. Don't you worry, child. It's yeah. a catchy song. It's got an emotional here. component. Yeah. It it makes you feel something, and you can dance to it. I mean, what the fuck is this um, I would dance to that on the side of a river. Um, sure, I'd dance to drugs, Gangnam Style if you gave me six beers. This, uh, yeah, exactly. I would need um, a a lot of drugs to dance to this one I think so look um, the video I don't know Tom if you noticed that but it seems to be filmed inside an active volcano so oh, we okay. should be thankful <laughs> Samantha Jade wasn't burned alive in the process mm. um, but look I guess Tom you know I know what, what you want to ask you asked me what the fun story was before and I said who the fuck cares so you probably don't want to ask me what the Samantha Jade sure. story is but I'm going to give it to her anyway so look it's one of perseverance <laughs> the Samantha Jade story is perseverance, Tom. Sure. In 2003, um, she and her family moved to Los Angeles to pursue music. Now, at that mm-hmm. stage, she was uh, 15, I believe. Yep. 2004, she signed with US record label Jive Records, um, who's a legitimate record label, not just some fly-by-night bullshit. And she recorded a few demo tracks, and she co-wrote a song, Secret Love, which was recorded um, for the soundtrack to the 2004 film Shark Tale. So she's going to be the next Brian Adams, basically. She's, yep. she's co-writing songs for great films, um, such as Shark Tale. 2006, yep. she uh, recorded the title track to Step Up for the dance film Step Up, Tom. You may be familiar <laughs> with that. So sure. she's in soundtrack territory. That song was written by Diane Warren and produced by Wycliffe Jean. Um, 2007, she released her follow-up single, Turn Around. Um, so look, she's doing a lot of single work at this stage. Okay, so it got to the point where she finally released... Sorry, recorded an album, My Name is Samantha Jade. It's a very sort of great, great, great album title, title yeah. because it's, you know, it's factually accurate. Um, unfortunately... Um, the, the single turnaround debuted and peaked at number 83 on the ARIA charts. And after three years with the label, they the Jive said, mm-hmm. my name is Samantha Jade, shelved. Unreleased. Okay. Yeah. So set back number one. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, except the label dropped her then. They went, oh. we don't want you to partake in us Bugger. anymore. So there you go. But look, um, she got picked up by Affinity West Entertainment. She recorded the album Golden Touch, shelved. <laughs> Oh, okay. So she's got two shelved albums. The yeah. girl, you know. So there you go. Um, after that, what do you do? Two shelved albums. Mm. Not sure mm. what's going to mm. happen with your career. So she decided to go into the X Factor, and she won. Fantastic. Um, so once she did that, um, her old record label decided that they would release the shelved album. One of the shelved oh, albums. So yeah. So that's basically her story. Um, she also did some acting in a film called Beneath the Blue, 
which was a sequel to your favourite film, Tom, I believe, I the Dolphin. I know you're a big fan of that one. <laughs> sure. um, I thought you were going to say Blue Crush, and it was like, no, I've actually heard of that. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, she did a track with David Guetta for his fourth studio album. Um, the track didn't make the, the, the album, unfortunately, uh, so another setback. Um, so, yeah, a few hit hiccups here and there, but yes. she finally got there. Um, after a couple of shelved albums and a few David Guetta collabs that didn't go anywhere, um, moved back to Perth. She's from Perth. Sure. Went on the X Factor and she made it. And then after winning, after that struggle mm-hmm. of several years, um, they allowed her to release this hot garbage, Tom. At that point, you might have to ask yourself, would I not have been better off just in the modern world, just re- releasing shit under my own name. Yeah, look, maxing I think out so. a few credit cards for a basic promo budget, and you know, and you rather go. than selling my soul to Satan for fifteen minutes of non-fame. I think in two thousand and twenty that would be a best bet, but maybe in two thousand and twelve yeah. it still seemed like maybe. a good idea to I go. I can only the imagine. I mean, you know. Say what you like about reality TV, but I can only imagine how frustrating it would be to go to all the effort of really putting your heart and soul into two entire albums, yeah. and then just having a record company go, "No, nah, yeah. we own these, and we're not going to put them out." Yeah, you know, we just don't feel like it. Even though at this point we don't even have to physically print CDs, we could just release them online, but we're not going to do that because we don't want to. You know, yeah. either that or they sucked absolute ass. I guess that might have been. Well, they were terrible, Tom. Did I, uh, <laughs> did I mention though? I think I failed to mention that mm. she also had a short-lived stint on Home and Away. Ah, uh, well, you know, so there you go. if that's not going to get you a music career, I don't know what is. Yeah, but I think I mean, after I've worked for Kylie and all those other people. Yeah, after crickets, an, <laughs> after an extended period though of sort of failed singles and non-album yeah. releases maybe do you need to look at yourself for a second and just say okay look maybe you need a little bit more than a pretty face and yeah. the ability to hold a tune I guess you need that uh, X factor <laughs> that perhaps she obviously doesn't have because no one's really cared about following a career well that's so, the perfect irony of the show title yeah, X factor is if you had it you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be on this yeah. fucking show <laughs> Yeah, so look, I guess that's it. That's the exact thing, yeah. But as we've learnt, Tom, if she was to just say, maybe I, I, I'm good, but I'm not great, I'm going to give it away, mm-hmm. we know that that leads to a career of turning the sign from slow to stop on a roadwork <laughs> site. So look, anyway. Mm-hmm. But look, to her, sort of, you know, what I will say, Tom, is at least she hasn't stooped to the level of releasing a Christmas album. Oh, no, wait, she has. Oh, it's called The hell. Magic of Christmas. God damn it, so, you had me going for a yep. minute there. She has released one called The Magic of Christmas. <laughs> but, Tom, her commitment to making it in the mainstream, to get it to, you know, actually getting from that step of sort of being you know, a wannabe artist or sort of a very fringe artist to becoming a popular artist, she, she's gone mm-hmm. all in because um, she's even got to the point where she's engaged to Pat Hanlon, the son of uh, Dennis Hanlon, a disgraced former CEO of Sony Music Australia. So she's mm. she's got engaged to the CEO of Sony Music Australia's <laughs> son um, in the hope move. of trying to get big. <laughs> so Hanlon, uh, the dad, he was alleged to have routinely singled out members of staff for humiliation and Im- intimidation. 
which left many traumatized and resulted in uh, 50% annual turnover of staff, which is obviously good. It's, it's alleged that he uh, ordered employees to be fired for, quote, not smiling at him or that he didn't like to look at them. Uh, he fired people for being pregnant and several women were made redundant while on maternity leave and received cash settlements following the termination of their company. So he's obviously a good dude. But look, um, Pat, the son, mm -hmm. um, who's engaged to the fiancé of Samantha Jade, he was also a Sony Music executive, and I assume he was there due to his ability to sign and mentor up-and-coming artists and had nothing to do with the fact that his dad was the boss. So mm -hmm. all good. <laughs> God damn it. Ah, wow. I mean, it's a great story. Everyone looks great. I'm happy with everyone involved in that entire situation. They all reflect very well on them as human beings. So, Samantha Jade's had to call it... She's had to um, postpone a wedding three times, apparently, due to COVID, so, but it's all good. That's true. I mean, it could be worse. She could be marrying Kyle Sandlands for an internship in <laughs> Jesus. Kyle Tech or whatever his <laughs> fucking corporation's yep. called. Look, uh, for the first live performance show in September 2012 on X Factor. Samantha sang Katy Perry's Wide Awake mm. and received praise from all four judges. Ronan Keating said, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but that was better than Katy Perry. While Guy Sebastian added that every singer in the country just literally went, oh my gosh. Ben, life is short. Sometimes it pays to save your good metaphors for situations that deserve them, especially when the real-life situation provides its own perfect encapsulation. There's no metaphor I could create which would summarise the current Australian mainstream pop industry better than a twat from an Irish boy band who can't get work in Ireland and a guy called Guy who only has a career because of reality TV on reality TV arguing about who sung the better version of a shithouse auto-tuned Katy Perry song written by six Norwegian cunts on computers in a factory in Oslo. Yeah, look, I have no idea why it expressed such hyperbole for something so trash. <laughs> um, you reckon every singer in Australia is going, oh my God, somebody did a passable cover of a <laughs> Katy Perry song. I, I also like that what Guy Sebastian, even when he's trying to think of the most heightened exclamation that he can think of still goes for oh my gosh yeah because that's the you know end of a loaf of white bread version of a exclamation yeah you know? oh my gosh every singer in australia is <laughs> not shit gonna... beeped out yeah. or not wow just oh my gosh Bullshit. You know what you say when your four-year-old gives you a particularly good stick that they found on the ground? Oh. You want to convey excitement <laughs> exactly. while out getting your hands too dirty? Uh, all right, have you got anything else for this or should uh, I move on to the high-end lyrics? Not really. Lyrics, please, Tom, yeah. Uh, you shot your love through my defences and left me wide open. Feels like my feet can't touch the ground. That's what you've done to me. Uh, three... <laughs> Shitty metaphors for the price of one there. Uh, as in the Madonna song, Like a Virgin, clearly this is about getting reamed by some major dick, possibly while filming a video for Pornhub or perhaps OnlyFans. They tell me that's what the kids are into these days. I'm not sure, but whatever it was, I'm sure it was every bit as dignified as going on X Factor and having your vocal chops assessed by a guy from Westlife, a chick from the Spice Girls, the guy who sang Angels Brought Me Here and Natalie Bassingthwaite. <laughs> Now, if those four had a gangbang, I'd watch it, maybe, but only with the sound off. 
Yeah, the lyric, you shot your love through my defences, sounds pretty gnarly. Mm, um, and I, left her wide open yeah, with her feet that can't touch the ground. I imagine she's referring to a cum shot in an OnlyFans video <laughs> she made with a former Sony record executive <laughs> with a father who has a reputation for sexual harassment. Yeah, so, it seems like it. Look, um, she did a song with Pitbull, Tom. <laughs> Which needed to be much better, admittedly. Um, Pitbull said that he wanted to see her in a birthday suit <laughs> and that she's not like Vincent Van Gogh in the lyrics. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, not, oh, yeah, not yeah, in so, real life. No, I sorry, was going to say she lyrics. probably got enough of that from I want to see you in your birthday suit. And, he re- and when he says he's not like Vincent Van Gogh, um, he says that because um, Tom Pitbull is all he is. <laughs> So that's I'll pay uh, that. That's not pay that. <laughs> that's a early Beastie Boys quality. I'm not like Vincent Van Gogh. I'm all is so um, Pitbull. Tick for that one. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, having watched was Sarah- that song. I'm assuming that song was better than this too. It couldn't be any worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Pitbull's in it, so it's better. But it's, it's Mr. Still kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look. Um, having watched several of her videos, I can say that she has two distinct styles. Mm-hmm. She doesn't quite have two musical modes, like Justin Derulo, <laughs> but she has two distinct distinct styles. So in some videos, mm-hmm. okay, one, she has black hair. And in uh, other videos, she has blonde hair. Wow. But I can say that in both of those styles, with both hair colors, the music is equally as shit. Yeah, so I had there a you feeling go. it might be. Um, um, all any, right. Anything else on that? No. Okay. Uh, she has three hundred thousand on Spotify. Wow, that's more than I would have thought. Yeah. That's more than uh, Neon Dildo from yeah. uh, the Gym Class Hero. How much would you pay for this? Um, if I was walking past the shop and there was five cent coin in the gutter, I'd pick it up for the this. You're gonna need eight bucks. Eight Tom. bucks. Sorry. Wow, yeah. that's a pretty high end that's it like is. the second most expensive what was 20 bucks uh justice crew justice crew <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell which seems oh, insane this to me. the justice crew god seems there's, insane a, there's to a nail yep. biter um All 3rd right. of december for six weeks tom for this year to the next let's hit it up it's macklemore and ryan lewis featuring wans <laughs> fuck is that guy wans <laughs> wans wans thrift shop Wow, this hit, was hit a me with this. huge fucking hit too. I mean, not not as worldwide as uh, as uh, Gangnam Style, but it was yeah. a massive hit. Uh, it introduced the world to Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, and you know who's been allowed to forget them since. Uh, it was certified <laughs> diamond in the US and platinum in many other countries. Uh, it hit number one in several countries, including the US, Canada, and Australia. Now look. This is not going to make me popular, but I do kind of like this song. I'll admit it. Is it extremely daggy? Yes, it totally is. Although partly on purpose, I mean, it is literally about buying old crap at an op shop. Yeah. Is it white rap? Yes, indeed it is. Uh, but it is catchy as a motherfucker and you can dance to it if you want, like if you've had, you know, 12 beers and also nobody involved has reality TV connections. Jesus Christ, I thought we were past that, but I guess not. Yeah. Look, I know, I'm, I'm assuming just from the tone of your replies that you fucking hate this. No, I can, listen. I, I can predict it. And that's no, fine. No, 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 no. It's, he, he's a very hateable figure in a lot of respects. I have I have fond memories of this song, Tom. Um, I moved back to Australia 
around oh, the time that this song came out. That was then. Roughly-ish. Ten well, years ago. A bit before this, but um, did you... Channel 10 used to have a, a show called The Loop. Yes. You ever see yeah, The Loop? like a video hit sort of So, um, I spent a lot of time, um, my wife and I, we probably, you know, Friday, it's after work, you'd go probably drink too much, be a bit hungover, you'd sit down and from 9am to I think 11am every <laughs> Saturday, not every week, but you know, once a month or something, you'd be like, let's watch the fucking charts and see what pop oh, yep. songs are on at the moment so we'd often watch the loop and this was on every week for i reckon six months or yeah, whatever so really uh, look this time. catchy yes agreed um because it has that cool sort of like, do, 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 like yeah. horn sort of i loop. should have checked the samples for this yeah, i forgot to checked, do that yeah. Yeah. so that was cool um there's an r kelly pissed sheets <laughs> reference Sure is. Um, which is good. <laughs> Obviously doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's sort of, um, I think Macklemore, prob- I assume, if, if he hasn't, I assume he's said this about the song, but it's sort of the um, the antithesis of that typical hip-hop song, which is all about, you know, yes. you know bravado and bragging about, look at my gold yeah. chains and I've got a limo and I'm fucking doing all this bullshit. Whereas this song's effectively about him just going and spending five bucks on the yeah. cheapest shit imaginable at an op shop. Lord so, did it later on with Royals, but this was before. It. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I don't care. So that's what I like about it. Um, not necessarily in this song, but Macklemore <laughs> in other songs doesn't have the best flow. Like, no, no, he's, he's not kind the best of rapper. the wor- not the worst rapper, but he's not the best. Um, no, no, he's, this, he's this is, no fucking Eminem. This is very sure. passable, but um, yeah, there's certainly other songs that I've heard of his. I'm just like going, this is fucking terrible. Yeah. So he's obviously um, relying heavily on production and stuff yeah, like exactly. That. Was, um, I think this was around the time Mark Ronson started getting really huge as well, and I think he did a lot of work equally, sort of boying up people with yeah, yeah. limited talents into the stratosphere oh, by doing exactly. incredibly by great shit like, and behind yeah, exactly. them. Yeah. Um, so recently, um, Tom, Macklemore, is, he's coming to Australia now. <laughs> he's doing a, one of those package tours where they package up a lot of uh, yep. hip-hop dudes and they're going to get together. Mm-hmm. So he's at that point now, 10 years on, where it's like, oh, let's get Macklemore and yeah, probably Grexon Effect or some <laughs> shit. Fuck those. To come and... Come out to Australia and play like eight minute sets or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. But anyway, so uh, this was recent in Australia. We did an interview on, on TV saying he's come out to do this. And he claims that his kid was conceived at a Shaggy concert. Because <laughs> um, Shaggy's one of the other people that's performing at this thing. Yep. So, um, which is either A, not a true story, mm-hmm. B, lame as fuck, or C, fucking radical. <laughs> what do you think? If you were able to bear children, Tom, um, mm. and were getting dicked by Macklemore at a Shaggy concert, which I imagine it's something you've thought about previously, yeah. um, what song would you wanting to be get dicked to? Which Shaggy song do you think you'd be sort of thinking, yeah, Macklemore oh. is dicking me. Let's let's that's that's this is the kids conceiving song. Well, probably my favourite Shaggy song is "Wasn't Me," but that's probably the worst thematically. No, it's, fine. it's okay. It's okay. There's no right or wrong answer, well, because you can't have kids, Tom. So there's no wrong answer here. That's right. Well, look, uh, I was going to ask, what's the best thing you've ever found at a charity shop, Ben? Yep. 
I think my personal best uh, was two rad martini glasses some old guy donated for 50 cents each, uh, some cheap paperbacks and a variety of last minute emergency costume party gear. I also like how charity shops are one of those rare retail opportunities that actually improve the further you get away from a city. <laughs> you know, a bit like hamburgers with the lot and CWA Lemmingtons. Almost everything else improves retail-wise as you approach a hub. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, Tom, it's a really good question. It's hard to say. Um, I've bought so much uh, shit from charity shops over the years. Um, mm-hmm extreme amounts and even even to this very day I still do uh, given that there's a couple of you know those old school ones that are fucking massive yeah like um, a lot of them have shut down over the years but I still have a couple within like five minutes walk from my house and my kids actually quite like going there because when you have kids you sort of realise that uh, every shop sells the same five toys so you go in there and it's like oh there's the Lego there's a matchbox yeah, whereas cars, in a charity Barbies, shop, you might this... actually find some weird old shit they don't sell anymore. Exactly. Like a Buzzy Bee covered in lead paint that you're not allowed to sell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you go into an op shop. Oh, well, and... there's those Chinese things that were the little blocks that you glue on little sticks that turn out to be covered in GHP. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's, I know. you know, you're not going to get that in <laughs> Toys R Us. <laughs> exactly. So that's the thing, like, you sort of go in and the kids are, you know, most of the time you'll go to to an op shop and it'll be, you know, kind of garbage. But when you go in there with kids occasionally, they'll be like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, yeah, great. It's like, it's also a dollar. And then sure. you're also, you know, not buying more plastic shit for refill. It's like sort of to go into landfill, like it's sort yeah. of something you're recycling. And then when you finish with it, you just give it back to them and then they sort of resell it again and the cycle continues. So hard to know um, what the best thing is. I bought a heap of... Probably good band shirts there, De- more like 20 years ago though, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like when you could find a, a Def Leppard Hysteria shirt for 50 cents, um, you know, that people sell that on Depop these days yeah. for like 400 bucks, so it's hard to sort of like compare, but um, yeah, I don't know, It's uh, I always find it fun because as, as you mentioned, uh, you never know what you're going to find. So. Yeah, moving to Melbourne was a bit. It was a bit uh, of a downer in that respect because there's so much sort of hipster traffic in the, uh, especially the music sections of op shops here that you're not likely to find that much. And the clothes even usually end up in the dedicated retro vintage shops. If there's anything oh, yeah. good, it ends up there, and then you're not paying fifty cents from an old lady for charity. You know, like yeah. In, whereas when going to Hobart, like you just find some crazy shit sometimes. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. You, this is a fucking best. sea captain's jacket with matching hat for two bucks. Like <laughs> suddenly you're fucking Macklemore and thinking I could match this with a fetching kilt over here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, don't go to Brunswick. Shops. <laughs> no, just this is pointless. Avoid that. It's pointless. pointless. They're picked yeah. clean. By exactly. each other. Exactly. Um, I did read, though, that um, Macklemore was asked whether he still goes to thrift shops. Because mm-hmm. after the song, he was, they were just like, oh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I still like doing it, but I have to wear like a fake moustache. <laughs> so, and like a, we- like a wig and a hat yeah. or something and a fake moustache. So, look, anyway. I heard good. some bloody lefty once saying that they, um, not, not, anyway, politics aside, that some, you know, slightly too concerned about this kind of thing person saying um 
Oh, uh, it's, it's a, it annoys me that he, you know, he popularised going to, you know, to get hipsters to go to thrift shops and buy stuff, you know, from pe- there are people who need those cheap clothes and stuff. I'm like, dude, that ship's fucking sailed. Oh, you know? fuck I mean, you. I know you like the idea that, you know, only poor people go to those shops, but yeah, you can fucking forget that. As soon as the first guy realised that you could get secondhand, you know, fucking... Uh, Sugar Hill Gang vinyl in there for 20 cents then that was the end of that shit oh exactly yeah for sure it's certainly um... or ironic t-shirts in the 90s you know oh this has got a unicorn on it sick I'm buying that yeah there was definitely things I remember in op shops you would see sort of um, late 90s early 2000s and it's just like oh no (laughs) one's ever gonna want these 1992 bad parachute material tracksuit <laughs> tops ever again and, and they had fucking wrong. hundreds of them <laughs> yeah. for like 50 cents yeah. and it's like we're, you know it's just like they're gonna have to go in the garbage and then nah. flash forward to 2015 yeah uh, and probably a bit more closer now and there's like yeah hipsters that are like yeah. wearing the most ill-fitting yeah. shitty looking not to Barcelona Olympics norm core like oh, you know like course, who's yeah. buying all the old Bunnings t-shirts from the ex-employees and stuff oh yeah exactly you yeah. know so or a fucking Kmart you know knockoff American basketball baseball caps with the tag still hanging off the side oh, yeah, and yeah. shit like yeah so definitely um, if you see something so yeah my, my advice is to any young people if you're at the op shop and you see shit it's like no one's ever going to want this ever again no, buy it all now put it in a box and then in five years time you'll be able to yep. sell it for a hundred times and if price. people call you a hoarder then just tell them that you're trying to get on that TV show about hoarders exactly <laughs> all right. highlights lyrics, lyrics. Uh, yeah uh, limited edition let's do some simple edition $50 for a t-shirt that's just some ignorant bitch shit I call that getting swindled and pimp shit. I call that getting tricked by business. That shirt's hella though, and having the same one as six other people in this club is a hella don't. Come take a look through my telescope. Trying to get girls from a brand, man, you hella won't. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a dude in a Vetements or a Gucci t-shirt, that is kind of what I think as well, yep. without the trying to sound like a black person quite so much. I don't care if it's got fucking diamond lapels and a holographic projection of Pamela Anderson's cans coming out of it. All I can think is, that dude paid $600 for that fucking t-shirt. Unless it's giving him free blowjobs in the evening, I think the money could have been better spent at the Salvation Army on, for instance, as Macklemore suggests... A skeet blanket, a broken keyboard, a shit brown leather jacket, a mink that smells like R. Kelly sheets, a kneeboard, Velcro sneakers, a velour jumpsuit, a wolf hat, and your granddad's old overcoat. Yeah, I'd take all of that over one stupid-ass off-white shirt or an anti-social social club exactly the same as every single other person. (laughs) Exactly, and that's sort of like, as I mentioned before, with like kids' toys, that's the thing, you know, you're going to... Yeah, totally. Oh, shit, there's something that I've not seen before, so... Yeah, you could pay $400 for a Lego Technics of a Mack truck, or you could get a whole bunch of weird, crazy Japanese knockoff shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, that's all I've got to say. That's it for the year? Sure. I was going to... I mean, I was going to ask you to discuss uh, Beyonce's new Eurobeat renaissance, but maybe we can talk about that. Jesus, yeah. Hopefully next week. It's a fucking Beyonce's gone all Eurobeats in on she that. She has. So. She's. I. It's time that was it comeback. I hope Melody MC and um. You know Ice MC and yeah. 
all Had the away, MCs. they're all lining up. Oh, yes. absolutely right, <laughs> for sure. Um, if you're erotic, yes, yep, yep, all those guys. Um, I should just point out biggest song not to hit number one this year. Uh, Starships by Nicki Minaj. Ah, I thought for a moment <laughs> you were going to say Starship with We Built This City. Oh, if only, if only. Maybe if you've been um, covered by the cast of Glee. And on. look, that song's uh, pretty trash, but I will say that I think Nicki Minaj may pop up in a future episode. Was so. that from her sort of brief electro dance period? Is um, that the one that kind of sounds a bit... Dancy, or is it more hip hop? She did have She's, a few. She, yeah, I think this one's a bit was, more hip hop ish, but. Um, there was a bit where yeah. she went all Beyonce's Eurobeat Renaissance and started wearing like neon and. Yeah, yeah anyway. this, this is a bit earlier than that. So um, it's not it's not a Sir Mix a Lot cover as of No, opinion, so. no. Anyway, so thanks for listening. That's 2012. We'll be back uh, next episode with 2013. Um, we've got an Instagram. I'll probably try and update it. There's a YouTube thing sure. or whatever the fuck. And uh, thanks for listening. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Give us some reggae.